Hello, everybody, and let me start off this week by giving a huge thanks to Mark M. Remzo from the Second Print Comics Podcast for sponsoring us all of these episodes. And I just want to tell you, you need to go and subscribe to their podcast, their YouTube channel, and then meet me over on their Patreon because they really do a lot of great stuff on every sort of platform that they're on. And really, all you have to do is look up Second Print Comics on anywhere that you're listening to the podcast right now and subscribe to that. Then go to YouTube, do the same thing, Second Print Comics, and make sure you enable the notifications so you know when they go live. And then you'll you'll get it. You'll end up listening. You'll fall in love with those sexy guys, and you'll end up joining me. On the Patreon, I am sure of it. And this week, if you do tune in, you will end up hearing them talk to one of their patrons about their first comics that they got. It's one of their patrons, Eric, who is talking about the Uncanny X-Men and goes through a deal of what is journey into comics and things like that. And that's something that I always love to hear. And they do it just really, really good. It's a really cool thing to listen to. I love getting everybody involved, and so do they. So, yeah, go and check that out. And the reason why I know that that's what is waiting for you over on their feed is because I listen to the podcast every Wednesday when they drop and even listen to early access on their Patreon. But I'm going to give you some of the stats here so that you can find them all over the place. Remember, look up Second Print Comics wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube and subscribe there. Go to Twitter and Instagram at Second Print Pod. Go to their website, secondprintcomics.com. And as I said, I think that eventually you'll join me on their Patreon, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. They talk about pop culture, comics, all the things that if you're listening to our podcast, you're definitely into. And yeah, I'm into it as well. And that's why we all end up doing all these things. But they are really, really good. Check them out. Thanks again, guys, and we're going to go off to this week's show. People of Earth, how are you? Welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm a brave boy, Eric Shea. You son of a bitch. I planned it <laughs> all week. I'm a brave what? boy, Jim Werner. You're not a brave boy. I was. I'm a brave boy. I'm a big well, this boy, is Jim the, Werner. This is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 478. I even thought to myself, you know what? I think that he might do it, but maybe not. Maybe he'll forget because me and you ended up looking into... A lot of the golden Pinky age the sidekicks, kid. and we looked into Pinky the Whiz Kid. And he, I'm a brave boy. I'm like, oh, wait. And just as an aside, if you did read the Star Girl, The Lost Children, and you did want to know more about Pinky, you can look up his origin. You could look up his first appearance. They're actually, what's I was going to say, common law. They're actually, That's common uh, law, everybody. what is it where you can uh, end up? Public where you domain? Can, public domain, yeah. You can find common law, everybody. Their, common law. They're married. You didn't know this? Uh, but yeah, I ended up going on a site that has all that public domain stuff. And I got a couple of the issues. They're tough. They're tough to read through. But uh-huh. Pinky actually was and why he's Wizkid is because he ended up figuring out 
the uh, the identity of Mr. Scarlet, just like a Tim Drake with Batman. I thought that was pretty neat, Eric. Pretty neat. He's a brave boy. He is a brave boy. He says it like three times in the first deal at the end. They're like, oh, my God, do you really think that you're going to be able to be a sidekick? Because he does actually blackmail Mr. Scarlet to make him the sidekick. And he's like, like, I don't know. Yeah, he goes, I don't know. Are you going to be able to do it? And he said, I'm a brave boy. And then they all laughed. And then he died the next issue. That's where he does. Now he ended up doing okay. But really, the redesigns of the costumes. Amazing. They're so much better. Like when people got upset where you had. I think it was Ryan Sook who redesigned some of the Legion of Superheroes with Bendis and some of the things right. that, that people lost their mind. Nobody's losing their mind at the reinvention of the sidekicks costume. Thank God Sparky looks the way he does. Everybody looked the same. If you're like, oh, I'm with the Mr. Scarlet, then you just have a red thing with your name initial on it. That's almost always what it was. But hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I was planning to have a bit of an April foolery here with the April Fool's Day, but like Eric some kind doesn't of jackass. like that. Me and you don't like that, and I thought it would be fun well, for me to didn't. do it. Well, I don't. <laughs> well, I'm not doing it, but I thought it'd be fun to just play and not tell you so that the reaction was all natural. But I couldn't think, and then I was thinking I was just going to say, I quit the show. And Eric's going to continue on with his buddy Bruno. But then you would be like, what? <laughs> you wouldn't go along with it. But no. hey, everybody, it's April Fool's Day as we're recording hey, here. And so do I. And uh, with all of that, though, welcome all you weirdos. Welcome to the Get Fresh crew. <laughs> and we have a bunch of books tonight. Not all of them are great. But as, like we, every week. as we do in the Get I think it's a little worse this week, but that's just me. But as we do in the Get Fresh Crew, we're going to have fun with that. That is the motto, the mantra, the whatever you want to call it of the Get Fresh Took Crew. Took over 400 episodes to figure out, you know, we can just have fun with these books. I'm like, no, I know. That's the thing. All along, everybody was having fun. I thought I was teaching them, Eric, but they were teaching me. I, I Papa, teach us, your children. I was screaming and yelling, and then I get in the, I was giggling when you were yelling. That wasn't fun for me. <laughs> I was losing my mind. Uh, but tonight, I, I will tell you, I did a little screaming of my own just by myself. I actually, Why? I just, <laughs> What's wrong with you, psychopath? Well, it wasn't the comics. I was yelling at Tanya. Uh, oh, okay. It's just I was reading some of these books, and there's a weird play going on, even with our spotlight this week on the Patreon spotlight. Which, if you wanted to know, Eric, and I lost my page. It was Doom Patrol, <laughs> Unstoppable Doom Patrol awesome. number one, and Stargirl Lost Children number five. But I don't know. Some there's something missing sometimes lately with these storytellings. I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I think it's editorial because it's across the line of, of issues not giving you a full story or getting convoluted. I don't know, Eric. I don't like it, but. As I was going to say later when I do lose my mind is the idea that most for the most part, though, the good stuff is the, you know, Donna DC stuff. So hopefully that'll continue on. Definitely Harley Quinn number 28, right? Well, I'm not considering that a Donna DC. I ended up doing a video review for that already. I said I'm not that is null and void to me. I'm not I'm not including it. But we have some stuff coming up like Green Arrow, which I'll tell you is really good. But. September seems to be the month now that they're loading up a bunch of books because I know September. that Eric, yes, yeah, September. When we get to that, we have it's so far away. I know it is. It is, Eric. It is just like your heart to me. 
You have the Flash, what? Wonder Woman coming back. You have Ironworks. You end up having the Hawk Girl book and now the newly announced Batman and Robin book all Ironworks. in September. Yeah, that Iron Steel. The Steelworks, I meant. Okay. Oh, you couldn't figure out that that's what I, I, you know. I honestly thought that was coming out next month. So when you talk about stuff coming out in September, I'm like, what the hell is Ironworks? No, that's all September. Ironworks. Right. You know, Ironworks and Bird Girl. They're all coming out in September, Eric, right? And then and then there's Bat Guy and, and Tweety is also. DC but yeah, Comics. It is the Batman and Robin with Damien back, so that's cool. I wonder what's going on with Tim Drake, though. Oh, my. He's being forgotten again, Eric, just like you. He's one of the lost children, but he's a brave boy. But hey, everybody, if you want to you know, talk to us along the way, you could go over to the Twitters at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you on back. Hit our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Check out reviews there from Gabe, right? And then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. Yeah, a little. Some video stuff. I, I Actually, I did do a written review of Blue Beetle this week. Thanks for reminding okay. me, Eric. Yeah, I, I thought you did like four this week. No, no, I did that, and I did like four videos, but only no. one written review. Uh, the video's a lot easier, Eric. Even though I write up a review and then go from it, but I should just put it up there. But uh, on the Patreon, if you go there, there's a bunch of shows, exclusive shows, a lot of shows with some classic books, a lot of reading clubs that aren't even just DC. We have a Walking Dead reading club. A Hellboy reading club, but some stuff DC, like uh, Gotham Central reading club, and Injustice reading club, all that stuff. But we also have now selling the DC parts. Uh, we also have, I didn't know what I was saying. And then we also have our Patreon only spotlight and exclusive podcast each and every Thursday, picked by the bad asses of the Get Fresh crew. They picked two uh-huh. books, and this week they picked Star Girl, The Lost Children, number five, and Unstoppable Doom Patrol. Number one, as we Thank always God that said. Patience, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you end up having that is there's another Dawn of DC book that some people are excited about, but yeah, check out our Patreon. You can it's get a list. list of shows you wouldn't allow it, and so I, it's not on there. It's not going on there now. Uh, I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite so fond of it, is what I will say right now. Right? Is that how you would say it? You there? didn't dislike it as much as you originally thought, though. By the end, you actually had me liking it more by the end. So I do appreciate that. I thank you. I thank you for that, Eric. You're welcome. I don't know what's going on tonight. Hey, everybody. I do. Uh, here the is podcast. here is the badass roll call for all them badass. Uh. Uh. No. Uh. They call me Jim, and I'm here to say that I'm a brave boy almost every day. Uh, uh, uh. We have Michael Jordan. Not anymore. Eric J, Double J, Jeffrey Greek, Zach Walker, Stephen Batdad, Mitchell the Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S. Pam, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, uh, Niels T-Work, David Fink, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G, Ken Hallett, Comic Boom, Rocky, The Grinning Man. It's True, not I'll sexy. never forget him. It's not sexy now. I, I do what remember are you talking him. About last, last week you told me that after that issue of Nightwing, I will never remember The Grinning Man. And I told you I will never forget The Grinning Man. One week running. I'll get back to that. Mark Jager, Ruben, Carlos, The Wolf Marv, Matthew Rapier. Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, my man Pete from NYC, Batman Beyond, Mark, Brandy Murray up there in Buffalo and doxing his ass in Minnesota, Double A, Ron, and all-time greats, we got Reginald, 
Drinkwater and Rob Lewis and possibly Manship. I can't get a hold of the guy. <laughs> I don't think he's dead. He has disappeared. He's disappeared. And I looked. I have not heard from him in a year. And then I went and searched him out. I was, you know, stalking. And I see weird stuff going on that I forgot to tell you about. But, yeah. Oh. Uh, the thing that I said to remember is you said Gritting Man, right? So I, I say uh-huh. that. Or somebody did. And I'm sitting there as I'm talking like, the fuck was that from? I swear to God. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, and then you said I'm like. Oh, well, I guess I was right, at least for me. But yeah, with all that, those are the badasses. Thank the badasses. Thanks, everybody, on the Patreon. As Thank you, you know, we carry over into the next month. And this is one of those recordings that we do on the first of the month. So thanks, everybody, one and all. But we're going to go off to the books. Like we said, we have a plethora plus two. Got a bunch of uh, craziness. And maybe, maybe what I think is the worst book I've ever read. But also has some of the best moments the book has ever had. It's a weird play, but that's that'll be at the see end. You You'll three see hours. what we're talking about. Yeah, see you in 20 hours. All right, but that's it. We're going to go off and start the show. With an ancient deed in their hand Walking through the streets of Gotham in the rain They brought a big guy with them They call Gil Ten Claw He's got the old asthma running in his veins See two fish standing at the door. Does she not go in? Ubu got mutilated late last night. Werewolves in Gotham again. Uh, Yes, sir. Draw blood. Here we go. And no. I've said it before, and I will be able to play that song for many a year, it seems. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And we actually get a little backstory of, of old Ten Claw. Do we? Of, right? Do we? He's mentioned. I saw him going through the desert or something. Yeah. Get that. Uh, one thing that I do have to kind of tip my hat, maybe even take it off, Eric, and look to the heavens and say, boy, I really hope. No, no, I actually oh. thought, well, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I really thought they might, and I hope they would forget that Ubu had been killed. I thought that by now they would have said, ah, we brought him back. We brought He Ubu was only back. forgotten about being dead in the Lazarus reign. Here he is still dead, thankfully. Yeah, he is. Maybe it's mentioned because he will just be coming back, Lazarus stuff. Maybe the Lazarus no, always Lazarus got stuff. him. We're I don't know. Hey, I, I hear there's resin around, the rain, the snow. I said... 
I would have been collected in a freaking milk jug selling that shit. I would have Can't been doing do it. That. Government hey. doesn't allow that. Yeah, I guess not. Oh, well. But hey, everybody, we have a bunch of books in this section. Three big bangers, including the big event, the Lazarus Planet. Revenge of the Gods. I, every time I say Lazarus Planet, I get angry and I don't remember the rest. But we also end up having action comics and detective comics. And all three of those are reviewed over at our site, weirdsciencedccomics.com. You can go and check those out. But with all of that, Eric, I say we get right into this. And if you are playing at home, we have switched and continue to switch action comics first. Right, Eric? Because it's the stronger. Of the book. Is that you think what the you people say? care? Everybody no, they don't. It, but maybe some people do. Maybe you're like, oh my God, Detective Comics is still not first. <laughs> I These still fucking haven't bastards. recovered. Oh my goodness, what shade they throw here. Oh my goodness, they're yonder. yonder. Actually, the funny play is we're talking like that. Like, but We'll be talking like that when we read that dialogue in the Detective Comics. But Eric, take it away. Action Comics number 1053. And our first story is written by... Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Rafa Sandoval, Matt Herms, and Dave Sharp. And in this, we continue our Superman family story as they're taking on Metallo. And the thing is, this issue does a lot right for me. For some reason, though, everything about this anthology, action comics that we have going on, everything feels really short. And for some reason, the Power Girl story feels way too damn long, even though it's the same amount of pages that it always has been. It's just very... Very interesting. But we have the idea where in the previous issue, Metallo went after those Blue Earthers, boom-tubed them back to the place where he was created as Metallo, and then made them into other Metallos, the Necro army that they have now. And now these people are going to be going after John Henry Irons and the rest of the Superman family. And it's a cool little action scene because you up the stakes for Metallo. And it's a weird situation because you have all the kryptonite like affecting the superheroes. Supergirl goes down right away and the kryptonite's in her bloodstream. We have to get her to Star Labs. Actually, we have to get her to Kalex to try to siphon that out in a solar suit on her because we can't have any of the super family dead. But you've upped the stakes with the idea of Metallo made him a threat again. But it's not even the coolest part of the book because in the background of all of this, we've been complaining about the idea of the dawn of DC. Why doesn't this book feel like it's actually matching up with what's going on with the Superman and with Lex Luthor and the Superman court? And... Lex talks about the idea. Yes, I did this Metallo thing before I had the idea to do this. It seemed like something I wanted to do, but things were like, you know, my hand was pushed to the point where I actually had to back you with the Superman Corp and what we're doing right now. And the thing is, we've been sitting here. What is up with Metallo? Is Lex Luthor talking to him through a holographic projector that's in his head while he's in prison? Is it an AI of Lex Luthor and all this stuff? Lex Luthor doesn't seem to be very concerned about the idea that he put a new, like, John Corbin in a new Metallo body. But when he hears that John Corbin's hearing voices, seeing hallucinations, now he's interested. And you've really just made War World interesting again. Because while we know that War World is still out there satelliting you know, the, the Earth, and we have refugees that are being allowed in, not being allowed in, because the Blue Earth is just like, we ain't letting no stinking aliens on our blue planet. You have this still going on, but we're not really doing much. But when you talk about the idea of Metallo's new body being rebuilt using War World technology, That's cool because we don't know what else got in there with that technology. And I think that's cool. And I do think that War World zipped away. I think that when they had that at one point. For some reason, I thought it was still just hanging out because we didn't do much with it. I think that they said in that, you know, 1050 deal when Mm -hmm. I think they said, hey, we'll go and hey, we'll figure it out. I actually like and hope that I am right. Because then you can't just go and figure it out. Oh, I'm going to go. You really don't know what's going on with that suit. And this is the thing. I was talking to you before. and Now I realize. (sighs) I realized before, me and you were talking before we recorded, and I was talking about how 
man, this anthology bit, of the, and I think that's when I couldn't hear you because we had a problem with the deal because I said, and you just said it, the anthology bit of this makes this feel like, I don't, I can't even Three explain it. Three stories that you don't get enough of each issue. Yeah, and yet the page count is still kind of, the it's, it's weird. But by the end, and, and I'll blame that Power Girl story, which when we get to it, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's if we just had two stories that were really interesting. <laughs> it's a weird play with the idea where if I say, man, I just wish it was the Philip Kennedy Johnson action comic story. I really do think that. I wish that this was so alone by itself. But people will say, but we like that Dan Jurgens deal. And we, but those are all going to flip-flop around and things like and that. Things that already happened, they have no real consequence in the current continuity because it's already happened. We know that nothing bad can happen overall. More so that what already bad has happened to John Kent besides this. But it's one of those stories where it's like, here you go, everybody, a young John Kent. And it's fine. But when I get there, like the thing is, like, what are we doing with our small page space with this that's very interesting overall? And that's my problem is, as you read the story, because I think there's some great moments in this Philip Kennedy Johnson deal. Me too. And then the Dan Jurgens, it's fine. It's nice. It's, but it's less. It's just such a backhand. You know, it's fine. It's still <laughs> less than this Philip Kennedy Johnson story. And then you fall off the precipice into the pits of hell for that power girl. So by the end. Where's that goofy? Wow. As you fall off. I don't have a great feeling when I get done. I should really just read the action comics part. The, well, the Philip Kennedy Johnson part. Yeah. Right away, and then just think of how I, and then two days later go and read. That. I don't know. It just ends up when I'm done. It doesn't feel as big you as. You really soured this I'm up, not didn't as you, excited. Power Girl? And I understand the problem is, and if anybody's out there and they're like, what? You're crazy. Like, this whole thing's great. Or if you're Who's like. Who's saying that? Everybody. They all yell at me. But the idea. About Leah Williams' Power Girl? No, about all this and how we're saying okay. the anthology. Because I do think people will. Maybe like the anthology. The reason the anthology part of this is here is because nobody was buying that Philip Kennedy Johnson action comics. And whether or not you sit there and crow about it, it's the best book ever. Who was they buying were. it? Nobody was buying it. Yeah, nobody. They were talk. It was they weren't you know walking the walk. They were only talking the talk, Eric. And that's a shame. It is a sh- now. It's it's lucky for Philip Kennedy Johnson that he gets to continue. Unlike Jeremy Adams on the Flash, because those books right. were around the same area. In the sales and things like that, they weren't good. But what I like about this Philip Kennedy Johnson book, and you kind of touched on the big things, is that it's a continuation of his War World story. But it doesn't dominate. Which felt like it upped the ante of War World and Mongol and stuff like that. And then we bring Metallo back, which is Metallo is a character I love. And it feels like you might be upping the ante of that as well with Lex Luthor in the background, continuing on here, but also doing his own thing. And I like that Superman as well. In. Exactly. Yeah, tying in is great. We were really afraid that it wasn't. <laughs> tying in while still maintaining his story going forward. I'm glad that yeah. they allowed him to do that because there there would be some sort of, you know, idea that editorial might have of like nobody was doing that, so let's shove that away. It's such a weird idea though. Where the tower is almost just a rogue agent now, which makes sense with the the new information that we're given here, but ultimately it's like yeah, I gave uh, John Corbin a new buddy. Just wanted him to go and mess up Steelworks a little bit. I'm like, that was your end goal? <laughs> yeah, that was just his end goal. He wanted to you know, do some tomfoolery. I did Project some, Black. I some, yeah, had some stuff, but now it's all about that hot-ass Superman Corp. And yeah, what I like also about this, you have big moments. Kara goes down. She's hit by kryptonite. She's in big trouble. But then you also have one of these guys that's kind of been changed by Metallo. And Metallo doesn't care. They're They're just, you know... They're fodder. fodder. They're, they're, exactly. They're, 
they're freaking just an, uh, a, an army that they could throw away at this point. And then we remember, oh, yeah, Keenan, I remember you were kind of a piece of shit because he's like, what do we care about these guys? He's not a piece of crap. He is questioning morality and how he sees things right now. And he's working through things with the best teacher ever, Superman. <laughs> Why are these people worth saving? Because if we don't save them now, they'll never have a chance to change. And that is the worst thing yeah, ever. Yeah, this is the their idea. last moment. Their last exactly. action is evil. They can have a chance Great to Superman change. Superman bits. And Keenan says, okay, but to me, and, and I'll aside real quick. I hope to God that you end up having a, first off, I'd love to have the Justice League of China. In this book, one of the stories, if we'd ever get to that with Beiji and Keenan and all that. But I think that there's a play here. They really should have John and Keenan kind of come together and because they both really were thrown into this and didn't really get, you know, John aging in a volcano. But Keenan, he didn't really have any training. If you do any of this, then you have to describe how Keenan, Kong Keenan got his powers. Oh, they're powers. never going to go with and that. And you can't do that anymore because of He's the already Superman in the books. Reborn. They just go, yeah, it really got messed up. <laughs> but I think the best moment here is the interaction with Lex and Superman. And I'm telling you, when Superman comes in and he's like, you know, what? <laughs> like he won't even turn to look at him. You know what I like about prison life? The privacy. And Superman is pissed. Kara's hurt. You know, who knows what's going to happen. And this is him thinking. Connor's crying because Supergirl's hurt. (laughs) Thing is, I like them having, I like that Connor and Kara are having a relationship. But for some reason that we have this year, it always kind of feels forced now. Like even the idea like, oh, we're going to get you good cuz. I'm like, look, I know we've had established background, but you guys never felt that close to me. (laughs) Here's the thing. This is my favorite moment because Superman is pissed. He has come in, even him arriving. Lex has to realize, oh, my God, he's pissed, right? So you're here to break me out like we talked about in Superman. He goes, listen, uh, you know, you're going to ask me questions. I know that you're listening. You're going to see if I'm lying. And Superman's like, "Okay, yeah. And he just he doesn't even say it. He says, if I had your powers, I'd be 10 times the Superman you are. He throws shade at Superman and then says, am I lying? Let's test this out because that's what I think. And I'm telling the truth. I thought that was hilarious. Like Lex has got such balls on him in there. But it's also because he knows Superman won't do anything because he's Superman. And I actually like that play back and forth, the way that this goes on. But Lex does kind of seem like he lets his guard down for a second with the idea, the voice in the armor. But then pulls it back and it's kind of bullshit where Superman says, what are you talking? Well, I'm not really going to tell you what that means right now. I only assume Lex has no idea. He doesn't like to say he doesn't know. But even then, Superman. Has his fist clenched. When Lex was like talking to Manchester, Black was given all the information about War World during Superman's time there and then teleported over there to get the technology and stuff like that, just, you know, advance Lex Corp and all the other things. But he used that technology then to build, you know, the new Metallo, which I don't know if it was there previously or if they ever hinted at it, but I think it's a cool idea that this is the, the catalyst of things going wrong for Metallo. Even the idea where his body now. See, like, Metallo himself has been a shapeshifter through different iterations of the character, but it seems now that it's doing it on its own. He doesn't even realize what's going on around him as he's doing different things for what he believes to be his sister talking to him in his head through a hologram or whatnot. But he's doing all these different things. He's asking questions. He doesn't realize what his reality is anymore. His mind is slipping more because from whatever the body is that is holding his mind is slowly feeling like it's taking over and just altering him a bit to be, making him a puppet essentially to do its bidding. And I'm sitting there. When he, he starts talking about dad and the gun that he brought home and the, the entity inside him doesn't really understand what it's talking about, that it's, it, 
it changes the clothes that like now it's wearing their dad's jacket at the time. Like it's trying to compensate, but it's not quite there. It's this great moment though. I'm like, what is going on? Because obviously this is world. This is a cool way to do something like along the lines of like a Mega Man X2 where when you like a Mega Man X, when you killed the, the Maverick called Sigma, it's consciousness like kept going and kept doing these different things. This Mongol's mind stuck in here. And it's since world world technology, is he able to continue on? Or do we get that really cool Lieutenant Orphan and Darwin where they were a good guy for a little while, but now it's time to evolve and do everything because they were very technologically like uh, oriented with everything they did previously is like Orphan itself. Can't trust Darling. Maybe it's just, or I really did love Darling, but like, is it building a bigger, better Darling by infecting this character, Mattel? I don't know. And I am really worried about the idea, though, if War World is gone and doing outer space shit away from Earth, like, it, what is the physical, is there a physical entity behind it? Or is it just War World itself, the consciousness of the, the War Zone empire within him? I don't know. But yeah, because cool. we had a lot of that War Zone and War World history that you could go, uh, the thing about, even Lex, though, he seems to know what this might be and says, I'm not going to oh, tell no. you, but... World World Technology. <laughs> and he says, you better go and stop this now. I know that. So he, that's what he says to Superman. And then, yeah, that has always been a problem, but now you just... Uh, like, Superman is supposedly stronger than he's ever been. We don't ever really see it. We just hear him say it every now and again. But maybe we can see him finally cut loose because Metallo has always been a problem and a handful. And now Metallo is even stronger than he's ever been and appears with this new technology that's formed his body. And and he is. And maybe that's the play. Like, is this where they had him stronger because now he won't be as affected by kryptonite because the way that Metallo is going to advance that it would normally have killed Superman. So you have to do these things in the back door way to get it. I don't know. We'll have to see. I just want to know where he got all the kryptonite to give to his necro army of freaking blue earthers and stuff like that too. And like, you know, to fuel their Metallo bodies. He has enough of it. That's for sure. So you end up where I like that play in the mind or even the hologram, where it's a sister, and then it just changes, that it realizes, okay, the jig is up and gone, I'm yeah. going to just say, and then Look, it twisted even worse, right? If you don't do what I want you to do, I got to tell you right now, I'm not your sister, no, but your sister is being held in a place that is torturing her, and it's just giving her more and more pain, more pain than she's ever felt in her life, to the point where she wants to beg for death. You're going to do what I say, or I'm going to make that somehow fucking worse. Yeah, and next thing I would, are they going to have to jump to the cinema? She knows she's there shit? because of you. Exactly. Like a Hellraiser. I'm like, holy shit. And yeah, and yeah, now... she's in the labyrinth with Leviathan. And I like this idea because it does change the dynamic, because now this entity, whoever it is talking to him, is pissed and is now like kill superman and his whole family if you don't i'll rip your sister apart it's not like please go and kill superman now we'll do this Her suffering will be even legendary in hell so it's <laughs> gonna be you know getting him even more fired up so that that's pretty crazy but then we go back to the house and i i don't know i wish that you had more of like well we got word from Carol. like everybody oh, seems oh. pretty nonchalant with this uh right when they before go before we get back to the house though we talked about the idea, like, what was up with his sister before? Like, you know, the the hologram in his mind said that Superman took her to a Supermax prison. Luther kidnapped her, all this different stuff. Do you think anything's actually up with his sister? Or do you think she's just living her life all fine and dandy? I, I don't know. Maybe they just – it's weird to say all that but not have her somewhere detained because she could just be out and about and might find her. Maybe it, we'll find out. I mean, it's a, it's – John Corbin. I mean, it is Metallo, so I don't think people would get that upset if we find out his sister died last week in a car accident, and then they're taking advantage of that, possibly. I don't know. Funeral for a friend. You would hope that by the end, and really, here's the thing. Superman is setting up probably what might happen at the end with, with Metallo. The idea, nobody gets to die like this. I went... 
And the big moment for Mattel would be to just get his sister and have, you know, a nice little moment with her at the end. So I hope he might get that, even though right now he's a piece of crap. But uh, I hope Kara's okay as well because she zips off. We go back to the house and we kind of have little house things. And we did get almost what we thought we were going to get. And maybe we thought we wanted to get with the idea that John is jealous as shit. Because he never got to be a kid with his parents. It's, I, I, I wanted to play out over a bunch of issues. Here it just kind of feels like an idea where John felt like he was upset because they had, there's new kids in the house that his parents have now adopted. He's never going to get to have this because he was trapped in a volcano for, in, uh, for seven years by his grandfather and Ultraman and all that good stuff. We saw that previously. Now it's like, hey, uh, you're going to babysit the, the new kids, right, John? Cool. All right. We're going to go off and do some, you know, Kent stuff. You hate us, don't you? No, I don't hate you. I just hate the idea that my family didn't. And we get the, the exposition of stuff you would figure from the way. The only reason that John would be upset about this. So you get all this. But ultimately, John is a good guy. He's happy the kids are here. And he That's can play the with problem. Them and have they them. pull it back right away. They pull it back immediately. So it's already gone. So like any kind of tension and drama that you could bring from this. It is immediately thrown away, and maybe that's for the best of realize. Maybe that's an angle they didn't want to go down and make John maybe look a little su- – I don't even want to say sus. Just like somebody who has actual emotions. The problem is is that's the problem. When you have that, we're fu- we didn't have really anything to do with when he came back. He came back. Everything's no. fine. Let's go. Now, right now, you're going to have Tom Taylor supposedly go because he's going to confront Ultraman and all that. But what we wanted were the emotions that he would feel coming back, and this probably is the most we've had. It's only a page or two, but we have it. And the big play here is, and I have five kids, and they are different ages and stuff like this. And I even saw this with brothers. Oh, I'm saying like one's 27 and another one's 17. Like there's a a bit of a, you know, span there. But yet the idea of all this, he says, you want to play some, you know, Coney ball sometime, Dad. And that was, we saw that before in this book. Yeah. And that's what he's really saying is, Dad, I really want to have some alone time with you. You're always there with the kids. Get the other kids. We'll do it sometime. Yeah, and that's the worst. That is the worst thing because, but that happens. Never mind. You know, I'd have Alex, Dad. our oldest kid, say, can we go to the movies? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Logan and Rafe love that. That's not what he wanted. He just wanted to go with me. For You don't know. To, he never said these You know things. what I mean? Well, if that's a, you know, a little bit of the mind. But you end up, that's something, though, that you don't realize you're actually doing. Because what yeah. what Clark is trying to do is more not to diss John. He's more trying to fold the twins into the family. So he's on the up and up. And then John being upset, you can be upset. And then they come in. It, it just is resolved way too quickly. I wish that they kind of left that here. And then we had some other thing happen where, you know, we see a more of a resolution over a couple issues, like you said. But. It's nice yeah. that he does throw it in there. At least and we even know that he's just thinking about that. to be that. some kind of character quirk for John, where he is the son of Superman, the all-inspiring person of good, and he still has this bit of jealousy that he can't overcome. And like, just have it be some kind of quirk to him. And like, how do you even work? And eventually, maybe you can work through it, but just have it be something that sits there for a while that actually allows the character to be something other than just you know, just like vanilla as he is. And the thing is. The the scene that could have gotten the tears from me, Eric, is when he does go to Lois and Clark and say, you like them more. And they do have to admit, listen, yeah, we're kind of doting on them because we didn't get to do that with you. But that's it's almost like grandkids. It's the kids, John. But, they, but you're our son. We love you, you know. And it really, in my mind, too, it's bringing up memories for and John. And if you stay here, you got to pay us rent. Yeah, really. You're too old for this. You're also, you know, considered Superman. So start making them diamonds. 
right? Isn't that when he puts coal in his ass cheeks and really goes to town, starts twerking? And then the pop I don't out. Know why everything you do has to concern your if, ass cheeks. If, if I was Superman, I I go on TikTok and twerk out shit that diamonds. Thank God you're not Superman. And while that's going, I eat fruit salad so people would think that. And then I guess I could do that myself though. I could just go get some diamonds. You're just putting shit in your butt. I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna make silly clay. You're gonna make yourself a spectacle. They have this puzzle box thing, and again, I think that they're opening up the hell dimension. Uh, they're gonna have this problem with these puzzle boxes, but. You end up where they're playing, and he kind of comes to with this. And as they go out, uh, the uh, girl Wonder Twin, and they are Otho, Otho and Oso, Super Twin. Yeah, and uh, the other Otho is gone. And that, at the end... She's seen some Blue Earth rioting going on in the city, and she yeah, decides that mad. this is the problem, right? And that's the problem right there, where... You got kids. John wasn't supposed to let Oso or Otho out of his sight because he's babysitting. Should have turned also, off the TV. Is what they should have done. They're superpowered beings, and when a superpowered being, this young girl goes out to take matters into her own hands, wearing a Superman symbol on her chest. I, look, I'm not saying that this, the Blue Earthers are good people, but they might have a point when they're being threatened by a godlike alien child. And it's weird because you know you have her as part of the super family, but they're well aware. It seems that she is a war world refugee. So. Yeah. I would have kept that a little more silent, I guess, but that's how it played out. But yeah, you just have a little kid who gets mad and is going to go off and do some things because she's, you know, what's mad. up with her glowing fists? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? She's got those blue eyes and stuff. But yeah, the whole thing ends with John Dunn messed up. I mean, it looks and they're on the thing, and now maybe they'll pull it back. But I see a dead hand, and they announce on the news. I think oh, yeah. somebody's dead. I'm like. What do you do then? What do you do with these super twins if she, in fact, killed somebody? That is way over the top. Well, back to World War with you. I mean, yeah. And that's a shame if you're going to have to do something like that. But I don't know how you can continue. This is why we never embiggen the Kandorians, because shit goes bad when you introduce Kryptonian-like beings around. Those missiles fly out, like, in, in formation, like they're heading south when they do that. I'll freaking blaze in those eyes. They're ridiculous. A flying V? Yeah, Flying V. Uh, <laughs> that's good. I mean, they're uh, the the mighty ducks there. Uh, but it does end like that, and it's a really good issue. It's a really good issue. Now, it's, a installment. it's the same page count as a normal issue. But when you start reading the others, for some reason in my mind, it starts feeling like it was less. Like, maybe it's just because I want it more, and then I have to read the others, even though Dan Jurgens' thing is okay. Yeah, our next story with John, a young John Kent is written by Dan Jurgens, art by Lee Weeks, Elizabeth Brightweiser, and Rob Lee. And we go into this, if you remember, John had a piece of the Doombreaker spine, the horn that was left behind previously. He should have given that up, but he thought maybe it would be best in the hands of a little kid and, you know, hiding it in his tree fort, but... Whatever. And on top of this, we had an alien princess come down looking for the Superman to come and save her because shit's gone wrong in space. Instead, she finds John, and then one of the people who are coming down to terminate her, they find her and John, take her back on the ship. And the meanwhile, we have the, the Doombreaker show up at the Kent family house looking for his horn, and then Superman has to stop looking for his son to go and save Lois because all of a sudden we got a Doom. Honey, we got a Doombreaker at the door. We got a Doombreaker here. And Doombreaker, if you didn't read. The action comics deal that I'll he get was there in. Eventually. Don't shame me. I'm just saying that he I is know. a guy who really doesn't. He's like trying to fight it. 
He's not bad. He's trying to fight it, but it's- he's trying to fight it, but he's being drawn to a piece of him and it's going to make him a complete thing. That's going to be a complete bad thing now. So I'm going to fight it, but I'm drawn here and I have to make the pain go away and become a monster. And unfortunately, it was just a cleanup crew that came in and was cleaning up and kind of got infected and ended just up like doing this. Doomed. Just like Doom, the book from the new 52, if you're not aware of that. Me and Eric liked it, but no, not many other people did, but it was fun. But yeah, it's not just only like that. I like it, they don't remember it. Yeah, I I reread it uh, last week. I got or right after we read the last issue of Action Comics, and it's fun. It's a little. It only clunky. lasts like four issues, right? Yeah, six, I believe. It ended up making okay. a full trade, but uh, it's it's clunky. It is clunky, and I forgot the idea that the Teen Titans show. Like you get a lot of guest stars right. in that as Didn't well. Didn't show up on the Teen yeah, Titans because for that's a few how it went over when he went over to that. So. If you if you want to look it up, it's doomed. It's in the app, so it's pretty oh, cool. Oh, that but, doomsday virus! But Doombreaker here, he's just kind of the device, and it does make Superman not be able to go and get John right away. Unfortunately, John thinks that what you do in a spaceship is just rip the shit apart, and that will stop wrong. it. Well. He ain't, but he is. I mean, if I'm there and me and you are driving, if we're driving, you know, 200 miles an hour in a car and I start ripping shit out like the steering wheel and stuff, yeah, the car eventually will stop, probably on a wall, and we're dead, because that's what happens. What do you You keep saying we. Well, you're in there with me. You're doing this with a Kryptonian body. Well, you're doing that, but everybody else in here, you might end up having a lot of trouble. We don't know what her power set is, if she's going to be able to withstand that. This fucking ship is going to crash. It looks like everybody else is a robot, but he's also got to fight through those. And actually, yeah, you have this weird deal. I don't know what's going to happen, but it is kind of bullshit to me. But I, I love the art in this section no, of the book. It's, it's, I wish it was more colorful. I wish it was actually well, that's more the thing, fun. Is the art. The art feels kind of drab. The colors are drab on top of it. So it's such a weird idea even saying the pencils are drab, but everything doesn't really feel defined ultimately when you have this. And then the colors don't do much to help the the art all the way up. No, it doesn't pop at all. And the problem is I don't mind that in the Lois and Clark with Doombreaker thing. Maybe that would fit. But when you're in a wacky spaceship with a space princess, this should have some fun look to it. And it is a little flat. It is, especially because a lot of it, you're in this green hue. Then yeah. you have like everything, and then it just looks like almost like an ice type look. If she has white hair, pretty cool though. Pretty cool character, right? Princess coming down to get the Superman's. Uh, and you learn a little about her, but again, you've said it already. She's a part of a royal family, but the planet they live on, the resources are going away. And you know who they blame? That royal family. She came looking for help, but they're coming to go get her ass like she's one of the Romanoffs. So what you're saying, this could be John Starfire, Eric, is what I was thinking of, but. I, I do well, think I that know. she's kind of cool. calls him a prince because he's the son of the, the Superman. So, and he's all you know, like, you know, that's dope as hell. Yeah, he's like, that's, <laughs> and she's like, we're going to arrange that marriage soon. He's like, that's even doper because you're hot. That's what he said. I honestly would like this to show up somewhere in the, like the John Kent series later on. Like I, the idea that this lost story from his childhood, almost like when we had the X-Men, the hidden years back in like, I don't remember if it was the late nineties or early two thousands, but they went back or doing like original kind of like uh, X-Men stories that were never like seen in comics. But we have this going on here. Later on to the point where she, he could be betrothed to this alien, almost like the idea where Maxima came down years ago, like, you know, looking for Superman That's to be her like like kind husband. Of a combo. It is. But this idea where he was a young boy and became betrothed to this princess because he helped their, their, their world and royal family out, essentially. And then we moved on. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, 17 years old and, you know, he's got a boyfriend. And then this girl comes down talking about the love of her life, John Kent. And freaking Jay Nakamura is losing his goddamn mind. Like, what is this, John? Yeah, really? That's some great drama right there. Yeah, maybe we'll get it. 
Uh, me and Stork ended up doing uh, a trait of that missing years, the kind of in between the cracks deal. Yeah, we ended up doing that yeah. for the book of the month. The I one collected month. that for a while. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Because I love the original like X Men yellow and like uh, blue like costume back to like I, I love that era of the, uh, the X Men so much. So when it came out, I'm like, I need to get this. Look, that beast ain't got no fur on him. I know he's crazy. Oh, oh my, he, he's using his feet. He always uses his fear. Angel, he ain't got no metal wings. <laughs> me, me and uh, yeah, me and Stark did that on the Patreon book of the month uh, a couple months back. But yeah, when you go That's through cool. this, the the deal though, where I can say what you said earlier, it's nice, it's fine, and I'm I'm actually intrigued by this space princess and that sort of it's thing. It's very fast moving and doesn't do much issue to issue. My problem is by the end. Does this really matter? It, it already seems that's like my you, biggest problem. you have the big dawn of DC story, which is the Philip Kennedy Johnson, and that's hit. That's hitting hard. Yeah, it's hit hard. And then yeah. you get to this, and you're like, okay, is this icing on the cake, or is this like more icing? I don't know. I love icing. Here's a cookie you have in your pocket, little crummy in there. Got some lint on it. Like you got, the, so you good. already have the Sweet. icing on the cake. Then you come here, and it, it is like lint from your pocket. Oh, I didn't really need that, but I'll still eat it, right? <laughs> And yeah. then you get to the power girl and suddenly they just shit on the cake. I don't know why somebody would shit on the cake, but it's my kind of party then. Eric, is what I'm saying. Well, you would need one, right? Hey. <laughs> but yeah, we go to that next story. Here we go, Eric. A power girl story written by Leo Williams with art by Marguerite Savage and Becca Carey. And this has been a problem this whole time because what we have here is a Lilith Clay story, the character Omen, like the idea that, you know, she's a telepath. We're using her power set, but for some reason we can't use Lilith Clay in our story. We have to have Power Girl with Lilith Clay. Nobody would care. This entire I time. mean, it's Omen, so does, they try. Does but anybody care right now? Yeah, they you care. Power Girl. They care because they're pissed. They change her power set to make her a telepath, where people come to her office and she helps them out. And all of a sudden, she doesn't know what her name is. The name Karen Star means nothing to her. We don't have anything that this character's ever been except for the basic rudimentary parts of like. Man, I am just a double from Earth too. I'm like, God damn it, this this is like what we had in Dark Crisis Young Justice, where all of these are things that had been taken care of, all the character development was scraps so the people could retell the story in a worse way, and we're doing it again here with a character I barely recognize. Is it any sort of surprise? You have two people writing that just show up and they give them books and don't know what the fuck they're doing. You ended up having Leah Williams when she said that she was gonna be doing this Power Girl story. She said, I really went deep. I was reading everything Power Girl, and then I got to this crossroads where, okay, I could go here or there, and I didn't know which way DC wanted to I go. Said, fuck it. So I went to DC and asked, what should I do? And they're like, no, 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 don't worry about that. Tell your own story. That doesn't mean you have to scrap everything that you did, because there's no way she knew anything here. She is going so off the reservation with this nonsense, with this idea on the cover that it says, Power Girl Reborn, please, this can't be. What goes forward? It almost feels like Leah Williams is saying the character sucked before. I'm going to make it so much better and just not know what the hell she's going to sit doing. on a couch and fly through people's minds. She's using the idea that Kara Star, Kara Zorel from Earth 2, Power Girl, is not accepted just because she was on Earth 2. Like, it, that doesn't make sense. That Which we're so far removed from. It is so far removed. She is accepted. They love it. It's not that. And when John is like, well, what's your Kryptonian name? He should fucking know as well. It's Kara. It's Kara Zorel. That's what it is. She goes, I don't remember. 
bullshit. Well, you even then, she's upset that the Superman family doesn't do anything with her. I'm like, oh, we invite you. You just don't look up. Well, I don't want to be a part of that yeah, anyway. I'm like, asshole. what are we even saying here? Because we're just making Nothing. like Karen like, look like a piece of shit ultimately, and like dealing with problems that haven't been there. And for some reason, even the concept where we're continuing on with the like continuity of this story of where she, her, and Lilith have this. I want to say psychic detective agency, but it's pretty much just, hey, I wish it was Cleo. ghost detectives. I wish. Something along these lines where people come in with problems. We open their mind, Quaid, and we get to the bottom of things psychically. That's it. But in the previous issue, we saw that Supergirl had a problem. She couldn't speak. Something had attacked her psychically after the Lazarus rain. So we went in her mind, had a freaking romp through her fucking mind, and then realized, holy shit, somebody's trying to attack Power Girl, but they can't do it psychically to her now because she's got the psychic powers. So they're attacking people in the Superman family to get to her. So we, we fix Supergirl, but we don't know who the, per the person is yet. We better bring in Superboy and wait for him to have a problem the same way that Supergirl did. And when we figure that out, when that happens, we can get to who this actually is now. And that's what happens this issue. We bring Superboy in, who has no problem at all, until the guy can't talk like Supergirl anymore, who can only... But he can't talk in the mind for some. And it's such a weird idea how I don't know he can talk. It seems like he can on. talk fine in the real world, but he can't talk right in his own mind at a certain point in the story. Yeah, I, I, they start going to John, and they're like, "Well, we have you here because they're trying to figure this out." And remember, Beast Boy, he wasn't talking, and then they had to go in and make him better. Like unrelated. None of this makes <laughs> fucking sense. But then all of a sudden, like. It was looking like they were going to have this agent, like like you said, an agency you come. But now it's, no, no, somebody's trying to attack me. Last issue, we did see it's JS. Seriously, if yeah. you look up J, there's no other character. We know, we everybody knows who it was. By the end, it's Johnny Sarr. There's no I other JS. I into it because no, I didn't, you didn't care, care. <laughs> You already have just this. I don't understand what Leah Williams is trying to do to change Power Girl. In a way that she didn't need change and it makes no damn sense. And it's not even fun or good or anything. And then they go in this out of nowhere. Well, John, since you are the expert and multilingual, what? I, I, and I yeah. messaged you. I'm like, yeah. is John supposed to be an expert? Because I know that that kid didn't go to a lick of school. He was in a volcano. <laughs> I said, does he speak Volcano's universal language. volcano and fucking lava? That's where I could speak, speak to the more. lava. I'm like, no, John, you were just trapped in a volcano and that was your only friend, lava. And so he comes back here and they're like, you're, mo they keep saying it. Well, you're, my and he's like, well, you don't understand because being multilingual, do they just think that he knows two languages? They're making it seem like he's like this savant that knows every language in the universe. We've never seen that. And it doesn't make sense. Then he can't talk in the dream. Then you have sipping the, the teas. <laughs> It's so bad. And that's all Lilith Clay does here. She sips some tea. Yeah, she sips tea while there are. And it just keeps coming back to John being a nice guy going, well, you know, we kind of went your own. No, you don't. You don't. like. But really what you're having here. What are you going to do? Call me Kara Beta version. How about that? Well, Lilith, what do you call her? Well, I call her PG or Peach. Oh, Peach. That's pretty cool. I'm going to call her Peach too. But you know what? You don't like your name, Karen Star, for whatever reason. Just that is non-existent in this book. But you know what? Peach. Kind of sounds like Paige. So I'm going to call you Paige. You know what? Paige is kind of cute. Fuck. The hell is even that? It sounds like a books page starting fresh with a brand new slate on your story's first blank page one. What dialogue is this? That is the hokiest fucking dialogue I have read. And so you, you have all this going down. And again, the thing that you want to center on and should center on, if anything, is that 
hey, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, not really worth much because Supergirl's so big and whatever, and I want to have my own identity. That's fine. But to switch it to the, I hate you guys and your stupid family because you hate me, doesn't make much sense. And so after all this nonsense, you just have Paige. Paige! Because it's kind of cute. Do I have to call her Paige? I'm just hoping that this all becomes this weird thing of the mind ultimately. It doesn't make any sense. It is ultimately retconned at the be. end of just, the story because to. none of this works for Karen oh, Starr. It's not going to be retconned at the end of the story. Of DC. There's no way. They, they're just the going to forget about it. about it. The only way to make this story work for me ultimately is to make Lilith Clay the big bad and like, you know, because no, none of it works without this. And like, but Lilith Johnny Sorrow showing up. That's a big bad. I, Johnny Sorrow is attacking Karen Starr for no reason out of nowhere. And she's attacking, he's attacking the Superman family for reasons because he can't attack her psychically because of her psychic powers now. And she's just pulling on some mind code inside of John's head until she pulls out the J- Johnny Sorrow's mask. Like, oh my God, it's Johnny Sorrow. He's coming after me. And there's your big cliffhanger. Johnny Sorrow's there launching the charge, but who fucking cares at this uh, nobody. point? Nobody. And again, what you have here is she knows that Kara, Sorrel Power Girl, is kind of a redundant deal because of Earth 2 and the Supergirl of this Earth. She, she figured that out. But the thing is, are you even this... Uh, what I was saying then, though, is just that the other thing that she knows then is that there was a computer involved when she was going. So she does code. She only goes surface level. She doesn't know what these things mean. She has no idea. But now no that we have the Infinite Earths back, and after the original crisis when everything was wrapped up from Earth 2 into this, where we had the JSA who have always been on this world and not Earth 2 anymore... Is this that Karen Star, or is this the Karen Star from the new literally minted Earth Two from the new Fifty Two? Is it still that Karen Star? Because you're that never going to find out. Had a company and industry and all this stuff it was like you know dating Michael Holt, Mister Terrific for a little while, and the World's Finest book, and even the Power Ghost, like the the Mister Terrific book. I don't know what we're playing with anymore because I don't think nobody she knows. wants to talk about you know Power Girl's origins because we're just going to say, well, time to do some telepathic stuff for no reason. She can tell us about, well, what about when the other power girl comes in and then it all hell breaks loose, Eric? Are they going to call her Paige, too? Tanya Spears? Yeah, Tanya. But you end up where then Paige. I I can imagine I go to a con, right? And I see somebody who's cosplaying as power girl. And I go up, hey, you're a real big power girl fan. Oh, my favorite character of all time. Okay, Paige. And they'll punch me right in the face. As they should. Punch you right. And like, okay, I did this with the code. Now I'm going to put away the of the mind things, <laughs> ropes or wires. Oh no, Johnny Sorrow's mask. I'm, what the fuck is going on? This, this story is awful. It is awful. And it's just done in a way that I can't, you can't even sit there. Like you said at one point, you think, well, they wanted to have Omen, but they couldn't because, you know, she's not that popular. So they have. Ca- I can't get any sort of thing to fit in a puzzle that I think of how this came about, what they thought of first, what they were trying to do, and how they're failing at it. But I know it's a failure. It's terrible. Nobody all seems action, like it. All the action takes place in the mindscape, which all pretty much looks the same ultimately. And it's not even as fantastic as you'd want it to be or creepy or cryptic or anything. I'm telling you, like, here's John's. There's some fields and there's a big dinosaur and baseball in the background. The mind. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that you have. It looks like the Kent farm and a baseball. That's all she asked for that. Oh, my God. Not even the Coney ball. Eric, whatever the fuck that is. But what would you give this overall? And it's a shame that we have to rate it, it overall. Yeah, yeah, but what is, are you going to give I, it? 
I don't mind the art, even though the like the John Kent section was a little drab for me. And even the Power Girl stuff's not something I, I like, like overall, but it's it's not terrible to me overall. I think the the uh, the original the or, or the first story that we have here is the strongest in both art and story overall. It's the only thing I end up really caring about. The John Kent stuff, it's a cookie in my pocket. It's a little linty, but it's still fun to eat at the end of the day. I don't mind it. The Power Girl stuff is always going to be terrible. I can't wait to get that out of this book. It's done. This is it. This is the last issue. That's so stupid. Oh, I told but, you. It's continuing, you did, and it's, that's it's, special. But what are you going to uh, Never mind. It's it not continuing matter. It's, with it's, me, it's, Eric. <laughs> it's out of this book. It's all that matters. But right now, I really enjoy the first Superman family stuff. The John Kent stuff, it's okay, but it's kind of losing me a little bit, too, because it's not doing enough for the page space that it has. So I have to give this a 6.8 out of 10 for everything combined. I'm an eight, and the reason why I'm an eight is you can legitimately forget about that Power Girl story. You don't even have to read it. And why? This is a four ninety nine book, and with the idea of having that, I I think that the actual comic story itself is probably worth that because it's Dawn of DC. Then you get that Dan Jurgens deal. That's nice enough. That's enough for me. That that would be the deal. And then the shit bonus, the Power Girl, get out of here. But I hope that the next it's couple so stories are better. Because it's so I bad, think, though. I think that Bill Kenny Johnson's story is so good. And why I give it, it's almost like an 8 to entice people on over. Because I do think this book is something you should read. If you're into the Dawn of DC and you want to get things going forward, you should be reading this book. Just don't read that Power Girl shit at the end. Well, what's up next for Action Comics then? Without the Power Girls. What's up for Action Comics next then without the Power Girls? I don't know. I I remember I saw something and I wish I, I wish I remembered. It's something that I thought you might be interested in, but I wouldn't. Oh, that's going to be awful. And it's, it is a writer that I'm not really familiar if I'm if I'm not mistaken but again since it's 4.99 you can play around with that third story and maybe give some people a chance like you like in anthologies where sometimes you'll get somebody that we don't know and they get it. an up and comer you didn't know Leah Williams I did from I knew what we were going to get and this is about what you get normally she just writes shit that all the characters sound weird and she doesn't quite get them so there you go you luckily though it didn't get full out sexy because they're related in this issue because usually she yeah, gets a little sexy as well and a lot of cursing. A lot of cursing. Are they related? Well. Oh, no, step, bro. People would be, uh, well, again, also, he has a boyfriend, so you're not going to do that anyway, so it would be cheating. But usually I'm, I'm thinking that the editorial were so busy trying to reel her in from sexiness that everything else slipped by. It slipped by in the cover of the night, Eric, while they were trying to reel her in because she gets real over the top with shit. But there you go. You had like one boob joke. So I'll have to give her that. That was like the first issue, I think, where we had one boob joke and went from that. So I give her credit. Usually she's way over the top with that. But it's it's a good book with a really, really bad ending story. So I'll go with that. But we'll move on to the next book. And it's finally... It's one of those things, Eric. You know it's I love to be right. System. You know I love to be right. That's something yes. I will gloat. And I, I ended up warning people, listen, Ram V, I can already sense it. We already saw it in Swamp Thing. This book is going to go at a glacial pace. We're never going to get to anything. You're going to have issues where they're just talking like nonsense all in. And we've had it over and over and over. Finally, finally, a bunch of the usual sus reviewers they can't even deny it anymore. I saw it on Comic Roundup that some of these are like, they'll still try to spin it in a way that they're like, man, nothing is going on for so many issues. But I'm really still interested. Can't wait for it to man, start. It's wacky. Yeah, you get that. It's 10 issues in and they're like, <laughs> man, it really feels like it's about to start. 10 out of 10. 
Like, really? And it does seem like it is something that is affecting the sales. So that, and also Ramby himself, because now he's sending out these weird tweets of, I got this letter the other day, and it said this, and it's some guy, this is the best book ever, your Detective Comics, straight up continuity, solid, and I did this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, I think he's, and also he's out explaining to himself, or everybody, listen, this Detective Comics, I like to do things slow. Like, he, he seems like he's fighting with himself because it isn't doing as well, but it is Detective Comics number 1070. Written by Ram V, art by Stefano Raphael, Adriana Lucas, and Ariana Mayer. We we get a little bit of the vigil, Eric. And the funny play is I heard earlier before I read it, because we read the books when we're going to go record. Somebody said to me, oh, man, this book is only a setup for the vigil. This is Not all it all. is. And I was like, what? That's crazy. You know what? I When I read it and messaged them and said, I thought you said it. He's like, no, no, no. I meant that that was the only interesting part. I'm like, I don't even agree with you there. This book is, again, I said it before, too. I don't know. Did Barbara go to, like, seven colleges and get eight degrees? Because I'm sure she did. She was going to be a librarian at one point. The idea that she says to Bruce, this is just one of them. I just happened to open on this page. She says, you believe that, Bruce? Cities build on the bones of their own buried memories? I do. What the fuck are you saying? Like, I sit there and, like, Classic it down for me there like it, yeah and like ev- and everything is a metaphor and everything's everything's like this city is like this this and we get that with batman but that's kind of the funny play when he's just on that gargoyle for about a, a panel the city's like a you know a bad sunday you have all this stuff going on i think the most interesting part of this book is when the Oregon's army are trying to take down solomon grundy and the sewers and put the asthma in them and they can't he's able to fight the asthma off and ultimately just goes, he punches his album, which is amazing. And it ultimately just goes off with Cheshire Cat, you know, Leah freaking, uh, Leanne Harper into the sewer. I'm like, hey, I can dig these two together. I don't know how it's working with the rest of this story or has anything to do with anything. Best part of the book. Punching the asthma out is a little ridiculous, especially in a highbrow book like this. But I just go with the idea that he's a goddamn zombie. The asthma can't go. He's, right. he's not alive. Uh, but it works out. He's mostly planned. Yeah, they're trying to get him. And I like the idea. Like, I'm with you. That's the, I actually thought, holy shit, I'm going to like this issue. Like, because even that when they think that they're going to be able to bring an Asmert up Solomon Grundy back to Gale Tenclaw. Oh, boy, they, the boss is going oh, to They think this. they're getting a raise. They're all excited. And, yeah, he punches it out himself. And when you have Leah see this and you go on, I like that yeah. they're walking. And when they're walking and it's like, it's almost like a Frankenstein moment, the deal with it. And he's just going down his check his, yeah, his crazy deal. And she's like, you know, stop, I can help you. So that's nice. Well, we also still have Cassandra Kane Batgirl down here, like looking into the organs and the like the people that are being taken underground. So hopefully by the end of this, what is good, I say by the end of this, I don't even know where it could be going, let alone the end of this. But at some point in the story, we have a team of Leanne Harper, Cheshire Cat, Solomon Grundy, Cassandra Kane Batgirl all working together. In the underground of Gotham to free these people because that sounds like an amazing team. And to maybe, just maybe, Eric, Batman will do something. He'll do something besides waxing. I don't even care poetic. at that point. Well, you have to have somebody do something in the book because Batman is busy talking about how he was raised by gravestones and waxing poetic. I don't think Alfred might have Classic something Bruce. to say about that. And then we have a flashback. No, he's dead. We have a, well, he was raised already. I mean, what is he, this day? 
Actually, he's probably he still is a little kid. He's like, nobody's made my own. That's what they say in shit is all I'm saying. Uh, the idea I love, they have a flashback and Alfred comes in and is like, hey, do you want your breakfast? He's like, okay, gravestones. That's what that was his nickname, Eric. But again, you're going through pages. What you go through pages of is just what we know. We, we actually get the origin again. We see the little kid in the alley, but now it's told. And fancier verbiage there as well. Just this idea that he's sitting there thinking of all this bullshit while all this is going on because what has happened? Well, did here, he have to be Batman, or is it because of the reality engine, and he has to keep doing this because Gotham is broken? Ultimately, who cares? He's Batman, so let's get on with it. And then they go and give you a background, and people seem to like the idea that you get a little organ background. And then we repeat it, but we get more of it the second time. I'm like, why are we, well, why the thing are we doing is, this? We, t- we have it through the prince talking about how his father, all the organs have to go on this mission at one point when they become like, you know, an adult or get married and stuff like this, where they have to go off and save something, someone, have a mission essentially. And Gotham's going to be his mission. His father, he died. His, his, maybe he will, but his father died on his mission and stuff like that. It turns out. This at least for the, brings the idea of the League of Assassins, what the hell they're doing here, any kind of connection, because one of the people that was with the prince's father on his mission was Ra's al Ghul. to kill so, him, what Talia says. Exactly. Killer, so that's crazy. We have a connection then. We have, you know, a blood feud. That's all I can think at this point. That, but it at least gives us a connection between the Oregons and the Al Ghuls and the League of Assassins and why Talia's here at this book at all. And you do have that. You do get a connection. That is a loose end. That does get t- is that the loose end we needed tied up because the League of Assassins came swooping in, started fighting, got beat up and left, and we were just like, what were they? Am-? So you get that tied up, but you really didn't need. There's so many things that are left on the table here that just having this thing of oh my dad Rachel Gould is part of this party with his dad. Like I hate not the enough. right way Rachel Gould looks in this because he does. I don't even know what he looks like when I try to. I don't know how to describe him because he is all done up in like you know. We're going to traverse the desert kind of outfit. And this is a long time ago still, because obviously, you know, it was, it was one of the, uh, I would say at least, you know, what, 20 years ago when this would have happened. But I have to think about how the organs are because they do kind of seem immortal as well. So I have no, because Gail Tenkaw has been around for a dog's age. I know that. So it does seem like it's almost Arabian Nights at times for how long ago this is. But I have no idea how to tell because I don't know what's going on in this story. But I just, and all this is stemming off the other. Now, I don't like the way that Rachel Gould looks, and I don't know how to describe it. Even when you do this, you, you end up getting the story from the prince, and he's there. He has to go around the world and find something to save. It seems like he's picked Gotham. That's fine. Okay, we get a little connection there. We see what he's up to. It's, it's very vague right now and what they're really up to, whatever. But like I said, then we get the story again. But even when you get that, that's only to tie in Italian League of Assassins to all of this we're not really getting that much substance in the story itself we're, we're no. getting background that kind of makes it a little more and flowery I mean the idea that hey I have to go around and save something like my dad who was going through the debt you don't really need that for this story but it's it's cool enough to have it but it's cool enough to have it if a story is moving this story is not moving forward we have so many issues and that's kind of what we get caught up in in this issue. Well, and the idea of this, we have the vigil show up, the team that everybody loved from Lazarus. Yeah, nobody know, and, and you don't even get that much here. I thought maybe that would be no, fleshed no. out a bit. We have a character, Arclight, who's talking to Barbara Gordon about her searching out these pseudo ley lines, these passive energy that are underneath Gotham, 
and how Mr. Freeze is looking into it, the rest of Vigil are currently looking into it, the Organs are looking into it, because apparently these are the passive energy that take out from the reality engine that was put there during the founding of Gotham all of those hundreds what of years ago. And I'm sitting there. Agreed. And I'm sitting here like, this is the way you want to reintroduce Vigil is have this character arc like talk about these fucking lines and a reality engine that nobody has a basis for because we're going to make this, this reality engine back in the 1600s. We're going to set Gotham's path in motion. Oh shit, this guy dressed up like a bat. We fucked up the reality engine and now we're just destined to have a guy dressed up as a bat. There's a two-faced, there's a scarecrows. Oh no, a barbatos. <laughs> what the hell are we going to do? I'm just shaking my head as we go. And I do see still some people like, oh man, this is great. And I'm, the, the thing is, though, it, don't get fooled by this fanciness because the story itself is just nothing yet. We haven't really even like established a lot of the things going forward. And didn't I say that that arc like looked like a Tron? He looks like a Tron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, he makes me laugh. But I do like the computer guy who looks a like Tron. I like the computer. You know, Tron's guy. a character, right? I like the ca- <laughs> I like the guy who's at the computer who looks like he has a chocolate bar melting in his pocket. I like, Castle? Yeah, I like Castle. <laughs> what is he doing with that? Is it? Doesn't it look like a chocolate bar? Do you think it's a chocolate bar yeah, or is it yeah, something I else? I think it might be a chocolate bar. Something along those lines. It just happens. That Castle is Vigil's oracle, essentially, and he is just as good as Barbara Gordon, if not better, from at least a little small panel we have with the character. He's a nerd, Eric, is what he is. Look at, look at that. Look at that chocolate bar in his pocket. I don't understand it, but even then, I wondered, like, when when they told me that this was a setup for the, the Vigil, I was like, oh, man, really? But then at the end, I'm like, I wish it was. <laughs> because at least I'd know Find something. Find out who then. else the Vigil is keeping tabs on in the Vigil number one. This may. this may be like that book even less. I, I didn't get excited about it at all. And just having Ark like wax poetic about this stuff, I'm like, okay, so you're going to be writing another boring as shit book over there. Fuck that. I, I'm out of there. We'll talk about it when it comes out. But I'm more of a city boy Do you guy. you see, Oracle? If cities are living constructs, it is useful to think of these lines as neural pathways. Gotham. Thinking, ruminating as if many ideas push and pull along these lines of power. Imagine then if there was a device that could both draw and exert influence through them. We believe this is your missing piece. The ancient Greeks called it the thelema, meaning will. The Egyptians were the first to apply the concept to architecture between Horus and Crowley. Somewhere along the way, the thelemus engine was made a reality drive converting will to power. The wolf man. Here's the thing. Uh, if you can, if everybody out there, if you have a, an imagination, right, you, you just sit there, just close your eyes. Okay. I want you to read this comic and think of, I want you to think of an actor using the person's voice as you read, since you have such a great imagination. Uh, no, uh, not that. And it's kind of <laughs> like that, though, because I can't do that. And we've established no. that. But it's a visual thing. It just, and it's more of that. Close your eyes and think of this comic as a whole. Eric just read that nonsense deal, all that. And think of this comic as a person. That you have to deal with every fucking day. You would strangle this person within two hours. This shit would drive you insane. This book just hit the wrong sound effect and talked over me. I hate this goddamn book. Oh my god. And that will be edited out, Eric. So all that though, I I meant to hit Wolfman, which I eventually did. But nobody will know what we're talking about. Again, think of this dialogue. Think of this. Like you would go and this is a person that you have to rely on. Say they work with you and you have to go. They're like, oh, go ask Johnny. Where to get that? And you have to go up to this guy and ask no. him a simple question, and it's going to take an hour, and you will not know what the fuck he's talking about, but he'll pretend he's smarter than you. 
I would kill him. I'm telling you, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of just an annoying person just throwing shit at me. But at the end, you realize they didn't say shit. Like you, you spent all this time and you really had a very basic plot here. And it just gets stretched Reality out because drive. everybody has to start talking about what this is like. Who are the Egyptians and the crowd? Yeah, that, what, is that going to be something you're going to remember and take later? Or are you gonna, what you're going to remember is... Just think of these lines in a thinking city. It's a neural pathway. Yeah, I'll hit what I meant before. At the the wolf, man. At what you'll remember, I think, what me and you will remember by the end... Yo, ten ...is what I think is the... Is Solomon Grundy punched the asthma out of his body. That's what we'll remember. remember uh, that's what I'll, like, if you, I'm not going to remember, you know, Aleister Crowley's name drop. I'm not going to remember that even when Batman goes to Talia, he goes to her to say, hey, what's up? I know you're here. What, what the fuck is your connection? That's all. One panel. Hey, Talia, what the fuck is your connection here? Why the fuck are you here? Oh, I'm here because of my dad. Rachel Gould, you might have heard of him. You may even know him. He ended up doing this wacky shit with that family. That's he why we're killed here. the Boom. king of the orphans. And then, you know, uh. look at my crazy ass picture behind me. It's driving me nuts the whole time I was I was reading this. I'm like, what the fuck is that? That and that melting candy bar. It drew drew me insane, Eric. But see, I had other things like the story to worry about. Yeah, but no. <laughs> well, I'm still worried about it. I'm worried when we're gonna get it, Eric. Is what I'm worried about. I'm worried that we're not gonna get it for another ten issues. Uh, but what would you give this? Ultimately, I give this a 6 out of 10. I like some of the connections they made here to make the rest of the story feel worthwhile to play, but it is still so overwhelmingly complex and deep to the point where I say those words, overwhelmingly complex and deep, and that makes me feel like an asshole because I don't think it's all that deep. I just think it's being very vague on purpose so it doesn't have to tell a story. But all these questions are still out there, and I don't know if I want the answers or if we're ever going to get the answers. I don't know how the book's going to come together. Right now, I'm just kind of yeah, I guess I'm going to read the technical comments, but I don't hate it as much as I could. And the art's not terrible at times. This is me being positive with a six out of ten. Fuck you, chicken strips. I'm fucking the chicken strips. I'm a fuck you five. And the reason Solomon Grundy Cheshire Cat makes it a six for me. <laughs> it doesn't for me. Uh, the problem we tied the Orgums and the League of Assassins. That's tying up. Hooray. That's tying up like did it. three panels from the first issue. It re- that's all yeah. it really is. And it took <laughs> this long. To actually tie up something that, that, that yeah. meant nothing. If we never saw the League of Assassins again, it would not affect us. And now it may affect it going forward. And that's the way to get Talia back in the book. But who knows? Who the but fuck Jim, knows? The vigil. See him in May. See you in May. Seriously. I hope that. <laughs> see you next I, Tuesday. Yeah, see you next year. I, I'm telling you. What did I get? Fuck, fuck you, Fiverr. Oh, my goodness gracious. So here we go. We're going to finish up this section with the next book. Which is the big event, Eric? I mean, you've been waiting. Look, you're talking shit, but the thing is, I've been have waiting for a, a Wonder Woman Shazam story for a long time. I saw some people, I watched a video that the guy ended up at the end saying, you know what I don't like about this? I don't think that Wonder Woman and Shazam should ever cross paths. Like, Why? What are you talking no, about? It makes sense. It's perfect. It's perfect for it. So I started laughing, though. I also laughed before because he gave this a perfect score, but... This is last Weird. year's Planet Revenge of the Gods number two. Well, that's the game they play over on that video world. Do you like your video games? Written I by do. G. Willow Wilson, art by Cian Torme, Emanuela Lupacino, Jordi Bellar, and Pat Rousseau. Yeah, we're going to continue this event. And you do get some moments that I do like enough in this. But it, the story, again, this is where I was being driven nuts this week. I don't think that any of these stories really are concerned. 
with going forward with a story and giving us much, but we wanted Shazam. You do have him here, and you end up getting with Mary as well as you kind of hook him up till you get with Yara Floor, and I don't know this. I watch out, Shall Billy's here. I want this to feel bigger than it now feels. It does feel kind of like it feels like it's meandering a bit, and it, it shouldn't because there's not that many issues. But I don't hate it. I'm not sitting here reading this and saying this. Well, again, I just before this read that Power Girl into Detective Comics. So I was looking for anything to like at this point, Art. But I didn't hate it, but it just doesn't feel like no, enough. I, I, it look, I feel understand like because anything, you, right? you have a Lazarus planet, Revenge of the Gods. It should have this gigantic scope that it almost promised too big of a scope in its first issue with the idea where we knew that the Mount Olympus gods were going to be doing some shit because we saw them in the lead up to Wonder Woman. Then we jump into Lazarus planet, Revenge of the Gods of one. All of these other gods from the sea of the gods are doing stuff. They're coming back to Earth. They're demanding retribution, people to worship them. It became all this big thing. We're just waiting, waiting for Billy to show up and do something. Wonder Woman was hanging around in her own story until she was freed by the stranger. But ultimately, we know the wizard Shazam and Hera have teamed up. They've killed Zeus and they've taken over Olympus and they're bringing it back to the mortals because it's the revenge of the gods. Billy's finally showed up and he's like, hey, you got to go to Mount Olympus. Okay, I'm going to go to Mount Olympus. But nothing about this feels like it's epic in scope beyond the idea of, all right, we're going to have Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl, and Shazam in a same book together, taking it to the Mount Olympus gods. None of the other gods, as far as I know, going forward, because it was just a name drop and a few panels previously, but nothing ever since. But where's the rest of the DCU in the situation where all of the world is being threatened by the old gods right now? And it's up to a 12 year or 15 year old boy and a, you know, a princess of Themyscira, like all of a sudden it just doesn't feel as big as it should because even on Themyscira, we're fighting zombies. Well, cool, I guess. Yeah, maybe. all right, zombies. And, and in this, I actually, while you were talking, I was just going to see if this would work because I paged through this really quick without well, obviously not reading like real quick. And then by the end, I, I'm, I actually think that I got enough out of that to go forward because all you really have to know is Yara Flora is now a bigger part of it. You have Shazam, yeah. Mary, and at the end, the wizard comes out and really. The thing that we've been wanting with Billy and all this is the wizard. And you kind of get a cliffhanger Something? that we kind of knew already. you right. You know what I mean? Like at the end, you're like, I think I've seen this cliffhanger like six times before. Now, I will read you, which we don't normally do this. I'm going to read you the solicit a bit for this because okay. I want to ask you if this seems better and why aren't they doing it? It says the gods have leveled up. And Shazam is no match for them. After Wonder Woman's changing of sides to save her Amazon yeah. sisters, they don't want to spoil things. Billy must use his quickly fading wisdom of Solomon. Okay. Where is that? I want like the idea that we said that the gods are going away. They're getting killed, that the powers are going to fade and the wizards doing something, but we don't really see that. Well, that's the thing is the power of Zeus. I don't know how that works. I can see that fading because Zeus is gone. And like even the idea that no one's ever going to bring up when he was infected by the Batman who laughs and he was killing all the chant, like a lot of the champions that he got his powers from. Solomon isn't a god like that. It's a champion that he gets the wisdom from. I don't know how that works, but and there's a there's there's a moment in this though when he does become Shaz- uh, Captain Marvel Shazam to go fight a giant, and he seems to hurt his fist on the giant's face. They never talk about this ever again in the issue. I'm like, is this the fading power part? Because we we moved on. I'm like, okay, is it just that the giant was really tough, or is it something with Billy that they're not actually talking about in the comic? It was very odd. And as I'm going through this and he's going to use some of these powers and do some things, I was looking for some sort of, you know, little bit that goes on the fritz. And that was there, but never really said anything about no. it. doesn't even really say much himself. And it's even odd that Billy himself is using the wisdom of Solomon when he's not Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so there's – I at the end, 
I think that the one thing that I thought was these characters didn't feel as unique as I wanted them, the way G. Willow Wilson is writing them. I think that she's more concerned with maybe Yara. She seems more Yara. But Billy, did. he just seemed a little off. But as they're going forward, I wanted to see more. Imagine this. We have to do, like, Billy's in Fishtown right now in Philadelphia, right? We got all this shit going on. He got attacked by Apollo. Everybody else is having weird prophecies. It didn't really seem to affect Billy. Maybe it's the powers him are fritzing, and that was how it's affecting him. We don't really know at this point in time. But he has a vision of Apollo telling him, look, you need to go to Mount Olympus. You can get there through Washington, D.C. You need to get your ass to D.C., essentially. This motherfucker takes a bus to D.C. Yell Shazam and fly there. Why did you take a bus to D.C.? Well, you took a bus because he had to be on a bus next to... You had to sit next to to the stranger? The stranger. We had to see him. And then we get a little hint of like, oh, don't look in my bag. He's like, what's in the bag, bitch? Ah, golden god hand. And then I looked. Yeah, it's the golden god hand. And I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be something like it's going to tell us who. Oh, it's just that golden god hand. We know he has that. I really thought it was going to be like a crown or something like we could start to figure out this mystery. But no. And then didn't you think like the idea was that the stranger was the person you're supposed to find, but then he gets out and finds Yara. No, like, like, I don't know. They it find a weird. monster and then they're like, okay, we're going to take it to the gods. I don't think you can take it to the gods. You don't seem like all that cool. Well, I'm going to take it to the gods. Well, cool. I'm going to help you take it to the gods. Let's go. Yeah. I'm at one point. She's like, that sounds like something you should get Hippolyta. I'm like, Hippolyta, I don't get what you're saying, Yara. And then almost calls her Wonder Girl and she stops it. We I don't say that. I'm yeah, Yara I don't know. It was weird, but Yes, they're they're a neat little team up. I like team ups that you really didn't expect to see. Oh, I agree. Like even the idea of having Mary Marvel in the series, I didn't expect to see that. I was happy. And to I see wish she was in it more. I wish she was still with them at the moment. I'm saying she it doesn't seem to be doing much. I'm just happy that she's a part of this. This felt like it was going to be a Billy Batson Wonder Woman story, and now we have Shazam team up with Yara Four, which is cool because you didn't expect to see that. It, is this a weird thing? Because I'll see if you agree. This is the Revenge of the Gods number two. But doesn't it play out like this would have been like a side book that was like a tie into it? Because the big play here, it's just Billy taking a bus, getting with Yara and going. Not much happens. Like This feels like it's not as big as and important to take up a actual Revenge of the Gods number two. I, I expect the regular deal to be like really hard hitting, even when they get to a olympus and harris like what are you doing i came here to take you down for humankind she just laughs at his ass and then we get the wizard which we knew about already it's kind of cool to see it but nothing really progresses in this i like when he's like hanging like a couple that back in the in the shadows there he's like i'm waiting for his turn uh but by the end i just thought it was not much going on there's not really that much to even talk about but well, even the I idea didn't hate of it. this because we have to, like, through the prophecy, which I was believe like prophecy, I say it's just this, you know, spiritual figure that comes to Billy Bats and says, get your ass to D.C. You have to meet somebody there. We, I believe it's Apollo. I think they, like, even Yara Force is the idea. Well, that sounds like Apollo. So the idea is we got to get there. We got to meet Yara Four, maybe the stranger. Who knows how this prophecy is going to work out. But we need to get our ass to Mount Olympus. Well, how are we going to get our ass to Mount Olympus in Washington, D.C.? Is there a portal there? I'm not sure. Because even when we had Yara Four doing the whole, like, you know, the Amazons and the Batamigdal tribe and the Escazita tribe all taken to Mount Olympus. They all just kind of seem to get there. We never really found out how. The book never really told us. But Billy and Yara Ford, they all get to Olympus. They try to take on Hera. They have the big reveal. Oh, my God. The Wizard of Shazam's here. He's talking mad shit how I'm not worthy. My sister Mary should have been Shazam. Like, look, I hear that all the time, asshole. You don't got to throw it in my face like that. And the big thing about this is that the Wizard Shazam, 
Whether he should be alive or dead, that's still up in the air. Who knows how that's supposed to work out? But his ass is all like, you little bastards, because of what you did with the Rock of Eternity, you cut me off from my power. I have no longer had the power of Shazam. Until here, he just says, you know, I'm taking back the power of Shazam from you. So he seems to have the power of Shazam. He can take it and give it like any. So I don't understand what his problem is. He just takes it back from Billy. And now all of a sudden, he's Captain Marvel. And I'm like, this is the power of Shazam. You are the wizard, Shazam. What are I you doing? I don't like the look of that green, Eric. <laughs> it really looks like, <laughs> Lazarus. like, I got the rain on me. And now I, I don't know. It's like all of a sudden green. It makes me shudder. It's so funny, too, because the idea that he takes the power of Shazam away from Billy, it looks like he shrivels Billy up to an old man instead of just reverting back to a child. Yeah, all of a sudden, he's Black Adam. It's like, oh, no, he's now a 90-year-old child, Eric, is what Stranger. Right on time. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't make unless he's child. Tra- no, because it doesn't even look like he's transferred back and forth. It would be he's still I guess wearing it, the Captain Marvel costume. It would be kind of uh, confusing if it was like a Freaky Friday situation, more of a vice versa. Like I now, just don't know what the wizard's go powers are anymore and why he's pissed off if he can take the power back. He's like, they cut me off in the power. I don't got power anymore. Well, you have enough power to fucking have the power back. So I don't understand what your problem is. That's probably my biggest fear is that. They're using Shazam in this book as kind of the secondary deal. It's Wonder Woman and Shazam. These are the big characters, and you have the, and we're not really going to get much of an explanation of what's going on because at the end because of this, because nobody has an explanation because nobody understands how Shazam works. Ever but since this is supposed happened. to be setting up the status quo for the Mark Wade book that comes in June. So I, I don't know what the hell they're doing, but hopefully they have something. Hopefully in mind. he can do something. Well, so hopefully you get to a point at the end that you kind of know a little about what's going on, unless all of a sudden we find out it's the Wizard. It's the book about him nobody would like that uh but by the end what would you give it ultimately i think the art throughout this whole thing looks great i love the way that this book looks billy going with the r4 to mount olympus that's that's really cool even the way they soon passed and even the gods are all doing like what the hell like this thing came by i have no idea what it was it's just cool this billy using his powers to even fool gods hair kind of throws in his face like boy you fucking rely on your powers too much us gods we got powers your boy ass can't even see you don't even understand how powerful we are there's a lot of cool stuff here, a lot of stuff that they gloss over, though, and just pass by the idea that this book, this event could be longer, more in-depth, and just bigger on a scale besides for them saying, hey, this is a, at a big scale. You saying that in that first issue with the other guys, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore because it is our heroes versus Hera and the wizard, essentially, and that's all we're going to hear about in a weird, dumbed-down version. So while I look forward to this book each and every time it comes out because I want it to be this big bad thing. What we're getting is not playing off as much as I would have liked, even though I think it looks great. So I'm giving this a 6.5 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 6. I thought you were actually going to go 6. I- I'm going to give it a 6. Like I said, I it's a shame. Because- this is better than Detective Comics for me, that's for sure. <laughs> I gave it the point up for me as well. So you end up where you have this going. Uh, you had that trial of the Amazons. That was bullshit. It really was. Yeah. I mean, but you gave that so many issues, and each issue was a slug. Like, I wish that this had a little more to it. Like I said, this feels like it would have been just a side Shazam tie-in. Let's get the big, big stuff going on in the main number titles here, and it just didn't feel as big. And as weird as it is, too, I don't know if it's a thing with the waning powers, because while you might say that in the solicits, and we might have a panel where it could be possible if you look into it and you like, you know, think about it really hard, you could maybe see it there. I don't know if this is something, because why I like the way this book looks. Captain Marvel himself doesn't exactly look like Captain Marvel all the time. He looks like Billy Batson in a Captain Marvel suit, because he looks like the, he has the face of a boy at times. Yeah. 
A child, Eric. A he child. looks pretty buff on that cover. I'm saying his face, though, when, when you go through this, though, it just doesn't look like Captain Marvel's face. It looks I like Billy Batson's face. Uh, because I think that G. Willow and especially, you know, the Clune Reds, when they get involved, you'll have something like, hey, throw me that sack of wheat. And he'll be like, Shazam won't be able to pick it up or something. Oh, no. Like, you'll have something so in your face, I think, if it does end up happening. But we've been waiting for that. We wanted to see what does happen when what you What does get it mean? It. And yeah. I like the idea, too, where Hera doesn't come out and say it. But while you were talking about it, I kind of thought the idea, like, Billy's there to say, oh, my God, I have the power of the gods. But he is borrowing the power. Like, you yeah. would think that it's almost like uh, in a kung fu movie when the master's fighting his student. And it's like, you taught me everything I know. Not That's everything. everything. I get that idea with the gods. They have, yeah, they might lend you some of that power, but they're the gods. So I, I like that. I wish that that was even mentioned a little bit more. But really, I wish that Harris said, oh, I, I bet you're wondering why you're getting weak. You know, I, I killed Zeus because he's just there. I wish that you pointed that out. I wish that that was something and had something I, going I want to go back and see that weird infected King Shazam one shot that we had because I can't remember who he killed, but I thought it was like maybe like Achilles or something along those lines. And you know, like even Hercules, I think, was killed by Grail at one point too. So even the, the strength of Hercules, like, what's going on with that? I wouldn't mind seeing Grail show up, but... <laughs> Also, you could even, I don't know how you'd play it, but Zeus being dead, maybe you have the idea that the power of Zeus is now being kept by Billy, that that could be the spark to bring him back as well, even though gods always come back. Oh, just have the key to the graveyard of the gods. With all of that, then, that is the first section of books there. We've done three of the books. We still have a bunch more. We're going to take a little bit of break and then come back with an Elseworlds story. And, and another one here. <laughs> an Elseworlds story. A graduation day. And maybe... It might end up being an else. I don't know. It, it'll be the uh, Dark Knights of Steel and the Blue Beetle when we come back. He got his first real comic. Got it at a five and dime. Read it to his fingers, plan. Been reading comics most of his life. Him and some guys from school. They had a book and they tried real hard Jake quit, Knuckles got married Yannis was never gonna get far When he looks back now Did he have a father ever? And now that he has a choice He told Jesse he would marry never Eric's read comics most of his life that's a good song for an Elseworlds kind of section, it, right, Eric? A little Elseworlds story of you stuff. and your buddies <laughs> doing that. Knuckles got married. It all went to hell then. And I really no. was hoping that it would go far, Eric, but it did not in that song at least. If it went least, far, we wouldn't be doing this, so me too. That is true. Maybe we would be, but I'd be interviewing you, Eric, but no. I wouldn't because I don't like interviews. I don't like listening to them. I don't like doing them. So there you go. Here we are in the section, and yeah, we're going to start out with a bit of an Elseworlds deal. Uh, and with that, Eric, are you enjoying this here, Dark Knights of Steel? You like it? What's that? The Dark I, Knights I have, of Steel. I, I'm saying though, but I, I don't remember that book. What is that? That that is the you don't know the Elseworlds story, Eric, is what we're going to start with. Dark I, I just Knights know that we're going Steel. into this, and I don't remember the last time this book came well, out. Okay, it, it that was your like such joke. A, I was like, was, what the hell is he talking about? It was such a shock jumping in back into this issue. I'm like, where the hell did we leave off? I forget. The funny play is Alfred it's, Martian it's been Manhunter. So long. That's right. Crazy. 
not Alfred Specter. That's what I thought of right away. I'm like, why didn't we think of that when Alfred became the Specter? Like, man, we forgot about this book. Tom Taylor, every time he does an Elseworlds, he's just changing Alfred from here to there to everywhere, Eric. Alfred Uh, Alfred, Alfred, I was the same. I was the same deal where when I'm like, okay, let me try to figure out what's going on. Okay, people are dead. Yeah, got that. And like, oh, who's, oh, it's up. When he starts talking about how much he loved Bruce like a son, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Oh, it's Alfred. I remember now because it's been quite a while. And we did have the idea that Tom Taylor had come out and said he'll go with a schedule that's right for him. <laughs> he kind of just Me said too. I'm going to get to that book when I get to it. I actually, even by the end of this, because it's been so long, I actually thought it was just 10 issues. I was thinking more deceased kind of, I guess. I don't know. But by the end, I'm like, oh, we have two more issues. Okay, so we have time to do things. Thank God, because we're just going to deal with Alfred. We're going to deal with Alfred and the idea that he came is Came out January Martian 3rd is when the last issue came out. Yeah, that's crazy. I even thought, didn't you think that when you looked, you were afraid that it did, didn't come out that much long ago? It's just yeah. because we do so much. We're dummies. But it did. But it did come out a while ago. Dark Knights of Steel number 10 is written by Tom Taylor with art by Yasmin Putri, Arif Priano, and Wes Abbott. Like I said, we're, we're going to get a background of Martian Manhunter, Alfred, John Johns. Get the idea because Eric said all along that he thought it was white Martians disguised as green. Mar- You're right. You were pretty m- much on it. the money. You did most of it. You You were pretty much on it, though, with it. But the only thing that you get here is the little twist from what really the John John's backstory. If you know John John's backstory, you kind of get that, but there's that little bit to add into this so that the White Martian can, you know, come here and follow him and be the big bad. See, the thing is, we had the White Martians on Mars, we had the Green Martians, and the White Martians... They had this asshole that our leader protects. He rallied everybody together, and he's all like, Sounds Look, like a condom, right? We uh, No, right? it does. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't use does. them, but uh, you don't use them either, so it doesn't really matter. I don't. We have protects, and I just wish it was Malphalak at this point in time. Like He's like, look, us white Martians, we're way better than those green assholes. We should wipe them out, enslave them, whatever, just as long as we're doing better than them. Green Martians fought back. We had a big war that eventually devastated Mars, and we had John Johns come back down to Earth, but a few of the white Martians that survived the final battle, they came down too. So we have a, a pretty much a handful of Martians, green and white, to deal with on Earth. And the thing is, while this has been a terrible situation, all this time, because monarchs have been killed left and right, this has been the big catalyst now that John Johns is talking about him, who he is, what's really going on in the background of all this. It has brought all three houses together to say, we have to work together. The House of Storms, the House of Bells, and the Themyscarans are all coming together to say, we're working together because we have a greater threat who's been manipulating us from the background. And we get that in a really long-form story. And it's such a weird idea because whenever I get into a Tom Taylor story, I think, boy, that went by really fast. But because of all of the background and we had to deal with the Martians and not really actually dealing with the, like, you know, the Dark Knights of Steel characters as we want to see them, like the interesting parts, this almost felt like a slog at times, but still not like an overwhelming slog because no, it's it, a it slow Tom Taylor story. But it went slower than it normally does. And I just want to see the character moments because you have at one point like Diana mourning the death of her mother and we have Zala, the supergirl of this world, come to her and they hug. It's like a page <laughs> and like and move on back to our story. And and with that, you have all the queens and poison ivy. You have the women taking it for themselves, Eric. They're going to yeah. do it. And so when you have that, though, really, by the end. Oh, yeah. And poison ivy coming in here like, oh, and I represent the queen, you know, Mother Nature. So I'm going to hang out with the rest of the queens here because I, I belong here. I'm like, 
you protected a forest for like five minutes. What the fuck are you doing? She walks in, says, I, I'm here for the earth. Sits down and immediately she's the one that starts interrogating. Four queens interrogated an alien. Come on here. Let them talk. But you end up where that's the play there. The queens coming together. And while the big thing was the white Martians and protests coming, that trying to divide these houses and really get rid of these super powered people who could take them down, doing it in an underhanded way. Because they're going to do that, but now it's united them in a way, and they even say that. Let's do this and get united. But in that, I mean, I don't know. It's not quite the same, but it's almost deceased with Erebus. Like, we get the, at the very end, we get the bad. We have gone now. We still haven't really seen much of Protex. We see him by the very end, but that's the big bad is something that just shows up at the very end. Well, and that's I'm telling you, we're, sa- we're sacrificing the rest of the story that we've actually cared about up until this point because now Protex is largely in charge. When all the night, like, we have the idea. People are yelling at Constantine, you son of a bitch. People are dead because you had a prophecy that we had to do all this stuff. And, like, you know, the Je- uh, King Pierce, Jefferson died, and then J- his son Jacob died, and then Jacob comes out because. Uh, honestly, I also forgot that, you know, Constantine and Rachel go resurrected Jacob and he's alive now. Jacob comes out of nowhere and Queen and this is like, oh my God, we buried you. There's all of these moments. All right, let's move on. We have to do other stuff, protect stuff. I'm like, fuck. The, the three best moments I thought were when they're yelling at Constantine. Uh, yeah. Again, that just was okay. That's what they did. And Constantine's been trying to avoid that. Like his whole well, deal he's, is. He's that, very upset too. He's led people to their death because and of his that goddamn prophecy mind. has been more of a curse. So he's saying, but. There's one line that I actually like. Why don't we do it? Because when you end up having Alfred slash John John slash Marshall Manhunter, when he says, I came down and the Waynes found me and they made me hide because they knew that I wouldn't be accepted. And I'm like, that's a great deal of things. Like, that shows the Waynes were so good and all that, even though they start cheating and things. But I like that. But I wanted to, you know, you don't see it. The Waynes kept me safe. They knew who I was and they kept me there. They, they left me in charge of their son. Great people, the Waynes. They saw an alien come down and said, you need to disguise yourself. Don't tell anybody what you are because they won't accept you. And then some other aliens came down and went and Wayne fucked them. <laughs> Those guys can't, you know, disguise themselves. And plus, you know, he was horny. They took over everything and they started nailing him. Yeah, you start nailing Me, him. Me, I'm the butler. Motherfucker wins. Um, luckily, Alfred doesn't go full out in the idea that, yeah, that Thomas, he really had to make sure I was good to go. He made me hide and he banged the other aliens. The third best part is at the end, when we actually get, even though I don't quite understand exactly what happened uh, with, with the, green the whole man? green man and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like. Was he the ring? No, was he? The- I sat. No, the thing is, I sat there and I thought maybe this is a cool way to do it. The idea of the prophecy of the well, I totally think he should have been the ring, but even then, caused some problems because we are in Elseworld. The Green Man was a part of the prophecy. This guy here, who then like has been a, a thorn in the house of Elside this entire time, the Lex Luthor of this world, who's also Jokerized and also a Green Lantern of this world. It's, it's a fucking, it's a goddamn nightmare. It's what it is. But all of a sudden, it turns out that this Lex Luthor character has never had any power. The ring that he has, it seems to be Protex, who then rips out of him. And I guess I can't even say it because I don't know, because the ring is still on the hand that gets ripped. Exactly. I'm looking at that. And then but Protex is then wearing it. Was he the wrappings? around that arm but you would take those off at points because i see even him the that, thing is the ring is talking to him and then starts making fun of him like why would we give power to somebody who talks to i know and that's objects? what he said and that was kind of funny the idea you but really thought the, this ring was talking to you but it, ultimately, it was weird we have a handful of white martians here the green man lex luther is dead and the green lantern ring that he was wearing 
Protex is now wearing, and I don't know if it actually has Green Lantern power, even though it should, because that's the problem I have. I wanted Protex to be the ring in disguise this whole time, but the green powers that he has doesn't go with white Martian powers, so it doesn't make any sense. That's for what the problem. So I don't know where Protex was on Lex Luthor's body. I just know that there was a Green Lantern ring that he was using somehow. But it was Protex talking to him and not the ring. But he all said powers. I, I thought it was an amazing bit at first. The idea that like the green man, the prophecy was oh, actually yeah. Protex in disguise. Could make like, you know, luring Lex Luthor to this false sense, sense of power this whole time. I don't think and it makes much sense children. when you but think about it. But by the end, right? when you look at it, it doesn't make a goddamn no. sense. And I hope for the next issue, they explain it. Yeah, I went in like a genie or something. Then I thought, well, if he's the ring, then that means every day like Lex's finger in him. I thought that was pretty Stop cool. Eric, See, so, I don't know why you took yeah, this But by the places. end of it, though. I sat there and like he's also like coming to and he's there, but the the hands over there, but it's kind of he's grabbed it. <laughs> if you look at all the other white Martians after Alex Luther is killed, they all phase in. They were intangible, invisible at that point in time. It looks like Protex is that as well. He comes up behind him and rips his arm off. But I don't understand because he's still talking about the idea of an inanimate object. Are they using the telepathy through the ring to talk to him in his mind? Or is it this telepathy talking to him, making him think the ring is talking to him? I wanted it to be the ring. The thing is, there's all these questions, but ultimately we can't say anything for sure because we have no idea how Green Lanterns of this universe work. So it doesn't matter. But that's what I thought you you should have done that. You should have explained. Maybe we will. But, you know, the explanation could have been cool of how this is, even if you had like a genie, Eric, because it's a living fire. I don't, I don't I just, know. I just figure at this point in time, the meteorite came down. Lex Luthor got freaking jokerized through the fire of the freaking meteorite, found the ring, became a Green Lantern, used that power to kill the elves and anybody else who got in his way because he's a goddamn monster in this world. But it never talked to him. This is an inanimate object of power where Protex used him, made him think with telepathy that the ring was talking to him to like make him like you know do what he wanted to do and move him around the board. That's all I got. But we don't know how it works. But in now this Protex universe, is but a Green Lantern. So at the end why of this. why would he be able to just grab the ring? You know, I'm even thinking that thing flies off. Is he? It, but it fell we don't down know the meteorite, rules. like you know, Alan Scott stuff kind of did. Yeah, but you know, then he got it, and it it also felt you know like the whole deal uh, with Hal as well. Except there was a meteorite, not a ship, and Abin Sur instead. It was that. It it, it kind of got wonky by the end i don't know I, how this core works if there even is a core yeah I, I know we've been talking about that but again john johns his family got killed white martians that's pretty standard you get a yeah, little he, bit of a different twist to it but it's it's pretty much alfred. the same and yeah he's alfred and you can trust him and the, the play here though is weird because really what you want to do here is think oh my god he's the green man but it's Alfred, and that kind of gets pushed aside really quickly. Hey, get the lasso. Because we have the green man who's also, like, you think is we had to put Alfred into hiding from, like, as John Johns because there's a prophecy of a green man going around. We can't let the people know there's a green Martian kid around because they're going to say everybody's doomed. We can't have that. So make yourself a white old man. Take care of our kid and just keep your mouth shut when I bang other aliens that show up. I just think that in the deal, I think that with that, though, they should have given a couple issues. Maybe Alfred gets caught like this. They put him in it, and you don't know right away that he's not the big bad. You no, think he might be. They just kind of shove it at you and pull it away just to get you to protect. But then. The, green, the prophecy of the Green Man seems to be Lex Luthor being manipulated telepathically by the White Martians with his Green Lantern ring. And that's it. And it brought the houses together. And ultimately, I just want to sit here and take some issues and talk about, you know, the, the half Kryptonian Bruce Wayne and how that works and the idea of being a half brother and having powers and what's that mean ultimately. 
but we don't have enough time to do anything. So we have two issues left and we just keep building and building, but we have no time to do anything with what we've built. I'm still waiting for the Suicide Squad to be more of it. Waller's there. She keeps popping up and I want and more of that. Like, you know, I want uh, more before. of that bullseye dead shot. We had like two pages. We didn't get shit. I want more of those things. There are a lot of interesting things about this story. And it seems like he's now run out of time. Like, I don't, I have to go back. What's Green, like Dinah and Green Arrow doing after they freed everybody in the dungeon? Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't read. It's, it comes out so sporadically. Also, I was really worried. I don't know about you, but when we first start, you get heavy narration. And I'm like, yeah. oh, is he going to do the same thing he just did in Deceased? But he doesn't. And it comes out. And I was like, thank God. Cause that's really when you had like, oh shit, I got to put the pedal to the metal here. But really, there, it's, it's a shame. Because I don't know that he's even interested. It doesn't seem like this is his big priority overall. And there's so many stories that seem to be left on the table here that were more interesting. It should have just and maybe centered. like deceased. We could have a lot of spinoffs that like really flesh out those stories a bit. Maybe we'll see. It's I guess it sells okay when it comes out, but it just if it was something that he was real into, I think that the schedule would be a little more tight than it is. But yeah, like you would have figured by this point we'd be hot and heavy with Bruce, you know, Cal out. Like, but we're not. We're just kind of trying to because you didn't do any of the big stories. So at the end, it's okay though. Uh, You get the things. Again, it's almost like that Lazarus Planet nonsense, the Revenge of the Gods. I didn't hate it. I just was in this one. I was more upset because I wanted more, you know, of the other characters and things. No, I agree. I'm telling you, we like I said, we built all this other stuff, and we have an entire issue here that's dealing with the idea of this reveal of Alfred being the Martian Manhunter. And now we have to talk about what happened to his world and who the real big bad is and a reveal of the big bad by the end. And it didn't do much for the series. I mean, I mean like, I'm telling you, it did a lot for the series overall because we have a direction. But for everything built up, it almost felt like a lackluster issue to what we had built up to previously, For if that makes sense to you. Because the White Martian thing, yeah, and I'm saying the White Martian thing is great because that's what I thought it was the entire time. Well, actually, I just wanted it to be the Green Martians to fill in the Green Man prophecy. But we have what we have here. It's just... It's a lot of exposition to get us to the point, all right, we're rallied up now because we have someone to fight against, which is fine. And it's all I want because it can be really cool. It just didn't do it in a very exciting way, ultimately. And we have two more issues with it. And I think that the play here is the reveal's cool. You get that deal, but it's it, not that it's out of nowhere, but it kind of does just like come at you. We've been going and you only have a couple more issues left, so you have to throw this out there. And I really thought that that play with Alfred being revealed as a Martian could have really been played well and it's just hey he's a martian he's a green man no i'm not he's not what do we do now it's protex all right and then we well, go so we'll see how it goes yeah yeah that- and all and all the big moments that you want to have with the characters that you've spent all the time with throughout the series so far all of their personal moments get stepped on because we got some exposition and backstory to talk about yeah you have i mean Kara's there just to comfort wonder woman which is nice but it's just one Zala. page yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's just one page though, and then you you go on with, you know, the whole deal with, hey, we're gonna go forward. This Alfred's on the up and up, and we gotta face Protex. I, I would have liked that Protex. I he doesn't really know that Protex. So he's like, they survive. I think it might be pronounced Protex. So they're gonna do that. But what would you give it by the end? Ultimately, I like the art and I like the direction we're going. I just wish we had some room to do stuff here. But I'm gonna give it a six point eight out of ten. I'm giving it a seven. I, I like the art, and I still am into the story. I just thought that this was more like the idea of Alfred Martian Manhunter deal. Maybe you could have had that at a point, like reveal that earlier and have like the annual or some side story with that background. I, I wanted it to hit hard with the main characters here, but we do get the big reveal. The big reveal was 
back in January. So I'm sure it was a big deal if we would have had the issue come out in February for like second or whatever it would have been. It might have like hit harder. But right now I'm so far removed in the nights of the Dark Knights of Steel. I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. OK, let's find out about Mars. It's funny because. By the time that I realized, oh, my God, it's Alfred, he, they've already kind of cleared him by then. I'm like, OK, well, there he was. And I'm, and that's what, what stuck with me. Man, those wings were kind of cool back then. They changed yeah. it up a little later, nailing everyone. They were just horned up, Eric, right? And, what else is this? No TV or Internet. Well, the elves are better looking than John John. He can look like anything. How dare you? He can, but that gets weird, I think. I don't know. Thomas doesn't hey, want to go down like that route. look like my wife. Yeah, he doesn't want to go down that route. And I think maybe we have to consider that maybe Alfred John Johns didn't want to go down that road either. So who hey, knows? Alien. You're on iWorld now. You're playing by exactly. my rules. Exactly. Come here, green man. Uh, but we'll move on to the next book. What is that, Eric? Blue Beetle, Graduation Day, number five, written by Josh Truillo, art by Adrian Gutierrez, Will Quintana, and Lucas Gattoni. And now we have the big, the big battle between Blue Beetle and the Justice League that Batman's put together to stop Jaime from doing anything because we have a Reach invasion on our hands, which is really an offshoot of the Reach. They hate the Reach called the Horizon, but we get to see a big issue of Shazam, Black Condor, Jessica Cruz, Wally West, going around and trying to stop the other Beatles that the Horizon They're not really doing much, right? They're just kind of like, they show up and say, hey, I got this long chain, and I'm going to wrap it around you. City. The, the problem with this, and I said it, I did a video review, and I even told you earlier, uh, the idea where you throw in the Justice League, and I've said this a lot of times in books, like if you have a book in Gotham, and you have, say, me and you have a Solomon Grundy book, right? We love right. Solomon Grundy. Sure do. You don't want to add the Joker in, because the Joker then becomes bigger. The Joker becomes the foe, and the idea that you have this, I guess, foe, Justice League, Justice League kind of thing. I want to call it Justice League Task Force. Yeah, so you bring in Task Force JL, and you're going to have to use them. Oh, and Cyborg, too. It's part of that. Yeah, Cyborg. So you're going to have to use them, and there's so many characters. They have to do something that's going to take up page space, and they become more of a focus uh, than some of the other. When you have Batman and Superman involved, it is kind of silly at points to have just a Blue Beetle say, I'm doing this, Batman, and you're going to deal with it. And he agrees because it's the Blue Beetle book. But this is the penultimate issue. The big thing that I wanted throughout all of this was show me how cool Jaime is. Show me the Scarab. Finally, well, at the end, he can talk to the Scarab. But for the penultimate issue, you get a little of it. Well, you get you get like random members of the Justice League taking on the Green Beetle and the Gold Beetle, essentially, and that's what you have until Jaime's like, look, I gotta do something, because I'm the Blue Beetle, and I gotta step up. Well, all of a sudden, Starfire, it felt weird this entire series, but this issue is especially, is like, I gotta be the advocate for Jaime Reyes. Cyborg is gonna fire down on that. We're, we're team titans. We haven't met, like, friends and, like, team members for a long time. I have to reach Vic Stone, and for some reason, yeah, it's all fine and good, Coriander, but I'm still gonna do the shot here. I'm like, it's such a weird thing where we have all of these characters that are featured trying to be the main focus of the book when Jaime Reyes eventually gets to be that by the end when he should have been at this whole time. But everything we had previously, like in the last issue with Fade Away and Brenda and Paco, they're nowhere to be seen in this issue. They're just out. Fade Away's mentioned quickly yeah. by Victoria who says, you let your cool friends like <laughs> Jack. And I'm like, how cool was he? I mean, really? He's kind of cool, and, and I guess. in that, though, I actually wanted Paco, Brenda, and Fade Away because that, that's what the story kind of should have been. Yeah, I like the idea of these other Beatles, but it, it got too big right away. And, and at this point with the Justice League, now that's the problem. We ended up talking earlier in the Revenge of the Gods. This is a big story. We have to get all the – where are the other characters? But in this, for a solo book, you don't need to set up that big – like 
they shouldn't have been involved. And when they do come in, it shouldn't have been. I, I just looked at it until until the one page where I think that really Jaime is featured is when he steps in with the two other Beatles and says, yeah. listen, I'm with them. And he got free by Dynastus. Yeah, that's page 15 in like a 21 page book. That's too much time gone on to let this go like that. And so by the end, and you even asked, you said yesterday when we were doing some recording, said, oh man, but Black Condor, how's he? And I'm like, he shows up. He, he comes in he's like, you call me Black things. Condor. Yeah, right, I think Black I said Condor. you, I think, I think I said, he comes in and yells his name, and hangs out. And, and boy, that Josh Trillio was going on and on on Twitter about how this is the greatest thing because of Black Condor. I need the writer of the, you know, Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle book to be telling me how great Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle is, and he's so happy about this Black Condor, and it just felt like, come on, I at points I just kept thinking to myself, come on, let's get Jaime, let's get Jaime out here, and when he does, it's actually decent. Oh, enough. it's good. No, I'm telling you, but it's the end of the book when that finally yeah, happens. Yeah, the end, and now we have one more issue, and the idea of a Reach invasion, but it's actually the Horizon. The Horizon, but- who hate the Reach, and they're actually good guys. And. What the big reveal here is, we already knew. Corey already said, she's like, I looked through the Titans computer and saw that the Horizon, they actually don't like the Reach. So, and that's the thing. She's, she's looking through files of stories she already told us in this series. Yeah, we already talk saw about that. It all over again. And the thing is, you know how you get hung up on little things like that chocolate bar sitting in Castle's freaking like, you know, shirt pocket and tech account? There was a moment that I got hung up on here. Well, there's a few moments. <laughs> I get but hang, hung up on a lot of things, but yes. What this, did you get hung up on? a moment where when uh, Shazam is fighting the Yellow Beetle, Dynastus, okay. yeah. and she, she punches him back. And I swear to God, he fl- he flies backwards and knocks over a flying car where the passenger's honking at him. And I'm like, what the hell is going on in Palmyra City? Like, what is this? Actually, Sorry, it's ma'am. funny. Because you say that, now I'm looking at it, and I thought it like, – that's weird. It's a spaceship there. I'm looking. It looked like the Batmobile at first. Then I'm looking at it. And I swear to God, it looks like Tanya Spears. It exactly looks like Tanya Spears. The puff hair, and it looks like a oh, rocket yeah. ship. I don't know what's going on there. And then so in this, and I do like the anime style art. It fits the book. But a lot of times in fights like this, you kind of lose a little track of what's happening because there's not much backgrounds going on. But it looks okay. No, it it's very good. exciting the when you look at it. Yeah, it's very exciting to look at. But it's just like you're just meandering about. And you have a moment with Ted where he's like, I, you know, it's the Poe thing again. You know, I can't hear you, Batman. Okay, you're you're breaking up. That was That's funny. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. And you have Batman at the end. Ted Cord sticking at the Batman and even the idea of Victoria Cord not knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like, look, I, I, over, I overran his tech. I don't know why Batman uses like silly ass Wayne technology. <laughs> I can still hear you. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then. It, it just, but by the end, and then when he gets blasted, you kind of get a recap of his troubles with his parents. They want him, yeah, it's okay. No, no, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's nice. I don't know what the hell it means because, you know, we have Jaime show up. He's going to defend, you know, the Green Beetle and the Yellow Beetle from the Justice League and talk about how we're all one and the same and how we should be working together. I want everybody to stop trying to kill me for one second. And then when we have Cyborg's blast come down and Jaime jumps in the way and takes the full force of this blast. He then has an out-of-body experience where faceless people of his parents talk about the idea of him, like, you know, deciding what he wants to be. What's your next choice in life? And he's not ready for it. He doesn't want to make that take that next step. That's why he's in Palmyra City working with this Ann Steiner because he doesn't want to go to college. He doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. He doesn't know how to juggle all of that and being Blue Beetle because he's still trying to figure out how to be Jaime Reyes and the Blue Beetle at this point in time. And then it becomes the Reach talking to him like... Yeah, the Reach are trying to convince him. And 
I don't understand what this out-of-body experience is until eventually when he does come to Kanji Da, his scarab is able to be talking to him again. All of a sudden, the programming that was affecting him previously throughout the series, that's gone now. And now Jaime is all supercharged, armored up, and Kanji Da's like, yeah, me, Hermano, we're back together again. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? It's weird because it almost feels like because of that, he wakes up and then he kind of steps forward and says, listen, I am a hero now. And it's like, it was always within you all along. I choose and then to fight for peace. Even that means standing against you, Batman. And then his armor transforms. And then he's now talking to Kanji Da, the scarab. But it did feel like the like the scarab was just sitting there like, I'm not going to do this till he shows me he's a hero. But like, is it is it that bullshit from like the Spider-Man 2 movie where Spider-Man yeah. was losing his powers because exactly. he didn't have confidence? Exactly. That's what it seems to me to be. But you never play that out fully. But that's what it looks like. I, I, I don't I, understand. I he got hit by Cyborg's blast to take out the beetle thing. But I, I this whole idea of him not being able to talk the scarab armor being like, you know, on the fritz this entire series it, ha- it feels like it, sh- it should have been the horizon doing this because it's reach technology and they oppose the reach i think that maybe what you could have done it, it might not have worked as much but the idea where yeah it looks like he's become a hero whatever but the blast from cyborg whatever that blast is actually goes and sc- descrambles something or it ends up kick-starting it is it shuts down and sh- turns back on i don't know you could add just the blast itself i also want akanji da to have his you know his original programming still intact what well, you think is the character of the scarab has evolved to the point where it's just not reach technology anymore him and jaime want to be you know heroes even though kanji da for the most part always wants to go a more lethal approach it's a fun little dynamic that you don't see in blue beetle anymore but the big thing that we introduced previously like years and years ago is that the Reach are really opposed to the Green Lantern Corps. Whenever the Green Lantern Corps are around the Reach Scarabs, they freak the fuck out and go on kill overdrive mode. And you we don't have even have with that. that with Jessica Cruz, Green Lantern I don't Lantern think here. that this Josh Shalil would even know that. I don't think that he looked that much into this because I love those interactions. Overall, with this, and they do fight, but it didn't feel like that, right? Well, they, they fight the other Beatles, and I can understand that the Horizon might not feel the same way about the Green Lanterns as the Reach do. But it's just you don't have that anymore. It's just, no, just I'm saying, uh, yeah, at one point, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you should have done that. And maybe like Jaime wouldn't even realize what's going on because at that point, the scarab wasn't talking to him. And, it might and I might even use and- that as a way to get Kanji Da back where it goes back to its base programming because of Green Lantern's around and it, it's able to overcome whatever the horizon is doing to screw up the, the armor. I don't know. Something. I don't think that he knows that. And the, the problem I've had throughout this whole series. Superman also says great row in this. Yeah. When I saw that, I and I'm glad you brought that up because that has been <laughs> spelled out by Dan Jurgens went on and said that any writer who says great row with Superman knows references about like that superman yeah. yeah he's not from there he'd only learn it later he wouldn't use that and that is just we always look for that when you have that so though like the moments are nice enough they seem a little forced by the end but my big play here though is you ended up having josh trillio where you have a movie supposedly coming out i'm still not convinced it's going to come out but whatever the whole thing is bad girl come the, on the ideal of you know trying to show people how cool Jaime is you handcuffed them throughout and seem to be more concerned with these other scarabs and the horizon because he's here and it's a weird play. If you're doing a series, you know, an ongoing series, then start to change around the mythos, try to change Something. things. But if you have a six issue mini, you have to come out of the gates and have the character to the point. full point and show out coolies. And then hopefully people are into it. People have already bailed. Yeah, they built. And because it, it really doesn't have much. I came in this wanting Blue Beetle, and you gave me a character that was handcuffed from the get-go, and it took five issues to get him to be supercharged, let alone 
Blue Beetle. And you were concerned with everything else. I mean, just having just this issue isn't just the worst with the idea of the Justice League JL Task Force coming in. Just Justice League Task Force. It was a team once. It's fine. And never <laughs> Starfire shows up for no reason. Yeah, she and doesn't make any seems sense. to have this weird connection. Like, I know you like Jaime, but. Like, really? Like, when did that happen? It just felt weird. It just, and Should have just Paco been Ted and Cord Brenda. and even Victoria. Well, I'm telling you, you bring in the character like Victoria Cord, that's a new character for the book. Just have it be Ted and Victoria this entire time. That's all you need with Jaime. And maybe, since you brought in Brendan Paco at one point, have Brendan Paco. And actually, just make it El Paso. I don't know why we have to go to Palmyra City. You can be aimless for your future ambitions in your hometown. He moves here. What did they do with the ants? Why did he Nothing. have to move there? No reason. It almost felt like Josh Trillio thought that they had to move there because that's where Ted was. But Ted was in El Paso. Yeah, I don't think he knows. I, I think that something got wacky. I don't think that he knows. And I ended up, and I knew the name was something. I'm just Josh Trillio. I knew I read something from him because when we started this, we're like, we never heard of him. We're going in. And he did write one of the worst comics I've ever read. It's a, it was kind of a, a weird side comic, but it was Batman. Tim Drake Robin. Batman and the FaZe Clan. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were telling me about that. Bad. Oh, my God. It was so bad. But it, the idea of Batman and the FaZe Clan already, you're not going to get a winner out of that, I think. But the way, oh, my God, the dialogue and some of just the shit that went on in that was bad. And I just realized that this week. And I'm like, this is better. I mean, this is at least readable. It just is it's a shame because Blue Beetle doesn't get that much opportunity. And now you're going to no. give him this. This isn't doing Jaime any favors. No, you, I mean, it does seem like they always want to hamper him and handicap him with the like, just give him, let's see him do shit. Let's and see him other go heroes and, are the main focus of this issue for the majority of it. Yeah, And go and have his mom and dad like we want you to do something. They know all about it. And he said, well, I'm going to be hero and I'm doing this. That that should be the idea. Well, I am doing something. I'm a hero. No, no, you're not. You're not on the Justice League. You're bullshit. And then he goes off to try to prove himself. But let him do it. Let him do it. Not just the last three pages of his own solo series issue. That is the penultimate issue. And now we have the Horizon coming in. Every the, the Justice invasion. League. They're not leaving. Starfire, everybody's still here. So you have so many characters that you don't need. And the green and yellow beetle. Yeah. Yeah. It, you... <laughs> I don't know anything about them. I, I, I remember Dynasty's name for the most part, but Nitwit. What's his name? Nitty. I always forget. I always yeah, forget. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, the thing is, these are all different Beatle kind of names, and I, I'm not a smart person, so I always forget about them, too. Dynastis, I always think about Grant Dynasty from uh, Castlevania Three growing up, so that's all I think about. It's funny, because I was going to mention it in the uh, Knights of Steel, Dark Knights of Steel, and you ended up saying you wished it was Malifolet. I'm like, no, I never can. I always say it wrong. So protects, it's good for me. And I swear to God, Tom Taylor's the same way. He's like, I can't say that name. I'm like, call him protects. He looked, he like Kaiser Sose that and he had condoms on his shelf. So what would you give this though? Thing is, I think that the art style is cool. I think the colors pop off and you can definitely have some fun with this issue because of all the heroes involved. Problem is I'm here for Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle. I love this character. I want to see him like, you know, as much as he can in a series that has his name on the title. I want to know what Graduation Day is all about. He's now a hero because all of a sudden a shot from Cyborg said, oh, I, I can have my Kanji Da back. We're super powered because of a neural neutralizer that scrambles the host in the scarab. I don't know how that worked out, but we have a Jaime Reyes and Kanji Da back again in the last few pages of this issue. The story's not great. The thing is, I'm, I'm getting to the point, I'm doing a roundabout way of saying, I didn't get what I wanted from the story until the final few pages. I think the art's fine. 
but the whole thing, like the characters feel weird for what we have here. And the whole setup is still a weird situation. So this is not a good issue overall, even though you can have some fun in a book that looks fun and good. Five out of ten. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go five, eight. That's even lower than when I did my video review, because reading it again, it really pointed out the deal. And the, the weird play of this, it's called Blue Beetle Graduation Day. And as you go, you had a graduation actually in the first issue, almost the yeah. first couple of pages. But it seemed the graduation was to become a hero. Right. So by the end here, when he stands up, that's no different than what he's been the whole time. Like, there isn't a real big change of him realizing he has to be more mature. There's no difference from Infinite Crisis. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, you almost expected something would change with him. Not just a suit change, but you have it where he's now in this point of life where he's thinking too much of himself. He doesn't care. He doesn't trust people because of what happened before. He's this. He didn't have any of that for the most part. He's been running scared from these other Beatles. He he was trying to do something with them, but he couldn't do anything because he couldn't talk to Scarab, but he wasn't really being mean or over no. the top with them or anything like that. We spent an issue with him getting duped by Fadeaway. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, that might have been the best thing that happened. In this it really was. Thing, right, wasn't it? And we even laughed about it, but I think it was because Paco and Brenda were there. That, that was cool. We got Blue Beetle. I'm waiting for this deal, and I think that Josh Trillio thinks that that stepping up and saying, no, you cannot do this to these Beatles. They're just like me. I struggled to the reach, and that's why we had that of the mind that you said didn't really make total sense. But that's to reinforce the idea of, Look, he's always fighting the reach off with the with Kanji Das. So he can do it. So so can they, even though we're kind of saying that they're not bad, but they are. But and so there was no real any sort of progression. You just ended up Jaime being a good guy like he always is and stepping up like he always does. But you've never seen it in this issue because Josh Trillia will never give you enough Jaime to get it. So it just was weird. It was weird deal and yeah. And I hated the Flash's lettering for his dialogue boxes. Yeah, and then, uh, like, I'm glad and not glad at one point. You have Wally running around, and at one point, Blue Beetle yells, hey, why do you talk so fast? And usually you get that everything's one word sentence, and it drives me nuts because I can't read it. At least you didn't get that, but you never really got the idea of, he's talking fast, Black Condor. I'm Black Condor, bitch. That's badass. All right. Yeah, he did. When he first shows up, that looks awesome. When he's got, I'm telling you, this guy knows how to enter a room. He's like Salt Bay. With his he is, wings. It, it even looks like he's throwing salt off his wings onto the stake, right? He still, did you watch that video that I no. sent you of Salt Bay? <laughs> I wanted you to see he's giving steak, sexy steak to ladies. <laughs> you have to watch it. It's giving like, sexy steak to ladies. I'm, watch it and you'll know what I'm saying. Everybody who knows what I'm saying has to be like, because this guy is ridiculous. See, so he ends up feeding people sexy steaks. He he covers them in gold so he could charge $2,000 a steak and it doesn't do when anything. When the hell would I have time to do any of this? I'm an adult. I had to spend my time reading comic books today, watching TMNT, and playing video games. Well, just to tell everybody, Eric, did you, did you notice what sort of thing I sent you? I didn't send you a video. I sent you a short. The thing is like eight seconds long. <laughs> Isn't I, that all you ever sent me? That, yeah, oh, yeah. Really. Yeah, and no, I'll kill you. You end up your life short. Eight seconds. And you would laugh. You would send me back. You'd be typing. Thank you, you Jimmy. You did it. Thank you, Jimmy. You're a great boy. You brought a smile to my to face. To me, and I love you. That's what you'd say. You'd laugh. I'm telling you. 
this lady who's getting the steak, that husband of hers better watch out. There is a video where this one guy's like, no, you're not feeding steak like that to my wife, you asshole. And he backed off. I think this dude was big, though. He cuts the steak sexy. He gives it sexy, Eric. And when he's cooking, he's gyrating and humping the steak. I don't need that. Wait, this guy charges exorbitant amounts to feed you sexy steaks. But I'm poor. Like I said, they have that edible uh, gold. And, like, there's steaks that are, like, wrapped. I don't need that shit. What the fuck is wrong with people? God, I hate people. It's, like, $2,000. Crazy. Don't give me a double quarter pound with cheese. There are so many, a lot, all these foodies on TikToks, more than the YouTubes. I call them assholes. I go to Salt Bay and see what the menu's like. And they have that. And I'm like, you guys have too much money. I I watch my man, Nick. Nick went, and he, he kind of liked it. He met Salt Bay. I man, think he thought he was a douche. Yeah, my like man I said, Nick. I was reading comic books, playing video games, and watching turtle cartoons. I said, I couldn't even have time for it. My man Nick has like 10 million followers. He's trying to catch Gordon Ramsay. Also, my man uh, Nick. Also, my, my man Uncle Roger. He said, you have to watch that video. You will laugh so hard. Never let Jess near him. Never let, unless you want her to leave, because sexy oh. steak. You got to see how he feels. I mean, he. Feeds it like he's just a it's sh- motherfucking Pied Piper of pussy, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, he that's crazy. It, it is crazy. You got to watch it. But with all that, that's the end of the section. Eric Salt Shay here. Uh, Salt Shay, I'll call you from now on. You better remember that for the intro Uncle next Salty. week. Uh, Salt Shay. Uh, what he does is he has the salt in his hands and he lets it like roll down his forearms. Onto the steak. It's really odd. It's really I'm so odd. angry. Even here, you it's really it. odd. And then he cuts it up sexy, and then he hits it, and it spreads, right? And then he gets this knife and stabs one of the things and then feeds you, man, woman, anything. He's just going to feed you that steak. I can't imagine being a person living through this experience because it would just drive me nuts. It would make me so angry. You would be so uh, – I would do what I would do at parties. Like I would see – I'm at a New Year's Eve party. I don't want to hug people or kiss them when New Year's hits. So I'd yeah, always go it. to the bathroom like one yeah. minute before. Uh, is this Salt Bay? He comes over. You're paying so much money. I'd ditch. I'd be in the bathroom. Is he done with that fucking salt? I don't need that salt running down his sweaty ass forearms either. But Gross. seriously, these women look like they're just ready to strip and jump on him. <laughs> it's crazy. It's jump crazy. On it. Jump on it indeed. But that's enough Salt Bay talk. I might have to put it in the title, but we'll be off to another section of books. A section of books that's uh, quite the journey. Quite the clown the journey. section. It is the cloud section, as you will say, in a couple minutes because, boy, it's tough. But we'll be going to that right about now. Yes, Eric, they love Punchline. And after reading honey, this, honey, yeah. 
after reading this week's Harley Quinn, I, I can see Don't why, DC. Eric. Oh, my goodness. That's why it's first on the list here for this last section of important. books. It is the Dawn of DC. Now, if we're going to ever have a checklist, like if we ended up having, hey, let's give a report card to the Dawn of DC books. I mean, I don't know about this. It can get better. It can get better, Eric, but we're going to have some problems. It, the problem is it's the first book and it's the like, this is your first step forward. You really think that you come hitting hard, right? It's that the worst this is thing the about story. The, we've been bitching about what we had with Stephanie Phillips, Harley Quinn for a while now. We were praising it at the beginning because we were getting a complex Harley with fun characters who's doing something different than the idea of Harley redeeming herself with Kevin by her side doing interesting things. And we Solomon Grundy. And Solomon Grundy, and we quickly got away from that for some goofy nonsense that didn't fit with the book that we had previously before that, and then just spiraled into more and more nonsense with the multiversal Harleys, and at this point in time, that's gone. It's a new age for Harley Quinn, it's a dawn of DC, and I'm pining for Stephanie Phillips to come back for some reason already. Why does this happen to us all the time? We sit there, and we're always like, oh man, this has to end, or this has and then we get something worse. It always happens. It really I does. I like the art in this book a lot, too. And I'll even take Riley Rossmo back with Stephanie Phillips for what we had previously <laughs> because it still felt like it was better. Well, and actually, we talked about it by the part. And really, it was fear state. I Derailed everything. Yeah. We ended up really liking the Harley book with Stephanie Phillips. And at that point, you know, Ooh. lo and behold, we kept saying, you know what? Getting used to Ragley Rossimo's art yeah, on this book. Because we enjoyed the Harley-Kevin dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And it was really, really and good. And so it, it lost its way. You ended up having fears that we said, and it just kind of meandered a bit. You were doing, and then you get that multiversal nonsense. Catwoman and Harley for no reason. Yeah, yeah. When you When you start out this new series, this Dawn of DC, I think that editorial, whether they were involved or not, they should say, listen, no multiverse shit in this. We just got done that. Let's do something fresh. Let's do something new. And really, my whole play here is I don't know that Teeny Howard has ever read anything with Harley and has just seen the cartoon. That's all it felt like to me. And not even that, like she saw a half an episode because there's a lot of cursing. There's a lot of nonsense that's just... Like, what is the continuity right now? Because in a dawn of DC, I want to think that everybody's got their ducks in a row. All the creators know what's going on because we have a new era of DC Comics. We have come to represent. And when I jump into this Harley, there's Two-Face just doing bank jobs and freaking, you know, feuding with Harley. We have the idea that Ivy has been living with Harley in their apartment. She just happens to be on a little road trip right now, which is separate from her doing her own thing in her own book with Janet from HR. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, I think that she just, they said, hey, what's uh, Ivy doing right now? Oh, she's on some road trip. Okay, I'll put that road trip. Like, didn't feel like anything was in the know. And that shit was just thrown on the page. But I'll give you the credit. So we'll just get right into this. But Donna DC. As an aside, we, we have a hell of a section here. Oh, yes, hell, we do. Hell of a the ride. Clown section. And the weirdest part about it is. I just want to call it the entire thing the clown section because Harley Quinn, Punchline, and sadly, my favorite Robin of all time and one of my favorite characters of DC Comics of all time, Tim Drake. While the thing is, the book looks great. There's some great character moments in that issue. Tim Drake in his own book is a goddamn clown. A it's clown. just done. He's a clown, man. I'm not down with that clown. I don't even know what goes on in that book when we get to that. But this is Harley Quinn number 28 written by Tinny Howard, art by Sweeney Boo. What up, Boo? Colors by up, Sweeney? Sweeney Boo and Steve Wan. So Sweeney Boo does all of the art 
And you have the letters by Steve Wands, which is impressive. And I do like the art a lot in this. It is a step up from, say, Riley Rossimo. But yeah. like you said, the overall package is this play where Teeny Howard comes in. And I'm telling you, she must have went wacky. And then they said, no, 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 turn it up to 50. Like everything's just getting thrown at you. There's not any way to sit down and and gather your breath or see what's going on. And so with that, every scene just feels like it just comes and goes like nonsense. It really doesn't have anything going on. And one of the things is you start out, there's a feud between Two-Face and Harley that obviously happened off panel between the last issue of Stephanie Phillips and now. You have to do something that makes sense from what we are leaving then. If you have something off panel to start this off, it then it really feels like, okay, well, how did you get from point A to point B? You, you got to start this. If you're going to do your own thing, you have to start and explain everything that you're going forward with. And we, we just jump in and she's prank warring. Two-Face Two-Face And they're cursing at each other We got fisticuffs going on at the carnival She steals his shoe Makes him lose his mind Like you know He's a vampire He has to count anything That's thrown on the ground But he lost his shoe They need to be a pair He's gonna lose his mind She took it And now she's back with groceries And is talking about How it's Harley and Ivy's place That they have now I'm like Is this the barge? Is this that whole idea? No It doesn't look like it, right? We've just moved on. We got Bud and Lou, and we're just talking about the idea of where we are. Ivy's not around right now. Harley needs to keep, like, you know, she has to figure out what she has to do with herself since Ivy isn't around to keep her occupied, but she hasn't been in this book for the longest time ever since, like, Ivy lost her powers and went on a suicide mission her own book. We know the idea from that book that she's going to make her way back to Gotham. Harley even showed up in Poison Ivy's book and said, hey, baby, I love you. You do what you need to do, but I got to get back to Gotham. And Ivy thought about, you know what? I love Harley. I'm going to go back to Gotham. And Jennifer H.R. and her had a big old orgy. And then eventually we're going to get back to Gotham, hopefully. But for where we are now, I'm just thankful that Kevin's in this book because that's at least a little bit of continuity. I have no idea who this Kevin is. I don't think he plays out. No, it's weird. It's weird. Now, I'll tell you the thing. There are times when you have to hit continuity tough, right? Real tight. There are other oh, yeah. times that All you have time. to. Gotcha. There are other times. No, what I'm saying is if you, if you hit this continuity hard, I mean, I'm telling you, you're hitting it hard, Eric. The idea that Ivy, we're going to get that in the Poison Ivy book. They already said we're going to get that. I don't need to double dip here. I know that you want to have some Ivy, but it feels like Teeny Howard's setting it up that, okay, Ivy's going to come in here and like the cartoon whatnot be a, a permanent fixture, but we're always going to get that in the Poison Ivy book that's already been set up. All of a sudden, DC Comics says, you know what's really hitting with the kids? Pokemon. They released two games, the same thing at the same time. We're going to put out Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and it's going to be the same issue, just from different perspectives. That works for that Gimmick. if it's blue and red, but it doesn't work with comics that you end up having Green and pink. a Harley book that was already you know, having problems. That's not the solution. It really, to me, isn't. You're doubling up and the Poison Ivy book is selling better. People are going to be getting that. You're already going to have that. So setting that up, I think, is nonsense, especially in a solo series. You don't need to do that, but they do. And, you know, you have Bud and Lou. Yeah, you have what looks like the outline of a Wikipedia glance. You have the characters. But like you said with Kevin, does not feel right. Doesn't feel well, Kevin right has at like all. evolved to a point where he doesn't even feel like he cares about what's going on with Harley. They're chummy. Yes, they're going to go get brunch together. But she's ignoring Kevin completely because it almost seems like he's out of her 
purview for what's been going on behind the scenes that we didn't get to see in between last issue and this issue with Harley and Ivy. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn to cook on YouTube. I'm going to do some community college. And it's so weird, too, because Kevin's talking about going to community college. And obviously, for some, I say obviously, but for some reason in this book, Harley gets arrested and she's sentenced to teach at a community college because it's the Mighty Ducks all of a sudden. When you get arrested, you have to go and teach kids, you know, what you do. And that's all I could think about. That only goes for drunk that only goes for drunk driving. Oh, okay. <laughs> and if your last name's Bombay. Gordon Bombay. Dr. Bombay, Gordon Bombay, you're good. You're you're good there. But yeah, some people and you don't really see how this is going on because Harley does yell. Hey, Kevin, you're with the police. You, Benedict Arnold, you ex-Benedict Arnold. No, no. What, what was that? What, what happened there? Here's the thing. Some people were saying, and I did look at some reviews, some high, some low. Most of the people are saying that Kevin called the police on her. But I didn't see that. But did Kevin call the police? Because, it, it, look, I like the art. I like the art in this book. I can't say that Sweeney Boo has a great progression because I actually found myself going back different pages to see what's going on because it has a very pop art style with the coloring and it like it focuses real tight on things, but in small little panels to let you know. So like there's I'm not a fan either, but like this progression threw me off because I had to go back where the phones buzz in here. It's almost like Harley got a, a, a uh, an alert that, oh, my God, Two-Face is also in the restaurant that we are in having brunch right now. Kevin, I got to excuse myself. I got to go to the bathroom. We're going to get a lot of that tonight because we have superhero, super villains in a restaurant and <laughs> they have to, to excuse themselves. So the idea out of nowhere, Harley and Kevin are just bullshit and having brunch together. Harley excuses herself, tells Kevin to go eat his freaking like his uh, French toast sticks. He continues on. And all of a sudden we have a standoff at the restaurant where Harley quit. And Two-Face was just there. The entire place is destroyed. And Two-Face gets away and Harley's arrested for some reason throughout this book, no matter what. And I have no idea how it's working out because we don't want to do anything with Two-Face. We have to get the story that Teeny Howard wants to do here where Harley gets arrested and sentenced to community service at teaching at a Gotham Community College. But Two-Face, he just gets away. And they arrest Harley Quinn for whatever this is, a standoff at this restaurant. And she yells at Kevin, and I have no idea why, because the place is wrecked. Two-Face has a goddamn Tommy gun, and why is Harley Quinn arrested, and why is Kevin freaking, like, you know, Benedict Arnold in this situation? They both have I didn't guns, get it. and it's like, she's like, why would you arrest me? It's just pranks. Well, no, no, you have guns. Also, just the dialogue from Kevin, if you have been reading the series, it's off. It's it's too I don't know. It's too smart, almost. And then you don't get that lovable Kevin, who really, in my mind, tries. Like I think that Kevin what feels like is, he's done. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Teeny Howard, I think, gets the idea where she looked at one panel of Kevin, and Kevin was like, "You can't do that, Harley," and thinks that Kevin doesn't really like Harley, and is like, "Oh man, I've had enough of you." That wasn't Kevin. Kevin would always support Harley a hundred percent. He'd get frustrated. And, but he would always be with Harley. And now all of a sudden, but after all this, Benedict maybe Kevin should cut the cord. Well, he should. But again, if that's the case, something happened. Like you said, this prank, it happened off panel. So you get to this. Not to mention, I said already about Ivy in the book, and then we have the multiverse coming up. But Harley was arrested as well. Like it's it's almost like a repeat of some of the greatest. I thought this book was also of a sudden going to become the Catwoman book, where she was sent to freaking Blackgate or something along those lines. Because at one point, when she gets arrested and taken before the judge and has to go through all this nonsense. It takes a long while just to get to the idea. Well, you know what? You are a doctor, and you could be good to society. You know what? I I I reckon that Kevin was talking about community college. 
by God, that's the ticket. I'm going to sentence you to be a, I'm going to sentence you to be a professor at community college because since you are a doctor, Dr. Quinzel, you're going to teach psychology over there to those freaking kids. And I'm like, it is such, everything about this book feels so forced and over the top. And we haven't even gotten to the forced and over the top things that the book is going to do out of nowhere. And a lot of people would end up saying like, oh, guys, Harley's always crazy and Harley's always over the top. That's true. But in my mind, where it plays out best, you have to have a little smidgen of reality in there well, to make Harley the crazy. Yeah. yeah, you need the ground. And that was Kevin. And and he's not here. He's not the the character that we knew and the worst part is the motherfucker's not even community couch with harley <laughs> i know he's not like you expected him to be in class like man i hear they have a new teacher and then she walks in he's like oh boy like something she like that you didn't even get this desk or something yeah, I don't yeah know. you didn't even get like and then she, she's going through the roll call and gets kevin something and then have the joke that she never knew his last name like something like that it'd be hilarious it'd be so good there we go, Eric. We're, we're right in the issue. For, uh, Mr. Big Fat Cock? Yeah, yeah, really, exactly. Oh, who's playing games? No, that's me. That'd be funny. <laughs> so you end up where you have this, and, and you said it already. You go through a lot of just dialogue with the judge going down, 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 down. You're just sending her off to community college that was already mentioned by Kevin. So why are we taking so long? And that's how every through, scene is. And through all of this, I'm telling you, you have the big fight with Two-Face at the carnival. Harley talks about ivy and groceries and getting green and going down on There's chips. There's always food, fun I games. was told, Harry. You have stuff going on. Kevin, she gets arrested. She goes before the judge. We get to community college. I thought, all of that nonsense, we're finally get to the get to the point of the story. She's a professor at community college. And we had to jump through a shit ton of hoops to get here, but we finally got to the idea where these kids... Is she going to teach them or are they going to teach her? I thought Next thing she's learning and how then, to dance like that. Exactly. I thought it was going to be something. I thought it was going to be something hilarious. along those lines. But then Two-Face just drives a car through the classroom. Uh, and we have a goddamn fight again. A magic cartoon fish comes out of nowhere. She slaps him with it. And then we're just told by the guys, nope, nope, his lawyers is too good. We can't get nothing on him. He drove a goddamn car through the college. It, and almost killed kids. Also, like, I mean, nope, here's the idea. can't do nothing about it. Let's go back Why to the are judge. We doing this? The judge is like, I sent you to teach kids at the community college. You, I'm a homicidal maniac. And she goes, but okay, I can deal with that. But again, what ends up with this? I said it feels more like the cartoon than something that is supposed to be a dawn of DC in a continuity in a universe that's going on. Because in this, you just keep thinking of like, what the hell is going? And who is this Two Face? Did he just did he just overcome the Orgums? Yeah, he did two organs on my tulips. Yeah, and no. up where like what is got like nothing works here, and the jokes if there are any, I didn't see them, Eric. Everything, I, I'm telling you, I'm going through. I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Because it, first off, it's too long winded to really be any bit funny. It's like you know this podcast, but when they're doing it, you don't recognize any of the characters, and there's so many easy things. Every page, I'm like, why didn't you do this? You even said it. You have that whole thing Coolio is singing in the background. You have her turning the chair around, right? Like that. She's going to talk to the kids for real. Even if you had her, like, because I do like Carly when she has some pop culture references and stuff and jokes. Sure. If she came into this thinking, that's all college. Oh, I, I know how this works. She goes in thinking she's going to turn the chair around and the kids are going to learn. Gonna she's going to learn to dance. Kids. And then her just sitting there and they're like, what are you doing? We have to teach. She's like, really? Like we actually Aww. have class. Like something like that. Or, Bueller. Bueller. Yeah. What you do is set up this one character. 
who has that again a long-winded question and then at the end after after two-face drives a car into the college right and if you're even going to make a joke make a joke of like man he he contributes a lot of money each year like that whole play that you always get nope legal team's too good yeah Can't do legal about team's it. too good two-face uh <laughs> so you end up where you have her and you said it summer sheridan we have to really student. push this out though the idea that she's fighting two-face and she's gonna lose and she goes oh i need something and then pulls out a glowing fish and a hits glowing him with magic it. cartoon fish but for the problem is this fish is very pop art as well it's very cartoony it stands out it's very bright and shiny and it looks well, I'm telling you, it, it, I want to say it looks offset to what we have, cause, but things in this are very cartoony to begin with, but it is more offset, so you get the idea this doesn't belong here. Until later on, when she thinks this is an all-hallucination, Summer Sheridan, her top student so far, is like, hey, you might want to take care of that thing before it sticks. Yeah, that ruined the joke to me. <laughs> she <laughs> takes the thing back to her apartment, though, and all of a sudden it looks like you know one of those close-ups on a Ren and Stimpy cartoon, so all of a sudden... It's no longer this magic cartoony thing. It actually looks like a legitimate dead fish, like a gigantic dead fish, but legitimately there. Then all of a sudden it gets up and like smiles at her like it's, it becomes a cartoon again. I don't understand the progression of the, like the art style with what we're trying to say about this stupid goddamn fish. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking now just to see one thing. You can barely see. Yeah, it is. I was hoping that it, I was hoping that it looked really like a rotting fish in the class, but it's kind of an in betweener there in that. But even that, when she hits him with it, and I think it might have been kind of funny if if nobody saw it that it was just her in her mind. She made it up, but you end up it goes even one step further because you know the student sees it. Oh man, you can see it too. She takes it home. It's just sitting around. Bud and Lou don't even want any parts of it, and then all of a sudden, boom. Lady Quark comes out of what looks like a multiverse going to hell portal and yeah. ends up yelling about this fish. You are a multiversal criminal, an enemy of the royal family of Earth 48 in a potential crisis. You will call me your majesty. So the idea is Lady Quark has showed up because apparently now that the unit multiverse has been redone up infinite style, Lady Quark and Earth 42 are all back and they decided... Fuck all this noise about us getting destroyed like we did back in Infinite Earths and Convergence again. But now we know the Justice League incarnates out there, but we're policing this shit. You know what? You are a threat because we were hanging out on the cartoon Earth. I don't know what it is off the top of my head because I have no idea what the new Earths are designated after Dark Crisis and the Infinite Earths coming back. Used to be RC back when I was a kid, but who knows anymore? But when you have it, it seems like they would have been hanging out with them. And one of the people there had a, like a magic fish they needed, and Harley stole that somehow with her pure imagination in our world. And now she's a threat because we're opening bridges to the multiverse. Not even opening, tearing, tearing bridges. And also, you're doing that play of things have a reason, things are set in motion for a reason. And you ended up taking that fish. So the big hero who was supposed to use it went to get it, it was gone. He lost oh, the no. battle. He was supposed to win. Now all hell is breaking loose. I'm like, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Shut up, Lady Quark. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> when I saw Lady Quark Lady there, I'm like, Quark and Electropolis. I'm like, this. I don't need this at all. <laughs> Especially because the last arc, we just got done with multiversal Harleys, and now I here's know. the dawn of DC. Back to it, but Lady Quark instead. Fuck me. This is not dark multiverse. Keeney Howard can't write an issue. This is awful, but where's the editorial to say to her, don't do multiversal stuff. We just did that. Do something else. Hey, center on this. And even if they, she doesn't want to continue with Kevin, that's fine. But do it in a better way. 
have Kevin just go off? Because I think it might be the idea of like, oh, that Kevin, that asshole, he turned me in, the hell with him, and now he's gone. I, I don't know, but that's a hell of a way to get rid of one of the better characters that was in this book through that whole Stephanie Phillips deal. Whether people, I don't even know if people ever agreed with us. But me and you love the character. We we really love Kevin, right? I, I hated him at first. He grew on me something fierce to the point where he was the best thing about this, the series. He definitely was. So you end up going and you continue on where it ends with Lady Quark. Now we have a backup. If, if this wasn't bad enough. Oh, my God. That you that... end up having a shit ass start to a book. You have a backup that's going to raise the price. What are they thinking? And what not only that, thinking? but a backup done in an anime nightmare dream style that means nothing to any story whatsoever. It's just an extra story that is out of continuity where Harleen Quinzel, doctor at Arkham Asylum, she's got Sailor Moon powers and teams up with Ivy and Catwoman to make a mecha to fight some monster that was put on Earth by the evil Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Hooray. Crotch face. I, 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 want, I, I would bet anybody Lovely or dare Angel them. Angel Harley Quinn. To repeat what you just said because it's such nonsense but i do like usually i do like erica henderson i just want to say but this is just nonsense it's complete nonsense. i don't nonsense. know erica henderson i just don't know why this is here yeah well i do where's insert cash register sound it's to get <laughs> this book. Had, huh? somehow they think that this book is going to be such a big seller that you have to add no you you bet here's the thing with this dawn of dc harley you, you should have you you went it. you should have went opposite it should have been Hold the line at two ninety nine, even just to get Minimalist. people involved, because you end up it hasn't been selling. Teeny Howard, uh, it's not really the you know name they might think she is over here at DC, because a lot of these books that she's doing are really getting ripped apart. Uh, Catwoman fans losing their mind at that punchline. It's fine. We're going to be doing that next, but it's not selling. Maybe Blake Howard is doing something in that book, because the thing is, Teeny Howard. I've been looking forward to it because I think Punchline, the Gotham game, is a pretty good book. I think that she's doing really good stuff with Punchline to try to evolve the character from what we have with the Joker War. But we have Blake Howard also co-writing with that one. And that book feels different than anything else we have going on with Teeny Howard right now. So we'll be getting to that in a second. Uh, one of the things that I remember that Erica Anderson did was the uh, Squirrel Girl book that I, I okay, liked. I that. And so, yeah, I, I like her art, though. It's it's crazy and it's cartoony, but I think it's kind of cool at points. Didn't work here, especially because, again, you said it earlier. I really had a problem with the close up uh, camera angles and things like that. The way that everything's like, right. I didn't really get the scope of the story. Well, there was no story anyway. The progression was didn't up. matter. Yeah. I, Still better than Tim Drake, so. <laughs> Wait till we get to that Tim Drake. This is just the beginning. But that had better aspects to some things here. I'm telling you, Harley Quinn is a mess for me now. Harley Quinn is like a complete mess, right? Yeah, but it's like, but but Tim Drake, Robin, it's like the worst and and some of the best that book has ever had and I've ever read. <laughs> I'm telling you, it has some of the worst writing that I've ever read since we started this podcast in that book. All right, all right, but all right. I do like worst some of the story, stuff. best character moments. For yeah, the series. I'll go with that. I'll go for the series. That's what I meant overall with when I said best moments or best deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll go with you. <laughs> but but it is legitimately when we get to it this is like a preview eric when we get to Ooh. that book one one of the worst stories ever written i'm telling you i sat there and i talked to you about it i, I couldn't i couldn't even think of what was possibly happening but we're still doing harley what would you give this book eric i'm gonna give this a four out of ten okay you can the give it the is, fuck you five if you want. I don't want to give it the fuck you five. I have my finger five. on the trigger, Eric. 
It's the dawn of DC. A fuck you five seems like it's just like a thing to throw out there for something that's been around and sucked constantly and doesn't matter. This is dawn of DC, the first issue of a new era of Harley Quinn. And I just want everybody to know this is a four out of 10. And that's mostly for art. Art I enjoy looking at that I don't think progresses the story very well the way it's done here. Everything that was good about Harley that we had previously is is worse than we had previously. It's, it's, it's doing all this wacky shit to jump through hoops to get us to a new status quo that doesn't work for the character and is doing more multiversal bullshit and for some reason says, you know what we need in this book? Lady Quark and Electropolis. And I say, nay, sir, if nay. I'm, if I'm going to argue with you there, if I'm going to have an argument with you, which I wouldn't, but I don't even know what the status quo is. Like you said, you're getting I'm like, at the end, I'm like, the fuck is this book? What, what are we doing? Like it's, it's community all, college. It's all that's over it. the place. I guess that's the deal. But we have multiverse Maybe going Harley on. Harley has the power of imagination to break the goddamn like fourth wall of the multiverse and steal shit. Because now we're just going to get the idea of like craziness equals Deadpool breaking fourth wall. But we're not breaking the fourth wall. We're breaking the multiverse. But yet she just was in the multiverse, fighting things from the multiverse. But never. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. But we're going to move on to the next book, which you already previewed yourself as well, because Blake shows up, right? Oh, Blake. Yeah. Oh, Blake Howard. But <laughs> we have the finale to Punchline, the Gotham game. Number six, written by Teeny Howard and Blake Howard with art by Gleb Melnikoff, Max Rayner, Luis Guerrero, and Becca Carey. And in this, we previously saw how Punchline had been shot by Black Mask. She was thought dead by everybody. Continue to be thought dead here. But you know who found her ass sitting in a dumpster? It was the faux Joker from the Joker, the man who stopped laughing. And I thought to myself, holy shit, this faux Joker, this might be the thing. This might be the thing to turn everything around. Not only for this book, because I have been enjoying the book, but a new era of punchline. What does this mean, this faux Joker to this punchline? Because it's not, the, as far as we know. It's not the real Joker, not the one that trained Punchline, who Punchline fell in love with, who devoted, dev like, devoted herself to. What is this going to mean for not this book, but also the man who stopped laughing? Well, the faux Joker patches Punchline up, and she's all like, oh, you're not the same guy I knew. I know, it's crazy, right? Well, I'm going to go kill Black Mask. I don't think you should. Well, I'm going to. Ta-ta. And, and the Fuck. idea of this, when she's like, hey, wait a second. You're not the same guy. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And I, I laugh. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I holy thought shit. to myself, holy shit, we're going to get more information in this book than Matthew Rosenberg has given <laughs> us in seven issues of that bullshit book nope. of his. And I'm like, and then it almost played off to like, I know, I know, I have a different haircut. Like, you almost get to the point where I thought there was going to be information, they pull it back to be nothing. And then she leaves and it's ambiguous. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? It annoyed me. It, it, might, it might not be for everybody, but at least in the section here where I thought could be the game changer to the man who stopped laughing and the punchline series moving forward. Because obviously it's the ending, but it's not the ending for the character. So when I say series, whatever continues on with the punchline story from here, I thought this was going to be it. But at least I could take away. Man, I love seeing punchline and just her bra and her fucking torn up pants. She was so hot. I know that a lot of people who, I guess they seem to be Punchline fans, like, they're already at the point with Punchline, it seems like a Harley, it took forever of the, why did we go back to the Joker, and why was he even in this book, because you kind of separated it a bit, and you're developing our own character, but it was okay, and I really thought that we were going to get info for the man who stopped laughing, but my big problem with this, and I've said it, you like this book more than me you have since the beginning of the series you even with the backups as well which kind of got yeah. wonky and things like that when we got into this i wanted one thing i wanted to like punchline and i wanted to know more about her character we didn't really get that in this it was a lot of just running around 
doing weird things, and then it's tying into Catwoman, which she's going to continue. And hopefully, yes, it'd be funny. It's like, man, I hope that she gets more work. Oh, it's Teeny Howard, (laughs) and not even with Blake. Blake's not even in that one. So I like the way the story is told. I like the way the characters work in this. I like the way the dialogue is in this. And when I say this, I mean this series. Now, if we're going to take this series and end it and move everything we have going on here over to the Catwoman series, which is a goddamn mess, how is that going to work? Like, is it going to just become a bigger mess adding that punchline? Because Probably. Is, is Blake Howard the only thing I'm enjoying out of this? Because I've been reading Catwoman, and I wanted to enjoy the concept, but it went nowhere until just honestly just dive-bombed into nonsense. I mean, you would hope that Blake might be looking at some stuff later. He can say, well, don't do that or do this. I mean, they're there together. They could do that. But you end up where I thought, in my mind, I said it last review of the last issue on the podcast that I I think that you ended up having both of the Howards uh, ended up getting a little bit off the rails with the whole, you know, that the uh, Royal Flush Gang. I think that we were right, concentrating right. too much on them. I don't really care about Bluff. I, I mean, seriously, I like. Oh God, he's dead now. I know. I like Bluebird, but even that, I just wanted more punch. What about One Eye Jack? No, One Eye Jack just shows up. I'm like, what the? F-? No, no, he's been here the whole time. He's just been called One Eye Jack. And you know what? I like it. And then we end up hitting the. I don't need Navy Seal. I need One Eye Jack. But we end up there on the the internet, and we're doing social media, and I'm like, what are we doing? And at least that is going back to what we had. Yeah, but it's not using punchline though. All of this stuff. No, I'm saying it is using punchline, but Navy Seal is now the way to get it through. And the thing is, it doesn't even need to be punchline anymore. We're doing all this through Navy Seal, and the idea that punchline is there, bringing everybody who loves punchline during her trial and stuff like that together. But I feel like at this point. We're so removed from that drug addict, freaking like riddled people who, oh my god, punchline and freaking Navy seals over here. Boy, I hope they got drugs because I am jonesing. That's what I'm saying. We're so removed in my mind from that trial. We haven't really had a lot of mention of it. You're just going through the motions with the Royal Flush Gang now. Once you mention drugs, I'm like, yeah, they're just in the drugs. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, oh man, oh my father, no, they're just Phase two. And when you see it, just and zombies going, they got them bath salts and shit going on with that XO. And even okay. that was never really fully developed. I just, I thought that most of the big points in this were never really developed. And then we get to the end where, oh, I see why, because you're just going to shove this off to Catwoman. So you never really had Which any is sort the of biggest deal. disappointment for me here because you have a six issue mini punchline, the Gotham game. What I want is a full story. What we have is a prologue to the continuation of the story in Catwoman with punchlines phase two. That is a huge disappointment. But even little things along the line where, like, okay, everybody thinks the punchline is dead. It's time to reform the Royal Flush Gang without some weird-ass fucking wild card ruining the mix up here. And, like, when we Bluff is talking about becoming the new king, which is weird because we have king right there. I'm going to be the leader. It needs a new leader. I'm like, well, king's already here. I don't know what you're going to be, Bluff. But he's talking about punchline came in. She had us selling drugs, like common freaking drug dealers. And then we did this. And then, and then she blew up our main source of income. I'm like. You mean the place that we're selling drugs to deal with that you were just bitching about? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, we got in the Yakuza. And I'm like, man, that was just, uh, everything goes back to the drugs. And then when you end up having, I mean, look at those people. They are hurting. They are hurting they are, with yeah. that XL. Uh, Jonesing. It's just like, I I don't know. I wanted to see more personal. Like you said about the Tim Drake debacle we are going through. You did have some good character moments in that, though. I never really thought we got any character moments with Punchline. It was really just, I'm going to do this, and you better listen. I'm going to kill that guy. And it never felt right. 
Like, it never, not that it didn't feel right. It didn't feel full. It felt empty to me. Punchline was taken down in the previous issue, which made it seem like her whole idea of taking on the Yakuza, the Gentleman's Club, all this to really prove, her, like, make a name for herself as Punchline, as, like, opposed to the Joker's girlfriend, Punchline. She was coming out here in full force with her XO, getting people hooked up. She has the Royal Flush Gang at her disposal. She was taken down last issue. Everybody thinks she's dead. The Royal Flush Gang are moving on, saying, fuck that Punchline. She's dead now. And it, it kind of does spiral to a degree where Bluff's like, all right, guys, I'm going to be your new, like, you know, leader of the Royal Flesh Gang. Everybody cool with that? Cool. All right. First thing on the list, I know all of our, like, Royal Flesh Gang members were just murdered terribly by Black Mask and the Gentleman's Club. I think they have that hostage you guys don't really care about. And, you know, Cullen Rowe, who may or not be, may be my ex-boyfriend, who I might still care about. I'm not going to tell you that part, though. How about you guys and me? We go to Black Mask and tell him to give us back the hostage, even though he doesn't have me because, you know, Nightwing and Bluebird released him in the previous issue. So when 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 Punchline shows back up at the yacht where the Gentlemen's Club are there with the new flesh, the Royal Flesh Gang, King, Queen, and Bluff, and Aces, it just becomes this weird situation because, hey, I want you to give that hostage. Hey, boy, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> hey, there's Punchline. All right, I'm going to kill everybody. Phase two, it's just... I want it to be this great thing, but it feels like a weird intermission to what we were currently doing, and I don't know why we had to take that pause to really do anything here, because, yes, if you wanted to introduce the idea of the faux Joker and show us some real depth and background in the punchline and what it means to be her now without the Joker, because this is a different kind of Joker, it seems like she doesn't even get the idea that he's really not the real Joker here. And I wish that was the play. You don't have this great connection. She just does run, run off, and the Joker's like, you know, Pretty much patched her up, though. Maybe she has a new appreciation for the Joker because, you know, he kept her alive for 52 hours while she was comatose. But this pause didn't do what I needed it to do by introducing the Joker back into this book, a faux Joker or not. And we just get back to basics like, all right, time to go back after Black Mask. It just felt like, like of a weird warehouse. like cameo. Like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, the, and the funny play is when you were saying about the idea where Punchline does want to. Hey, everybody, look at me. I want you to see that I belong with you guys, you heavy hitters like the Black Mask. If you go with continuity, she was in the Legion of Doom. So she should just throw that out. Yeah, that was like for a hot minute, And though. say, listen, I was part of the Legion of Doom, assholes. And was she? Maybe she just showed up for orientation day and they didn't pick teams yet. I remember when we saw that picture, <laughs> she was right next to Lex. I mean, I'm telling you, yeah. she was like the right-hand gal right there. Well, but wasn't that like the first issue of The Man Who Stopped Laughing? Was that what that was? Because she even brings it up here. But I, I can look when we're in between here. But yeah, in, the end, in the end, the whole deal with me was just I didn't get I didn't get anything from this to say, oh, my God, whether I liked Punchline going in, whether I didn't or I was I'm just in the in between. But I, this this whole series and this issue did not elevate that at all. I'm still the same. I, I don't hate her because of this series, but I don't like her anymore. And then when you see at the end. Is it going to be in Catwoman? Well, me and you are reading and reviewing Catwoman, so obviously yeah. we'll have that. But like you said, that book's a, a firebomb mess. And then you get this into that. And I can, I'm telling you, that seems like a really bad combination to go over there because now you're all over the. I, I just don't get it. I don't get why we had the big this play now. Mini. That punchline is back. She has, you know, Queen Kill Bluff because he tried to usurp her throne of the, the head of the Royal Flesh Gang. She's taken back control of the Royal Flesh Gang Central. We don't have a lot of members left because everybody was killed by Black Mask in the previous issue. we got some people still in prison now. It doesn't mean anything to the Catwoman book because that's his county. So who cares about that? But Punchline is back. Royal Flesh Gang and all. 
And we find out that her big plan, when she blew up the Alleytown warehouse that was, you know, belonged to the Yakuza, that she was making the EXO out of, we kept wondering why would Punchline blow up her own place? And I thought, hey, maybe because she's an agent of chaos. She's just a wild card. She does, she wants to see how things play out. And she just, even if it like costs her money. Now we see that phase two is actually the idea. She blew it up so that the chemicals would be released all throughout Alleytown and everybody in the vicinity of this ACE chemical would become addicted to the XO. So when a Navy SEAL now, when I check, gets on the like the old TikTok there or the fucking YouTube live or whatever kids do these days, he's calling everybody down. Come on over here. And now all of a sudden with the idea of the XO, Punchline has an army at her disposal. Not the Royal Flesh Gang, just people who want drugs and that she can provide for them. I don't know how far it's going to go because by the end of this, they kind of just steal giant crates worth of XO. They're probably all going to be dead by the end of this by overdosing. But it seems that Punchline by the end of this has proven herself, even though you didn't need to, to be back where she was two issues ago as the big bad to move into the Catwoman book. And you were right. It wasn't the joke of the man who stopped laughing. It was in the third issue. Okay. It was about a half of half a year ago, about six months ago. So I, for some reason, I was thinking even longer back. But yeah, it was in the joke of the man who stopped laughing number three. But like you said, at this issue ends up being pretty much the junkie supermarket sweep at one point. And I'm like, what the fuck happened in this? <laughs> Wasn't that just supermarket sweep, though, really? Exactly. Uh, and it's so the 80s. Everybody was I on just cocaine. kept thinking, like, really? Like, that's what we're going to go with? And I, even if we would have stayed with that whole, hey, you know, punchline, yeah, she's the internet darling, and this shouldn't be, and these kids, but we kind of got away from that to get back to that, and then we go off and really has just made a shit pot of Alleytown, which already wasn't that And the, the weirdest part, too, because it is a shit pot, but we got people who are all addicted to EXO. It's a big problem. But we have Punchline telling the world through like Navy SEAL slash One-Eyed Jacks, you know, online stream that she had done this whole thing. She blew up Ace Chemical to get everybody addicted because she at this point in time, she's not only fighting the like the Gentleman's Club and Black Mask, but Batman and Bluebird both show up as well. And they're taking on it actually becomes a pretty badass fight in my mind where Alexis K Punchline is proving herself. But. She's given up the ghost because we have Ventura Fremont, who's the assistant district attorney, who wants to get Selena Kyle free because she knows the punchline did this whole thing. She's calling Selena Kyle up in prison. I don't know for some reason because she actually seems like she's calling up Selena Kyle's cell phone. I don't know how she's doing that in prison, but we well, have she had the this burner going on. phone and she knows that changed her contact information and yeah, you know and has her face as a photo for it. But but and. But we also see that the Gentleman's Club, maybe just Black Mask, but I want to assume the majority of the Gentleman's Club, including, and I say majority, maybe it's just Tiger Shark and Black Mask, <laughs> do get arrested at, by the end of this. So they're off the table right now for Catwoman going forward. Punchline, beat I'm, the Gentleman's Club. I'm telling Club. you, I'm just assuming that we're going to get like Two-Face and the Harley. Boy, they have the crazy lawyers, and they'll just you shut be your out mouth. anyway. They'll Stop just be it. out. Uh, when we had Ventura Fremont at the end, I'm like, ah, oh, really? Here we go. Uh, and then she's uh, calling. I'm just surprised it doesn't Selena Kyle, but it's Catwoman's picture. <laughs> oh, my goodness <laughs> gracious. And so all of this and then punchline in the book and then the summer, it is leading to a Batman Catwoman crossover event. That's going to be nice. a big thing in there. So I wonder how that's going to play out, if it's going to be something with punchline then. Is it going to be, you know, that or is Selena going to turn bad because she's breaking out of the jails? She's going to be eating the ramen. A lot of mention of ramen again this week, but it, it's just nonsense. But the art's good. And again, I, the art. I, I wanted to like Punchline more, but this didn't make me hate her anymore. So I'm kind of still in the middle. 
Well, you're pretty much back to where you started. And I don't even say where we started because we're pretty much where we, we end up where we thought we were two issues ago before she was shot. Nurse back to health by the faux Joker. And this is how Punchline got her groove back 52 hours later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 52 hours. But what would you give it? Thing is, I don't mind this issue. I think the biggest problem it is, is it's not a finale at all. It just pretty much, it just ends to go into something else where the whole concept of what we're doing, yes, it's a phase two. We find out that she tried to, she wanted to get everybody addicted to the XO by blowing this up, but that's not much of a story overall for everything they were setting up with the Gentleman's Club, the Royal Flesh Gang, and even bringing Batman in for the big surprise for our finale here doesn't do much overall but i like the book i like the story i just don't think it's a complete story and that's the biggest problem give it a seven out of ten though i like this book now i'm giving it a 5.5 it's it just i'm the same i think that's what i gave the last issue and it just ended up not giving me much there was not a lot of character moments he could have had a real good thing with the faux joker and all that would have made kinda, it the half the book you skimmed <laughs> over that and that was even a way even if you weren't going to reveal the faux joker or whatnot you could have had a little more character moments with punchline maybe have punchline open up to this guy who she thinks it is and show some insight to it is because she says she fell in love with the Joker, and everybody made fun of her because the Joker's just going to ditch you. And I never thought it would happen because the one thing the Joker isn't is predictable. She kicks him in the face, but this isn't anything that felt new with what she's talking about. And and the thing that went on is I thought we were going to get like, wait a second, like I don't recognize you, but instead she's like, yeah, hey, you're lame. I'm going to be bigger than you, and and then goes off. It just it just didn't play out well with me. So I'm a five point five. But we'll move on to the last book of the night, Eric. The last book, and boy, it's oh, a yes. doozy. It's a doozy. The last clown of the night. Oh, uh, what is it, Eric? Tim Drake, Robin, number seven, written by Megan Fitzmartin, with art by Sir Jacuno, Lee Lowridge, and Tom Napolitano. And now that we're done, the big six-issue Moriarty arc that started this series out, now it's time for a little cool-down issue, a little Bernard-Tim time, because the two of them are going to go out for a night on the town and go to a fancy restaurant that Bruce Wayne has gotten them reservations for, because Bernard and Tim, they could have done that on their own. And all of that sounds amazing. If we could have just had an issue where we like, and this whole issue is like pretty much narrated through the thoughts and how love Bernard and how he feels about Tim and how Tim makes him feel ultimately. And like the idea of the relationship together. And by the end, the idea that Bernard does know that Tim is Robin, but is going to keep his secret until That's Tim nice. feels he's comfortable I like enough. That. That's a, such great moments. It's just too fucking bad that either Megan Fitzmartin or somebody at DC Editorial said, yeah, this is all good and all, but you got to throw in a shitty story because we need some action in here that doesn't make any sense. I don't know who to blame, but somebody needs to be fired. I said to you before, <laughs> really, before we ended up, well, maybe it's Megan Fitzmartin because the book is canceled. Maybe they just ended up getting the script and like, what the fuck? Because this seems like if you would have had, I said, and. Some people disagree because they just don't like the fact that Tim is by. But if you can get by that and you go with the play, having a cool down issue after that nonsense of a bullshit arc that we had with that Moriarty, with just things never being developed and they just happen out of the blue, that continues here. But it would have been nice to have just a date night. And you could have still had the idea with Bernard's parents, all that. You oh, didn't yeah, yeah, need yeah. the other stuff. And I, me and you both think that possibly editorial said to Megan Fitzmartin that's fine and dandy but you have to have Tim doing some Robin stuff and she does not understand anything about Robin anything or about progression. superhero comic <laughs> setups progression story anything it's, it is the biggest bullshit that I've ever read in my life I already said it it's fucking terrible I like the Tim Drake part of this but as soon as it becomes Tim Drake Robin is the worst part because 
People hate the idea that Tim Drake became bisexual and that he's dating his old like high school friend Bernard. People lost their fucking mind about this when it was announced and has been like Megan Fitzmartin's little baby ever since. The problem I have with it, this is the first time that I've actually felt that Bernard and Tim were a couple. I was seeing things actually. Tony, I was moved by the parts. I felt the freaking drama oh chills my. in the parts where fucking Bernard. And the thing is, it could have just been that. Everything else made me fucking sick to my stomach for nothing making sense in the progression of Firefly and Phobia teaming up to stick it to the big restaurants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the hell is even that? Oh, my God, Eric. When you go into it, and, and again, this is such a poorly written issue at the with the action. And the t- because it starts off, and I'm telling you, there's a lot to unpack. But why is this the first time I'm feeling the actual relationship that DC made a big deal about you know like, why? so long ago? Because it's the first time we've had character work. She hasn't done anything. That's a problem, though. Because when we get to this issue, she's also going to have to force shit on you that was never set up before. You have had so many issues to set up things. Finally, when we get to some, and Bernard has to mention his parents because we're going to meet them for the first time. And it feels so forced out of nowhere. And first it starts out. And even when Tim has come back from being Robin, some people are saying like, how did he get into the boat with Bernard there? There's no way this works out. There's no way. So he's changing. Bernard and Tim are late, (laughs) like almost going to be late for their dinner reservations. And he has to quickly change out of his Robin gear to get into a suit. Guy's gonna stink for one thing, and oh my god, I don't know how he got in to be Robin to change him that because Bernard is already here waiting for him to get changed. The beginning makes no sense, and so you end up he's changing. I even had a problem like, how did Batman get out of the suit so fast? I'm like, you have been Robin for drink? so long, yeah, really. <laughs> and so here is Megan Fitzmartin. We're we're gonna talk about the progression and setups. Here is the setup for the entire issue. Hey, do you hear that some restaurants are being attacked by Firefly? That's it. That is it. Right. That is it. Just remember that, boys and girls. Yeah, that is so, like, just thrown out there, right? So, okay, Did we got that. Did you hear about community college? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then you go, and I love the art. I thought the art was fantastic in this. It's so, so good. draws the hell out of this goddamn book. The, the, the freaking pencils, the inks, the colors, everything that we have on the page here. Looks great, but I can't say almost like a, a Sweeney Boo that we had in Harley Quinn, where I like the way the art looks. Don't even say progression. I can't tell the progression. I can't tell the no, fucking progression. It's the script. There is no progressions. I'm telling and you. That's when- the thing. Is it the script or is it the artist? I don't know because I, I know. don't know when things start happening when when I'm looking at the actual page and what I'm supposed to take away from certain things. Well, I know what I'm going to take away is uh, Bernard better watch out. A few because points. The, the way Tim looks, I date him right here. I mean, when he comes out, that's top of my, oh yeah. So then out of nowhere, oh man. There's a lot of guys wearing scarves at this restaurant. Yeah, there is. Well, it's a fancy restaurant. Is that what you do a fancy? Because the thing is, I'm not a fancy guy. I got a red lobster for a fancy and do you, do you own a scarf? But- do you? I own actually a couple of scarves. Okay, well, screw you then. I know. I, I, I actually have like a 12-foot, well, a 20-foot-long Tom Baker it, I scarf. I was going to say, I knew it was going to be Tom Baker. <laughs> I was going to say, Tom Baker doesn't well, count. sometimes you need a Dr. You Hinscoff. can't wear that to a fancy restaurant. You wear that to a stupid convention, you <laughs> nerd. You end up where, okay, the big progression. Hey, it's great that Bruce Wayne got us the tickets. I would have asked my mom and dad, but you know they don't like me. So right there is the only thing we've ever found out. Right. He has rich parents. All right. So we go from there. So then out of nowhere, Tim says one of the stupidest lines I've ever read. Oh, man, they should be proud of their kid majoring in physics and biology. You're going to make a great chef. 
What, what? the fuck does that mean? Hit the button. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you. What the hell is even that? Yeah. Oh, you mean is the- Is that a joke? You mean the physicist know. chef biologist? Well, like, what is that? The food physicist chef biologist. And it's not, they're, I don't they're gonna think- They're going to come to your restaurant. You're going to turn them away. I'm not that kind of person. I know, babe. I know. <laughs> I'm like, physicist biology, you'll make a great chef. But the problem is, is you realize at this point, we don't know shit on shit about Bernard. He has been in I this I know that book. he used to fucking think that Tim's stepmom was hot yeah, as hell. Yeah, you know what you brought in, but we have really done nothing. He has been the damsel in distress for almost this whole time, and we've never done any character work. So you're throwing it at it, but how are you melding in physicist, biologist, chef? And so just out of nowhere, we, we get character work, which, again, some of it works, some of it doesn't. And that, that didn't work, right? No. I mean, it's just bad. But then we go off to the restaurant. And even that, you even said to me and the deal where while this is going on, you also have the narration of Bernard, but you also have these, you know, dinner terms, things like that. Also, the it's all here. like the movie, the menu where everything's like, this is the like the different courses of the meal. And I'm like, look, you're doing a lot right now. For some reason, you decided to have Firefly and Phobia do nonsense shit that doesn't matter to this book at all, for, especially for what you're doing by the end. We didn't need this part either. No, no. And. Really, when they get to the restaurant, they could be there, and all you need to do is have them eating dinner. The parents come in. The parents are awful. They're doing this, that. You didn't need this thing to go so off the rails that it makes no damn sense. But also, I just want to point out that at the point when they go in, Bernard knows he's going to be the physicist biology chef, right? He's almost like the space doctor that Snot was in the American (laughs) where all of this going down. He knows the chef. He's like, not personally, but he's like, man, this chef, Will Trench, he's on this show and that show, and he's foraging for these things because I don't even know what he's saying, but you would think he knows the lay of the land, and then later... He says the worst line ever, but while this is going on, and this is the progression, they're talking, ends up where they hear, or at least Bernard especially, hears his parents. I had the pleasure of being invited by the chef himself. Oh, God, my parents are here. Yeah. So he goes like, nah, nah. Hi, Mom, Dad. Tim is looking, and he, like, grimaces. Then. What, what is going on in the background? This is the progression of the, the art I'm talking about, because in there you can see like some things like I don't know if it's just the way the the walls are set up, but you Tim's mean the, looking like in the background the weird deal. The, the fucking beatnik guy's looking at something that Tim's looking at. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is happening. I think he's here. trying to find a clue. That guy but is high as shit, right? But then no, that's Tim the problem. Has, excuse himself. What is happening? Now here's the thing. Now we said already Firefly has been you know, because what Firefly, Firefly. usually does is light restaurants on fire. But again, yeah. that's established that he's already been doing it. Open grill. Right? I just want to keep saying that. So when you have this where, first off, the focus is on Bernard and the parents. He's like, oh, hi, mom, dad. Tim is actually might be in the same position, maybe turned a little from where Bernard was because Bernard has to turn around. But it does look like he might be seeing something. And that's all you can go because then he comes back and you have the mom. Oh, is your little friend here? My boyfriend, mom. You know my boyfriend, Tim. And so if, in fact, this is the play where Tim did see Firefly. First off, what the fuck is Firefly doing? What's he getting his outfit on outside at the window? Because he's there. He comes over 
And he's like, oh, hey, this is Della. I'm like, if you saw Firefly, you better get to it. But he's like, hey, uh, Bernarda, I'm sorry. I got to go to the bathroom. And he's looking at him. But because Tim doesn't think Bernard knows, like it would have played out better if they yeah. would have revealed the deal. And he could have been like, you know, I have to go to the bathroom. But he just says, I got to go to the bathroom. All right. And they say, okay, they've sat down. This will give us a chance to talk to Bernard. And then they sit there and look at each other's eyes. I'm like, if you actually saw that, I want to think that this is a split second within the mind situation where Bernard is thinking about them looking at each other because it's like, he doesn't want to leave me. I don't want him to leave me either, but I know he's got to go. And the idea for a second, I, I took that as, I know he's got to go to the bathroom. But no. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying he has to take a shit is what happens. He knows he has to go to do Rob and stuff. How would he know that? Because he wasn't facing the way that Tim was facing. So he wouldn't have seen anything. I think it's just the gesturing out of nowhere doing superhero like like sus stuff like gotta go to the bathroom. But Tim wouldn't gesture because he doesn't think it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. Not not the idea that he's gesturing like hey baby you know I gotta go too. Like the uh the excuses and stuff like that that Bernard would know by knowing for the fact that he is Robin he could see, he could take a hint. You know that sometimes people do have to go take a leak. I mean that it's the idea of I got to go to the bathroom and he's like oh I know it. I'm Bernard. I'm gay and my parents are really disapproving of the situation. They're here now, pretty much like on their own, almost to a degree. Like it's all accidental and like uh, a coincidence. But now I'm essentially getting ambushed. Here's my boyfriend and. <laughs> Just imagine if you're Bernard's awful, awful parents where they see him like, oh, here's your little friend. Oh, my boyfriend. I got to go to the bathroom. And then he sprints the fuck off as fast as he can. I'm like, how bad does he have to go to the bathroom? But in this, like the idea of, oh, my God, my parents. And oh, how's your little friend? You could take the idea that Tim's like, so little, you know, Mama. I'm going to be I'm going to be a distraction. Get my wrist. He needs <laughs> to talk alone. I'm going to give them a chance to cut because he hasn't seen them in over a year. They said. Yeah. So maybe they have to kind of get a little bit. I'm going to back off a little. I'll be back. He sprints like it, it is Usain Bolt going to the bathroom oh, there. Successful pee. Yeah, that's what Bernard yells out in a restaurant. He's already pushed out. That was so fancy. Oh my god! And he yelled, and he wants to be a chef and own his own restaurant. That was incredibly rude. Apologize to your mother now. I mean, apologize to the mother. Apologize to everybody else. I'm sitting. I'm sitting here eating my salad that cost me a hundred bucks. Can you please apologize to me? I mean, they're getting you know steak from Salt Bay at this point. You end up where he's yelling this. He's yelling this, and he knows exactly where he is. And no, it gets sexy. I think, but no. So you have this now. This is where we go where, okay, well, I think that you guys should apologize to me. You haven't even tried to get a hold of me in over a year. Oh, yeah, my that's God. Right. But boom, you have Firefly show up in, a, in an explosion. I mean, people's tables are being knocked over. All it's this awful. shit's going on. And I point that out because there is a theory going around of what's happening here. True. And it, it can't be true. And I'll tell nope. you what the theory is. Some people are thinking because the way this whole thing plays out, and who ends up being involved that the fire isn't real, that the fire is only being seen by Bernard, but it doesn't make any sense. God, I wish it was true because it would make everything okay, but there's no way. And the worst part is it's not true because of what you see in the comic, but because it's not true, it makes the comic even worse because we have Robin fight Firefly. Bernard is actually doing stuff, but well, here's the thing. I'm thinking, he runs to the bathroom. Yeah. He, we saw him take off his, his costume. Well, he I, couldn't I, I have brought it with him. No, There's he couldn't no have. way. Well, 
And so he comes out and he's just fighting Firefly. And the only setup was he may have been looking somewhere with a beatnik. That's it. That's the only setup. And then he's he's right in the fight as Robin. Okay, look, the the Robin, the suit makes no sense at all because we saw him having to take it off. It was a big pain in the ass. And then he is fighting Firefly. Bernard is trying to get his parents out of here. The entire place is engulfed in fire. He's going to do one of those magician acts and try to, like, you know, throw a table over to get things out of the way and, like, try to put out the fire. None of this is working to the point where all of a sudden his dad is pissed off. You are the big disappointment. I wish you were never born. We can say maybe later on this summer. No, no, I can't even do that because the whole idea of phobia being there, the fears that the parents had were all about themselves, not even the son. So this is all pure. And so that's the weird play when I go with this. But I'm going to tell you, that is right there Bernard's fear. He says that later. So is how does that work then with phobia? How could it be that it's Bernard's fear happening, but maybe not really? It's forcing. Doesn't make any sense. But even then. I'm telling you, even before that, Tim ends up yelling to Firefly, I know you're working with somebody. How the hell would he know that? Detective work. (laughs) Detective work. He went to the bathroom, put on his costume. Also, you could almost say at the beginning, you ended up where, how can I take off my costume? Bernard's yelling, come on, Tim. Come on. We have to go. And he's like, oh, well, I'm going to keep it on. I'll put the clothes over it. I've done that before. And that, but never happened. And so it. Everything happens to not happen. Also, the idea that Firefly says, I'm going to burn all these places to the fucking ground because you didn't let me in. That That's his motivation. He's been classic pulled. Garfield. He's been, you know, <laughs> he doesn't know the right people to get into the fancy restaurants. Then when it is finally revealed that we'll get to it, that phobia is working with him. Tim just says you're working with somebody just so it ends up happening. But phobia's whole motivation is, I like to do crazy shit. That's yeah, all phobia is. Like, I'm, I'm doing some crazy shit. But the theory is that Find out for yourself, Bernard bitches. is afraid of fire. Okay. So the place is not really on fire, but there's no way. No, the place is engulfed. The thing is. It's a disco inferno, as I said in my video review. It's, it's crazy. This is what I'm saying, though. I need this to be real because, and the worst part is, like I said, I know it's not real. The fire is. The fire is all there. I need yeah, this to be there. something that phobia is doing because it's the only way it makes sense, but it's it's not there. So Bernard's father says, I wish you were never born. Bernard all of a sudden says, ah, I guess I'm just going to walk out of the fire now and go sulk out in the street. But then all of a sudden, Tim shows up in his, you know, dinner casual freaking wear that he's wearing. No longer Robin. Hey, are you okay? And they hug. They talk things out. They walk. They walk away from the restaurant. And all of a sudden, Tim's like, phobia oh shit i forgot my sweater i gotta go back we walked away from a burning restaurant where then tim is captured when bernard finally walks back firefly and phobia are both there have robin captured in a flame cage where his parents are in the burning building still fighting with with each other because of what phobia is doing to them tim drake walked stopping robin and walked away from this burning building with two freaking Super villains in there full of people. You have Bernard, and he gets told, I wish you were never born. He slowly walks and sits down on the steps in front of the restaurant. It's clearly still on fire. Yes. It's, it's engulfed in fl- He walks through flame. I mean, he's like Chris Angel in this shit. He's David Blaine. He's walking through fire. 
He sits down. Do, do we have that Buffy song, I'm going to walk through the fire from that, that uh, Once Well a Feeling song? Because that was a great song. The place is still on fire. Tim comes out, and you st- when he comes out to comfort Bernard, it's still on fire. You see flame yeah. behind. They hug and walk away. They walk away and start having conversations. The point where Bernard... Who is worse? The supervillains or your parents? Am I right? And I'm looking behind, and I don't know if it's just the light, but it's really an unfortunate deal. It looks like the whole block is burning down at this point. It really does. So they're talking kind of like where Bernard puts his hands behind his head. He's like, whoa, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, you guys walked away from a burning restaurant full of people, and Tim completely left Firefly. He tied him up, but he left him hanging in a burning building. They left. And then you end up... Out of nowhere, you end up having, and I thought, well, maybe everybody got out, but we go back and we see everybody still in the restaurant. So you end up having Bernard say, Bernard's parents. It was like my worst fears happening. Now we get Batman 66. Fears, phobia. Boom. He turns around and runs. Now in the minute, you end up where Bernard's like, where are you going? Your parents are catching on fire right now and dying. So he ends up chasing Tim. Tim somehow then changes again into his Robin outfit and is stuck in a cage of fire. What the hell? What the hell is what even the that? Hell? That's Firefly and Phobia yuck it up. Yeah, you know, and also they can make a fire cage. And yeah, I want to ask you right now, how does he get out of that fire cage? Because you don't even know. Pure willpower. Yeah. <laughs> Pure imagination. So you end up, Bernard goes, and he looks into the, the restaurant that's still just ablaze. People are arguing with each other about Maybe their greatest fears, but it seems like more of just them being pissed off and like the I idea. I don't want to you know, fuck you anymore. I want to fuck your brother. Blah, blah, blah. I'm dying. I only have 12 hours left. Well, I'll never have sex with you again. You're like, bitch, I only have 12 hours left. So whatever. Um, I mean, that's a fear. It's, but it's not real. Is that, but that's not like, I mean, it's weird. The whole play. But again, Look, I, I don't think know that, how phobia's powers are working here, honestly. Like, I, this is different than normal in my mind. Because I'm guessing that the dad's pretty much a piece of shit but phobia seemed to be working at that point because even then that's the clue for tim my dad said that that's my worst fear that's my phobia. oh my god phobia and he runs back so i don't know then bernard goes back his parents are just screaming about you know we're gonna get a divorce we're gonna do this and bernard does step up and he ends up being nice about it and not but then phobia grabs bernard by the neck and says this is that kid that I well, knew, or actually is. Firefly does that. He grabs the neck, but what, what is this? This is that kid with the messed up parents. I saw this again, and I wanted to go back while you were talking to see, is Phobia in the background of the restaurant scene before all hell breaks loose? We're like, hey, Firefly, this is the kid I was telling you about with the fucked up parents. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? And I, I think that you could play that, you know, Phobia was like right outside the building. or pe- I don't know. How does it work? I don't know. And then these people were saying, oh, you got it wrong. Uh, you know, the phobia is the fire. It's not really on fire. I'm like, so Firefly's just going around waving the, the flamethrower around. It's not. It's on fire. If there's no real fire, why would we have a phobia Firefly team up? Why not just use phobia if that was your only goal? Oh, yeah, exactly. And then how is Tim in a fire cage? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Phobia. This makes no damn sense. Is that or is that? The combo of the powers, they make a combo attack. But in that, you have Bernard. It's like when Mega there. Man steals Robot Master's powers and it's not as cool as Robot Master has. It's a little the different. The weird play is you end up having to 
have Bernard in danger, which you can seriously have a lot of different ways, but you end up Firefly grabs him by the neck, and then Phobia says, this is that punk I told you about earlier with the messed up parents. But that doesn't make sense. That allows then suddenly Tim's out of that fire cage. Ah. One punch, one kick, done. It's done. And this time, I'm sticking around until the GCPD gets here. I'm like, you should have did that before because we had a burning building full of people. And this is the problem now, where people are saying about the deal, the building doesn't look like it's on fire anymore. No. How did it go out? But there's fire damage in the building. So what is going on? Like, who put out the fire? I mean, the idea that GCPD, screw that. Where's the fire company? We need them. And where are they? I mean, there is what looked like a whole block on fire. Nobody's showing up. Nobody's doing anything. Tim is suddenly in costume, out of costume. Everybody, Phobia knows. It doesn't make any damn sense. But all the bullshit is behind us because now he can get back to character moments where Bernard tells Tim how he feels about him, gives him the necklace and tells him how he's his gay awakening, this entire thing. This moment between these two, he gives him a little, like, uh, a chain with a little B on him. Does that stand for Bernard or boyfriend? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's, it is a show of love between Tim and Bernard that is done the best way it has ever been done since Tim has become bi. And I just wish we could have gotten this kind of storytelling throughout the whole thing because I don't know what happened for our action well, I'll tell you. Book. I'll tell you the whole idea of when people are upset. And if you are, that's fine. That's your thing. The idea of having, hey, Tim is by came out late, like, that happens. It does happen in life. But you do have to show people that there's a progression to it and give character work so they can, you know, be done with it. This this series should have been the deal where at this point we had a lot of character work, understood what was going on and whatnot. But dude, maybe, went, fucking maybe just gone through the journey with Tim for his, you know, bio awakening to realize who he's been this whole time, how it reflects on the character, and what it might mean to somebody who is realizing this themselves through a comic book. Something along those lines to make this progression feel like it meant something and not just a goddamn way to sell a comic book by saying, oh, yeah, he's by now. Yeah, and and seriously, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you have to, you know, recognize in this book. There's a lot of people having all these ideas or whatever. But for me, when I went in to review this, I ended up afterwards and I did a video on the site and on YouTube and I kind of got this idea like there's lines drawn that suddenly if you don't like this book, you're just a hater that doesn't, oh, yeah. you know, you just a, and I, I ended up telling this one guy, I said, listen, overall now, you know, it, it, there's always exceptions, but overall, if you are honestly reviewing a book because you like something doesn't make you better and because you don't like it doesn't make you worse this is a review of a comic and this is one of the worst written superhero comics i've ever read Mar- megan fitzmartin does not understand any sort of thing with superheroes how to do progression but the stuff with bernard was nice i said it was nice i said in my review and people were losing their mind on me finally it's nice so we've had the status quo for a while now that i've wanted to see it explored and all of a sudden the book's already fucking canceled so how much more are we going to get from the situation we finally get it but it's just spread out through nonsense with the action i'll even go more of what i was saying by the end a nice moment at the end of something that you might have been waiting for this whole time in the series does not wipe away that bullshit in this issue. There was a legitimately in this issue, Megan Fitzmartin thinks that Tim Drake Robin is somebody that would walk away from the building that's on fire with innocent people inside. And his boyfriend's parents inside. And, too. and Bernard, yeah, and that's the thing. And I even went when I was trying to figure out 
Well, if it is Bernard just thinking that, well, then Bernard still walked away from a building that was on fire with people innocent, but it, it was on fire. They walked away. They were sitting, hugging on the stairs of a building that was on fire with innocent people caught in there. And, and, and when I, they I went back, they were still in got there. turned over from a gigantic fire explosion when Firefly did show up. And when you look, I said, there's fire damage on the walls and things like that. I know how that is, Eric. I had a lot of sickness. Yeah, really. I'm like, I think my phobia came to play. The phobia of reading shit-ass comics, because this sucked. And again, really nice. The best moments of this series is at the end, and a little bit at the beginning, but the, you know, hey, you're physics biology chef. At least by the end. By the end, and, and here's... I got real feels at the end. Well, here's where I can give you it's it's a compliment, but it's also an insult because at the end, Eric, it's that you're ugly as shit and I hate your guts. There you go. Where's the compliment? What, uh, the compliment was that I'm actually talking to you. You should be happy about that. But at the oh, end, okay. this stuff with Tim and Bernard is really, really good. But the thing is, that seems like that's all she wants to do. And she's writing and a superhero do, comic. But, she hasn't but I'm done saying it. overall, even that first, you know, first whole arc, six. That was nonsense because she does not know how to write a comic. I'm not even saying superhero comics. She doesn't get the progression. When the Tim setup, came or out, when we had the Batman urban legend, that was awfully done. All of a sudden, Bernard's part of a fucking death cult. None of that made any goddamn sense. And then all of a sudden, we had the continuation. Okay, now Tim is doing Dark Crisis, Young Justice stuff. We got to talk about when Tim was kissed awful. Wonder Girl and then Superboy was dead. It, none of that made sense. It was resolved fucking 20 years ago. It's it's uh, maybe 10 years, 15 maybe. I forget. It's been a long ass time is all I'm trying to get at. And now Tim Drake has his own series and we had to deal with Tim's got a barge, some weird people that live around the boat marina area and we got the Moriarty's here and Bernard and him are dating, but you don't really get anything out of it. And now you have a chance. It took that long for us to finally get a chance to see them as a relationship that made sense for somebody who like. It's the idea. You make the Kim character buy. People lose their minds because people are bigoted. They don't want their character to be something that they're not, so they're going to be upset about it. It's bisexual. It's not a big fucking deal. The character can be... And I'm telling you, I was thinking about today at work where it's almost an idea where do you piss everybody off because for years and years, I'm telling you, for 30 years now, maybe 20 years, people have been shipping Connor Kent and Tim Drake this entire time saying they're, they're gay lovers they all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, now you made them buy well, it's not enough because he's not fucking Connor. I just like, and people are pissed off if you do, man. But the idea is, this is the character. You need to show the progression of what it means to say this and make it make sense for the character who had been established the whole time because people do come out as bi. It's like the idea of uh, John Kent being trapped in a volcano for seven years. Oh my God, that's horrific. He had a freebie subjected to Ultraman. He came out, had no ramifications, never had any kind of like uh, emotional drama, any kind of journey to get over this. It's just like, ah, Tim's bye. All right, let's move on. I'm like, where is the drama? Where is the storytelling? Because you're failing on the, the aspects of the media that you're actually putting out right now. And I don't understand how that could actually happen. Yeah. And it's just the, the deal. Like, I even yelled about it, you know, all the time, every time that Marina and Moriarty and things like that, where I kept telling you, like, we're supposed to care about these people in the Marina. They don't know shit about any of them because it was never, they never were James. introduced. Then Moriarty at the end, it's like, it's James. You have to sit there and like, James? Oh, you know, the landlord. Oh, you mean the guy who just showed up this issue almost? He was there, but he just. It was like two issues ago and he he's like, hey, uh, this, this is a cipher. Oh, thanks, James. Yeah, thanks, James. Uh, what happened to the idea? Oh, no, that bad 
councilman is taking this and that. We don't have jobs. Nothing works. We'll worry about that tomorrow. Tonight is state night. When you're doing that throughout those seven, you know, this seventh issue, but through those six issues, you can have a page or two where you could have had some character moments with Tim and Bernard or the, and, and with that, have them where they're having a big bonfire at the fucking marina. Right. And then you can introduce them. She never did it. She never gave character work. So in this, when we get that beginning of physicist, but did you have any idea that he was going to college no. and doing all this stuff? We, she never said it. Chef. And then she has to throw like everything like, oh, he wants to be a chef and own a restaurant, but he's in college. So they, what? Like, well, how's that happening? Like, really? And so by the end, it's just a little too late. I mean, you ended up having nice moments. And then at the very end, you do have his mom texting. Like, and the funny play is they go home and I'm like, what ye old castle do you live in? I mean, did you have to go over a moat to get there? Look at that place. This entire time you've been talking since I finally shut up about, you know, Tim coming out of his butt, been staring at the page. It's a long brick, <laughs> stone brick hallway yeah. with three open doors. Bernard's mother stands in front of the first door. Her father walks past her to the second door, slams that door shut. We still have a third door. Is that Bernard's room? Yeah, it has to be. Well, Bernard's room, it's his cell. It's a long it stone like a hallway with three freaking doors. And I'm like, what is this home? That's the down home. I know you're supposed to be like, like fancy I, and I shit. I expect but the childminder being here, freaking grabbing kids and throwing them That's in there. That's what I think. They go and Judy's there running off the treadmill. <laughs> Keep going, Judy. Uh, yeah, they slammed the dead. Now again, please come home. The Bernard. play of the is this where is she upset because of what he said to Bernard, or is she upset of what they were yelling at each other with? I think she's just upset that she hasn't talked to her son in a year. And then she says, "You know, Bernard, I'm so sorry. Come home, please." I'm like, "No, that dad." Like she's not saying, "Hey, I had enough of your dad." Hey, I told him this or that. It's just come home. I'm not going back to that dungeon. Look at that place, but. Yeah, the, the whole the whole play of this takes a lot of money to make a home look like a dungeon like this. When we end up doing you know these books and we go through a lot of phases of characters changing and whether or not people think it's like out of the blue or it shouldn't be whatever. Me and you, as we're doing this, that we're, we're reviewing the books, we're reviewing the story. So if things change, you kind of have to go with it and you review it with that. So with that in mind, she ends up where it doesn't seem like she knows anything about these characters but yet hasn't even developed the other thing that she put in there. Yeah. It's just such a weird play. Like, you end up where where people are mad about him being by. The only thing that upsets me about it is it almost felt like at a point that was a shortcut to just make Tim her character, and then she could just go on and not really have to look into things. Because, Tell those stories. Yeah, she hasn't looked into how to write a comic. She, she might be great at whatever else, but she does not know comic book pacing. She definitely doesn't know setup and she doesn't know character work. It's everything that is basic, too. And a lot of times people were who liked the book said, oh, man, like they wanted this to fail. Riley Rossmo, if it had better art, you're not going to get much better art than this. Maybe Dan Moore comes on, but it's this is incredible art. I think it's fantastic. And it's still a mess. Progression, but yeah. I don't know if it's just because, I mean. If the script is what's being told here, I don't know what the hell you Honestly, can draw. It could, go, it could go either way for me, but I just I don't know who to blame. Like, at just this imagine point. I you have problems. this deal where it's like Tim is in a fire cage. You okay. have this, and then the next deal is Tim, you know, kicks and punches. Like, how do you progress that? It's just it's a mess. I'm gonna punch the fire. It's a mess. I'm just again, I just have to reiterate the idea that Tim Drake Robin walks away from a burning building. 
with people inside. And that's just, that's horrific. That should not ever happen with a character like this. And yep, I don't know. Tim didn't feel like it was like he was dumb or anything. I saw some people say, like, this ends up showing Tim as an idiot. But I don't know why he's walking away from that building. He's just looking in Bernard's eyes. He's lost in his eyes. But with all that, what would you give him? It's a weird thing to give this because I do love the art, even with some of my progression issues that I had. Like, again, I don't know if that's writing or the art or however it works out. I just know that I had some issues with it. Well, I think the book looked great overall. I love the Tim and Bernard stuff because it is the progression for things that actually feel like it matters in this book and not just a one-off supervillain bullshit story. Because when we deal with the one-off supervillain bullshit story, all of that is a goddamn mess. It's almost impossible to follow. People are coming up with theories because of how impossible the fucking follow it is to try to make it I'm make sense. I'm telling you, there's like 800 theories because it makes no sense. It's such a weird idea, though, because I love, I really love aspects to this book. And I gave that one issue of Tim Drake Robert a 7 out of 10, even though I didn't care for the art. And it just seemed like Megan Fitzmartin was doing some almost... You know, some uh, fan service ideas about Tim Drake, which maybe it, it worked on me because, like, okay, it seems like you actually know the character. You thought that was she turning the tables, right? Exactly. It up- seems like you know some insight on how uh, Tim Drake feels about the other Robins, his place in the Bad Family, all of that. And it felt like it could be somewhat. We completely abandoned that aspect of the story after that. That's, but I gave that a 7 out of 10, and I can't give this a 7 out of 10, even though I love aspects of this book more. It's, it's a very it's a big conundrum for me. I don't want to go to a 5.5, but I could go as high as a 5.5, but I want to give it a 5 overall. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there. Fuck you. Fuck your chicken strips, my friend. Strip. I'm sitting there listening to you and knowing, here. knowing my score. I'm just like, you're really trying to like, you want to be positive about it. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10, Eric. I'm, I, I need to be positive about the positive aspects of the book. You had Tim Drake walk away. From a burning, but I can't get past that. That is awful. You don't have to like sit there and think that one thing made this book fail. This book is one of the worst written books I've ever read in seven issues. It's all over the place. Nothing. So the the writing is so bad that if anything was taken out, Tim Drake completely straight as an arrow, this book would have failed. It would have failed. It's so bad with that. We're talking about a book where you said everybody who read it had a different idea of what the fuck was going on because it made no sense, no progression, no setup. And at the end, I'm like, they walked away from that. They're sitting in front of the thing on fire. I'm like, the flames are still going. Fireflies hanging up by the roof. Flames are going. He's going to end up dying. You said you don't care he's about fireflies. Fire. He's got flame. He's got yeah, flame he's got that, here. but he also has to watch people burn to death. And I guess he likes that. He's into that shit. Yeah. And again, remember, the motivation is you didn't let me in your fancy restaurants and then phobia who just out of nowhere phobia is there i just like to <laughs> fuck around i'm having fun I had a free hey. and they're like this is the greatest team up firefly and phobia i'm like no I, I wish he even had something where they came up with like a duo team name we're just at least talking about phobia because that's pulling a character out of your ass that no fucking like casual reader's gonna know about the casual reader all she's thinking of is what character can make the parents be awful to Bernard to upset him. That's all it was. And she's like, oh, Phobia. I even feel like Phobia's powers are weird here the way they're presented anyway. They're, they're really weird. You end up having that weird deal of like, my if my biggest fear is you dying in a car wreck, and I see that, but you're oh. big, like, how does that work out when you have your biggest fear, but I see you dying in a car No, no, my biggest fear is dying in a car wreck. So we're good. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, they're, they're completely good. You know what I mean? Like, it. You have to go by the perspective of the person, and and it started getting wonky. And even then, people were wondering, was Phobia around then? 
how did Tim say, I know you're working with somebody? I mean, at that point, Firefly just comes in and lights the place up and says, you didn't ah. let me in. That seems like weird Firefly, but it didn't seem like he was working with something. He wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. You know, he's setting things on fire. That's what he does. So at Firefly. the end, I'm like, the fuck is this? What the fuck? Remember we had that story where Firefly was working like with a new Firefly, a protege, and it was a double duo that was working for Two-Face? I like that idea. Yeah, Why I can't we get too. back to two Actually, Fireflies? that was good. And again, I like when you end up having villains like in that story where even in, in Flash and stuff with Heat Wave, when you have it where you get more of from the character than just, ha I'm burning shit down. Burn, baby! And then there was even parts with the idea that Megan Fitzmaurice, oh man, sorry about the puns. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. And the book's going to be stopped. And but at the end... this comes in here like with Scorpio and the Simpsons with a flamethrower. Yeah, that's what it is. At the end of this, though, where people... They did. They came out and people were celebrating the idea that the book is canceled. Hey, I'm a Tim Drake fan. I'm glad this shit is over. Please, you, you better be worried that DC just doesn't think that Tim Drake doesn't succeed in a regular book. This might end up just the greatest Robin of all time. And uh, uh, no, Tim can't work in a solo book. And and why can he in this? Because the writing's the awful. 90s the 90s disagree. is awful. I know. The writing's awful here. It's just the writing. The writing is so bad. And that's what DC has to know. DC doesn't have to think Tim Drake can't win, Tim Drake can't have a book, Tim Drake whatever. It's that you have to get better writers. Is this your book of the week, Eric? Is this your book no. of the week? Because what is your book of the week? My book of the week is Stargirl, The Lost Children, number five. Mine is actually that as well. Actually, I was going into this book. Like, do you remember what your scores no, are? No, I, I actually was so excited to say that Action Comics was mine because of the whole idea of the Dawn of DC. But no, it was Stargirl. And the Lost Children, we really, the, the thing is, when we were going through that issue, all we kept saying, how charming it was, and we loved oh, yeah. those kids, and it's so, that that wins me over all the time, and so, help me God, Eric, if those kids get lost again, I will lose my mind is what's going on. Don't Jimmy worry. and his we'll lost mind. Them. I need those kids, but people are already afraid the idea of having way too many characters go into that JSA book. What we said, if you're not on the Patreon, but if you want to be and listen to our Patreon spotlights, Eric, that range between hour to two hours each week two books picked by the badass of the get fresh crew go to patreon.com slash weird science and we were going through all these things and me and you just want a young jsa book that's all we want now we want all those characters on and have a clubhouse right have all the shit going on i love it play some D &D, like we were talking between things but yeah it'd be (laughs) really good but Again, two books each week picked by the badass of the Get Fresh crew on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. And two of these books that I'm going to tell you that come out next week will be on the Patreon. I will give you my picks and they'll be wrong, Eric. But only six books. So there'll only be four on the regular show, Eric. You get Friday off. Hooray. Congratulations, Eric. You did it. Here I are the it. books Adventures of Superman John Kent, number two. Which Eric I look said, to. Yeah. I was. I didn't know if you were going to say that or not when I was going through them with you before we started doing this. You said that you're looking forward to that. So, like, I hope that book can be everything I want it to be because all the story concepts are solid and everything that I want to see a John Kent book tackle. Yeah, and hopefully, Tom Taylor because he kind of meanders a bit. He he knows this is six issues, so get to it. So hopefully he does. But the next deal, Batman one thirty four. Both of us are looking forward to this. Yeah, we really liked the last issue. We were really excited about it. And I don't know if nobody's told me anything about this issue coming up. I haven't looked at it. Nothing, Eric. So I'm excited for that. 
We have Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo number six. People are looking forward to that. The Darling. I I keep having people tell me, and it's a weird... It's not terrible. It's just not something I care about, ultimately. People have latched onto that book so much that they start claiming that it's like the best book of the last 10 years. I'm like, no, no. It was started getting written 10 years ago, but it's not the best book of the last 10 years. But they love it so much. But really, when I ask them, because I want to crack the code as well. Like, oh, well, what do you like about it? A lot of them just, I I just like it. It's better than the other books. I'm like, that's not really an explanation. And again, anybody can like or hate anything with me. But you have to kind of have an opinion and some thought behind it, you know. Hopefully an educated opinion, but an opinion at least, not just. I guess it is an opinion. I like it more than the other book. That's what some guy legitimately <laughs> told me. He's like, I like, but what he, what it seemed, there was a tinge of hate for the other books as if like DC's doing bullshit, but this is the only book that's good. And at this moment, that's not true. There are a lot, there are a lot more good books right now than we had, say, a year ago. And I, I'm here for them, Eric. They, they, not a lot of them tonight, but uh, I'm here for them eventually. Uh, here's a book that you love. You want to marry. It's Poison Ivy, number 11. At one point, that book was really good. It fell off its its path a long time ago. And I told you. I was told I had a vendetta. I was right. No, you end true. up where you're doing that whole crazy spa deal and nonsense and HR. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe when that book eventually does get back to Gotham, I don't know why, but maybe it will get better. I don't know. The Flash number 796, we're looking forward to that. The finale to the One Minute War. Yeah, so we have a lot of things going on. What's up with Wally? Right? What's up with with Iris? What's up with all this stuff? We're going to have to see. Will Barry's crazy plan be crazy enough to work there? Hopefully. I don't know. I hope so, too. I just think it's going to be Gold Beetle saving the day out of nowhere. It might be. I, I maybe we'll get an explanation of what's going on in Planet Flash, like more into that. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's a weird detour for that series out of nowhere. I know. Maybe we'll actually start this next series. Oh, wait a minute. It's an issue number seven. The huh? Joker, the man who stopped laughing, number seven. Maybe we'll oh. get going. Solomon Grundy there is feeding rats to foe Joker. It's got to be great, though. It's Solomon Grundy, because whenever he shows up and pairs with somebody, I have a good time. So hopefully that continues with this issue. My guess, Eric, is that we don't see much of Solomon Grundy. I, I think that this book, Matthew Rosenberg, is a hack. Uh, that's just my you know, educated opinion. The idea of the story, we have a whole trade. I said it over and over. I'll say over and over that we have six issues behind us in a trade that the most memorable thing that anybody will remember is but baby Joker. That's all they'll remember from it. I try not to remember that. That's a backup nonsense story, and that's the only thing that people will remember from that. And I'm saying people are reading the book because I don't really remember much overall. I do end up finding well, out. Joker in L.A. doing all those L.A.X. jokes. Yeah, I think that we're still there awful. because he never left. Uh, we have to still deal with it. I hope that <laughs> there better not be any L.A. I do remember now, Eric, that that's where Punchline joined <laughs> the Legion of Doom. You were right with that in issue yeah. three. We talked about that earlier tonight. So, yeah, those are the books. So two of those, I would believe that what we'll have on the Patreon Spotlight is Ventures of Superman John Kent. And the, and the one minute war finale. The flash. Yeah, that's that's what I think we'll get. Uh, maybe Batman, but maybe Batman never really gets picked, right? Well, Deadly Duel would be good. Get that the hell done. That's early, right? People love that book. They do, but so maybe it's better on the page <laughs> so they don't hear us 
not like it, but oh well. That's we'll the thing. See. We keep giving it decent scores. It's just not something we love and talk about like so as highly as other things we enjoy. I like. I think that it's decent enough, except the story is it's just convoluted. It's so out of no. I don't know. It's it doesn't really make sense. I can't even think like the full deal. We got the the teeth and the the, the ears, right? Look, what if Jigsaw? Kidnapped people and made stem cell clones of the Yeah, Joker. that's what I was going to say. It's a stem cell jigsaw that kind of makes you have teeth in your shoulder at home and then brings his daughter back from the dead. There you go, Eric. The Sometimes. We don't, even have better. To, we don't even have to reveal it. Yeah, we'll see what Jacob in that Dark Knights of Steel. Hey, we, did, we have a wedding to go to this issue. I know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big one. So. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how it goes. But I hope that everybody enjoyed listening to the podcast tonight as much as I enjoyed talking to Eric Shea. That's a lie, but I hope everybody can lie to themselves about liking it as well. But please, as we said, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird sites. Help us out for all we do here and get a ton of shows. I was actually looking. I looked up on the Patreon and anybody can do this. Go to the Patreon, just blank page and just hit like comics or DC comics and then go down. And look at the posts that people have, the amount. And then when you hit us, you'll see that we, we do a little bit more. I'm telling you, I'm going down this list, and it's like 100, 250, okay. And then we get to ours, it's almost 4,000 now. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. What the hell? I got to get a, some, I, not free time. I got to get something to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually, again, when we used to have the podcast that would last 12 hours, that was a bit of pride, at least for me. I used to love, so now I'm shifting it to, we we do so much there. So yeah, go over there. It's neat over there. And then you get to go on the Slack, and then I could yell about you on the podcast. That's how it goes. Uh, But also go to our website. (laughs) That's one of the big caveats of being a Patreon. Uh, I get to yell about you, that you drove me nuts in the Slack because you liked something I didn't and wouldn't listen to my opinion, right? I, I try to stay out of it. I don't know what you're doing. I over actually, there. I gave a, I gave an applause and a pat on the back to everyone. I told you this in the Slack this week because I do like that when I go in. I, I, we don't want it to be where you show up, Eric shows up, and somebody's like just saying how they hated the Flash, and Eric shows up. Man, that Flash is great, and then the guy flip flops just because it's you. And it's not like that. People give me so much shit. There's even As a channel. Should. I think I got rid of the channel. <laughs> Oh, no Lame James channel. There's a Lame James Give Lame James Shit channel. People like to give me shit. But if that's the thing, when when we're in there, I sometimes think to myself, am I really serving a good purpose here arguing with somebody in this about it? But most people are there to kind of talk and argue about comics. And usually by the end, everybody kind of grabs a little bit of the other's opinion. And, you know, I bring it here and yell about you. But then you go to our website, weirdsciencedccomics.com. Speaking of yelling, you get Gabe's reviews over there. And some of mine. I told you I was coming back, and I came back with a vengeance. I came back with the biggest book of the week, Blue Beetle. Mm. You did it. (laughs) I'm doing that. And I'm I'm doing that. I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it kind of like what everybody else does. Even at one point, I sent you one of those AI Things that I put in the things to have an AI review, and I swear it's better than half the reviews you see on Comic Book Roundup. But then I go and sit down to do my review, and I'm like, why did I just spend an hour and a half on Blue Beetle? Because I'm doing jokes. I'm like, I don't know how to do it, Eric. I don't know how to do it, but also go over to our YouTube channel where I do some videos as well. 
and that is Weird Science Comics, and that has manga, Marvel, and DC, all of that all rolled up into one over there, and some video reviews, some commentaries, right? Little yeah. thing, shows. I might have Eric on as a guest sometime. I'm going to interview him about his toys, maybe. No, I'm not going to do that because you're just going to make fun of me the entire time. Well, that's what it would be. It'd be great. I, know. I, I, I don't need I to be railroad, ambushed. I railroad ambush you into it. Like, I'm like, this will be great. And then, and it's like the worst freaking thumbnail that you could ever have. It's you with like in your underwear with like spaghetti sauce on your chest. I don't know why. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. But thanks everybody again for listening. That is it. And Eric, what do we say at the end of the show? Everybody have a great week. week. Keep it weird. Weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in seven. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.